Hey everyone, welcome to episode 113 of the MTG Grindcast. This is an extra special giant-sized... Ah, uh, ah, uh, lots uh, of giants uh, in Thronaville, Drain. <laughs> this is... Lee is not happy with this. I haven't been introduced yet, I can't just say things. <laughs> Lee's here. I have hey, to wait my turn. Hi! Collins is here too. <laughs> oh, hello. Thanks to all of our patrons. We did stuff this weekend. I don't want to talk about literally anything but... These Throne of Eldraine cards. Great. We, great. we okay with that? Oh, yeah. Okay, There's great. a lot to go through. <laughs> There's a lot to go through. We are going to do them in slightly different order. Lee wanted to do all the food cards first, so he made the spreadsheet, so we're doing all the food cards yeah, first. Yeah, I, I was real hungry when I made the spreadsheet. <laughs> I just really wanted to talk about all the food cards. Great. Because they kind of work together, you know? They do. And some of them are broken all on their own. Yeah, I actually looked at all the food cards when I was making this big old list. And most of them are just filler there's a limited lot, cards. There's a lot of limited fodder there. there. Like, if there's like 60 food cards, like 45 of them or 50 of them are like limited cards. Yeah. We're not baking anything into a pie no. and constructed. But there are some really good ones and some cards that key off food. So it's good to know that like what makes food and what uses it. Yeah. Again, as we've been doing, and I think it seems to be a pretty good way of doing this, rather than giving like a hard grade to each card because it just doesn't really make sense for constructive purposes. We are just going to look up how much they cost and pick a number of them to pre-order based on like whether they're over or undervalued, whether I think I'm just going to need them for every single deck. And Lee, you're going to be pre-ordering at the yeah, same time? I'm going to waste my money too. Okay. Spend my money. <laughs> I won't be wasting any money, but I'll, I'll be giving my input on you know cards and stuff. Yeah. So. All right, so let's get started with these food cards. So... First off, we have a banger. This is Oko, Thief of Crowns. Um, this is one, a green, and a blue for a four loyalty planeswalker. Plus two, create a food. Plus one, target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness 3-3. Three, three. Minus five, exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. Uh, and in case you haven't been paying any attention at all, foods are clues that you sacrifice to gain three life rather than a card. And relevant for this card, there are artifacts that you can give your opponent, which is pretty great. I will, I just want to like toot my own horn here. Okay. Upon seeing Oko Thief of Crowns, I accurately predicted exactly what food tokens were. I so remember this. I yeah. Felt pretty good about that. Although, I, if I recall, you didn't realize that you would have to pay two mana for this. Okay. Sacrifice. Do you? You're right. But I did say three life. So. You did. And that was, we were all blown away. I don't, I don't have yeah. a food token in front of me. Do food require you to tap the artifact? To sacrifice it, or are they like clues where you can tap them from? You know what? I have no idea. Because that's relevant for Shimmer Dragon. That is relevant for Shimmer Dragon. Um, to it, tap it sacrifice yeah. this artifact. So you do need to tap the... It makes it a little worse, but not, not too much. Yeah, I don't think like really measurably. Especially not in the case of like what Oko does specifically. No. I think this card is a basically completely insane three-mana Planeswalker. Your opponent has very few plays into it that don't just, like, kind of suck. If you play Oko, make a food. They can't just play a creature. You just steal it and still have Oko. They kind of need to just directly remove Oko with, like, the hero's downfall in this set or something like that. And then at least you still get a food token that maybe you can use. If it stays in play, it's just doing a lot of stuff, whether that's, like, turning their good creatures into 3-3s or stealing their small creatures or turning their artifacts into 3-3s. You can also do weird stuff with, like, 
I heard somebody say Dreadhorde Invasion, so you like make your token into a 4-4, and then you make the, into the next one into a 4-4. Yeah. But like this doesn't need any of that. This card's just good a lot of the time, I believe. Yeah, Oko does like the classic Planeswalker thing of... This as soon as you cast this card, the game becomes about this card. Yeah, your opponent has to get rid of it. You know, has to have something. Likely has to have something already on board to be able to pressure it when it comes down. Mm-hmm. And putting that on a three mana card is kind of scary. Yeah. Okay. So. And the the better things too is that Oko, if they have a large creature, Oko can just make it a three three that loses all its abilities. Yeah. So and if they have a large. <laughs> yeah, if they have a dragon or something that's yeah. gonna kill Oko. You play Oko, make it a 3-3. Yeah. And presumably you have your own creatures because you're playing a green deck. Right. So Oko's really, 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 really good, in, especially the earlier you play it. Yep. Later in the game, you're really kind of relying on the uh, the making something into an elk ability. Because mm-hmm. food is slow. Stealing creatures, it's power-gated. So it's much worse later right. than... Once your opponent game. is making 6-6 six, six hydrogen crises... Yeah, it's not then nearly as good. Make, and making those into 3-3s three doesn't work out super well because that's still a 9-9 nine, nine then. Yeah, Ground Pounder though. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, still has some good utility when making, like you, it turns off the legendary artifacts that are in this set. Yeah. The Cauldron of Eternities, the Great Henge, stuff like that. Yeah. Which is really useful utility. Uh, but you're really, really relying on that good early game with Oko, or on the play at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that, just a lot of games... The very early turns are going to be all about Oko, and it's he's going to give a huge advantage. He's so, so hard to kill. He has six, six. loyalty and after I, you make that food. That's huge. Both of the three mana planeswalkers in the set go up to six loyalty the turn they come into play, and that's so many loyalty. So yeah, this card I think is pretty appropriately priced at about twenty five bucks right now. I think we kind of missed the like twenty ish dollar window. A little painful, but. It doesn't seem like a card that's going to go too much above that, especially being yeah. multicolored. But I don't really want to scramble to find these when I need them either. So yeah, I'm I'm probably just kind of jam four as well. Yeah, I, just like any deck that's running it, it's a three mana planeswalker. You probably just need four. So yeah, because because it's so good. It, the difference between having it in the early game and having it in the late game is so high. So it seems like playing four is a good way to start, even yep. if that's not where you end up. Yep. And this is, like, the main way to also have Gilded Goose in your deck, so... Do you want to talk about that one next? We can talk about that one next, yeah. So, Gilded Goose is one green mana for an O2 flying. When it enters the battlefield, you create a food. One in the green, tap, create a food token. Tap, sacrifice a food, add one mana of any color. So it's a single shot Birds of Paradise that you can sort of reload. If you curve straight into Oko with it, then you can, like, keep using it. And I think Gilded Goose into Oko is just a raunchy start. Yes. Mostly because you have Oko in play on turn two. Yeah. Uh, the the goose, you, you've just like assembled a really cute combo to make a Birds of Paradise, <laughs> which really speaks to how good Birds of Paradise is, honestly. Yeah, Birds is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. And the other element of this card I really like is that like if you don't have any immediate plays to make on turn two, you can just use your turn two to make another food token so that you know you don't need any other card to have a play on the second turn with this card. Uh, you can just make a second food token, and then you'll be able to get more utility out of your goose. Not to mention the late game potential of just you know being able to stock up on some food tokens, get those eggs. I do think this card is a little bit overrated in that like a lot of decks that ran Llanowar Elves are not just going to put these in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a gruel card the way that Llanowar Elves was a gruel. Oh card. yeah, certainly not. This is a food card, not mm-hmm. a like I, I expected this to go in like the food decks, but not really much else. 
I, I think it may also go into like Nissa decks to give you that out of turn three, you know, the possibility of the turn three Nissa. Maybe. I Just because like our ritual into Nissa is like fine. It, it kind of depends on whether or not anything else you can do with food exists, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Because uh, this card is really. It's more similar to a Lotus Petal than a Llanowar Elves. Yeah. Like, when you play Llanowar Elves on turn one, you're just a turn ahead every turn. Mm-hmm. When you play this on turn one, you're just a turn ahead the next turn, or whenever you use that food. Yeah. Which is not nearly as good. So if there's something that produces food, or you can use the food tokens mm-hmm. in some regard, Gilded Goose has a lot of value, because it's a, a mana card that allows you to use it to do other stuff. Yeah, and, and there's that sort of, like, energy-ish thing to food, in that if they deal with the Gilded Goose you're up of food. So, like, that's one of the reasons that Servant of the Conduit was such a good mana guy. You play it on turn two, they magma spray it, you got two energy that's going to go somewhere at some point in the game. If your deck uses food, then you play Gilded Goose and they go, uh, I gotta shock this. You're up of food. It's one-third of the way to Feasting Troll King. (sighs) Feasting Troll King is one we're going to talk about. (laughs) Um, I don't really want to pay $30 for a playset of Gilded Goose right now. $8 right now? I think they're pretty overpriced at the moment. Yeah. I think that'll go down to like 2 or 3 I think so too. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm the same. I'm gonna buy 4 eventually, but it's not gonna be now. Yeah, I, I, I just... It'll be frustrating, especially if I want to play Oko the first weekend and want to play Gilded Goose with it, but it's just not... I'm not playing in the Open that weekend anyway, so it's just not worth it to me to do that, so... Not happening. All right. Now let's scroll through some of the other food stuff. Um, we've I, got... I included Savvy Hunter just because it's like one of the only cards that makes a food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's actually like repeatable. Yeah, there's not a lot of sources for food. Um, this is one black green for a 3-3 human warrior. Whenever it attacks or blocks, create a food token. Sacrifice two foods, draw a card. This is the kind of card that like if we had a lot of... You know, this is the kind of card that would be good in an energy-style deck where you have a lot of food stuff floating around and then can do stuff with it. To me, this has to get into combat to do a thing, needs two foods to do its other thing, isn't particularly big, costs black-green. So I'm just not excited about this card. Yeah, it's it's a limited hallmark or signpost, whatever they call them. Yeah. The, the draft rounds. Yeah, I, which I, sometimes <laughs> make it. Crackling Drake made it. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's worth, it was definitely worth looking at because it's just one of the very, very few repeatable ways to get food, along mm-hmm. with Witches Oven and Oko and Goose. Yep. And this card just falls short. Like, so making food isn't worth enough by itself. I yeah. agree. Right. At least making food in, in this way of like... You have to be in combat have to, and all yeah, that sort of thing. Doing stuff. Here's a way that I do like making food, however, which is Witches Oven. This is a one mana artifact. Tap, sacrifice a creature, create a food token. If the sacrifice creature's toughness was four or greater, create two food tokens instead. I anticipate that never coming up in construct. Well, holy crap, sacrificing Troll King you get two? Yeah, you get two. That, okay, so that's going to come up constantly in Constructed. Sacrificing Questing Beast gives you two and they try to remove it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just going to come up a lot. And you, you don't want to sacrifice your big creatures, but they're going to try to kill your big yep, creatures. Yeah, and you've just got Witches of it. You're, you're just going to have Witches of it. And this card, free is, sack outlet. this card is bonkers with Feasting Troll King. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. I think this card is just really important in general, whether it's in like Aristocrat style decks that we keep wanting to build and are never good, but more importantly in these, we got to get to Feasting Troll King real quick. <laughs> Next card. <best. laughs> Do you want to say anything about Witches of it, Collins? I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a card that it's going to depend on you know, what kind of decks are looking for things. It might turn Feasting Troll King into, like, the next Hogak. It'll be interesting to see what kind of 
<clears throat> what kind of builds people come up with to put this in? I love this card. A bunch of stuff I like about it. It's hard to interact with. It's a <clears throat> it's an artifact. It's really really cheap. Mm-hmm. And no, costing no mana to activate is like, yeah yeah. It's thank it's God only one mana. Thing. You can play it early. There's not a lot of early plays in standard usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's just free. You can activate it whenever you want. Yep. Like your opponent targets your thing with removal. You don't have to worry about whether you have a mana open to sacrifice your dude like with some of these other cards. Right. You just get the food. Yeah. And I mean, that's been a philosophy that R&D has really, like, embraced is, like, things getting turned off when you haven't, like, kept them turned on by having mana and stuff. Sacrifice outlets tend to be mana gated so that your opponent can, like, figure out a way to get your guy off the board without you getting the sacrifice value. So, Witch's Oven, I think, as long as your deck can use food somehow, it's going to really do some stuff. Honestly... Even if it can't, food is not bad if you're using the the Witch's Oven for other stuff. It, it does gain life. Right. So if you're playing like a... I've seen reanimator style builds mm-hmm. that play uh, Emery, which is a card that keys off artifacts to and mills you. Mm-hmm. So then you try to get creatures into play, mostly Feasting Trollkick, which we'll talk about, yeah. uh, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to put things in the graveyard and get food. Yep. And then you just get value with your food over time if you don't have Troll King. One of the cool things as well is that... If you have a Mayhem Devil in play, sacrifice a creature, you get a ping out of it, sacrifice the food, whether it's to its ability or something that lets you sacrifice the food, you get another ping out of it. So it's it's doubling every one of those. Mayhem Devil also keys off your opponent's food. That's true. It's, it's any player wow. sacrifices. So that's crazy. if they're playing Gilded Goose or whatever, yeah. you get to ping them on, the, on every time they sacrifice. Ooh, every time you hit with Rankle and each player sacrifices a creature, that's yeah. two pings? That's two pings. I'm into that. All right, so we keep heralding his arrival, but here's the Feasting Troll King. Two green, 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 six mana total. He's a Troll Noble, seven, six, Vigilance, Trample, just good stack of abilities and size. When Feasting Troll King enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand, create three food tokens, sacrifice three foods, return Feasting Troll King from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only during your turn. So most of the conversation I've seen about initial standard brews so far have centered around Feasting Troll King decks. It's a way to cheat mana. It's yeah. the first thing you got to look at. I assumed that this card put itself into your hand. Yeah. Uh, it does not. That would be a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. That's a normal... <laughs> That's like, not what this card's about. Good limited this, rare. This whole year is about cheating mana costs, Chris. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed. It's, the, it's like we had the... the the Chandra year, and now this is like the year of just like casting seven power tramples or huge trample <laughs> yeah. guys for, for no mana. I, I just am not interested in paying mana for my spells, and this card keeps up that trend. I mean, this is where I'm starting in standard two, I think. Just like the the lists I've seen have just been able, they're not tuned, they're bruised, and they're just able to power this thing out. And, and it's not legendary. So you can power up multiples, and Witch's Oven sacrifices this for... That means every time they aim a removal spell at Troll King, if you have a Witch's Oven out, it's two-thirds of the way to just coming back. That's really good. And just kind of, you know, has the ability to come back after you cast it on its own. It's just like you're already getting two, and then, you know, you have the additional extras. Yeah, and the castle, the green castle... Like gets you to casting this a turn earlier. Well, not even a turn earlier. It's this card's quad green, right? So uh, it fixes the, your yeah. Mana the too. castle, the castle only requires you to have three green. I believe the castle itself, and then two other greens. Yeah, true. So it, it does kind of fix your mana. It, it lets you having four green mana is a lot, right? Especially when losing like half our dual lands. So feasting troll king, 
Oh, I'm I'm in for four of this card. Yeah, I'm I'm easily in for four of this card. This is at a dollar forty-two. Yeah. What a deal! We're in for it. <laughs> easy, easy, easy pickup. Wow, this card's cheaper than the Gilded Goose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and crazy. <laughs> I don't think Gilded Goose is in all of the no, like potential builds decks, of yeah. Trolking. So I and I I really feel that this is like the Hogak of standard for for at least yeah. Um, like solutions to it are like we do have Leyline of the Void and Grafdigger's Cage. So thank God for those. <laughs> I think jury's still out on whether this will be the Hogak per se, mm-hmm. and not, not. I don't expect Neely's dominant Hogak. No, like, no. There's just so many ways to counterplay in standard. Mm-hmm. I way mm-hmm. th- the form is just much slower. I don't think it'll ever can get too dominant, or at least I hope so. Probably not. But we'll but see. At least in like play pattern wise, it feels yeah. a lot like it. It feels like any sort of mid range deck is going to have to play this card or not be able oh, to keep yeah. up. So in that way, I think it's going to be format warping. I think that the format is going to kind of devolve into decks that include this and, you know, like good value engines mm-hmm. and then other like potential like linear strategies of like, you know, maybe you're trying to get under this card or right. uh, like control strategies might try to find a way to like shut off the graveyard with a Grafty's cage or something. But an exile removal doesn't work because of Witch's Oven, which yeah. is one of the scary things. There's right. also just not that much of it. Right. Sure. We don't have Raska's Contempt anymore. No. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, definitely format warping in that way where a lot of like traditional archetypes in standard of just like, you know, do mid-rangey things. Probably mm-hmm. not, like, those archetypes are all going to include this card, which I don't really like the sound of, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, and you do have to dedicate a lot of your deck to making this card work. Like, yeah. basically the entire deck is focused on it. Yeah. So, you know, there may be ways around doing that where you just are really able to do a mid-range thing that has a powerful sideboard plan that shuts down their trolls and you can beat them with planeswalkers because there's lots of good planeswalkers too. True. Next food card we've got is Trail of Crumbs. This is a one and a green for an enchantment. When Trail of Crumbs enters the battlefield, create a food token. Whenever you sacrifice a food, you may pay one. If you do, look at the top two cards of your library. You may reveal a permanent card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. I'm not super into this card. No, I've heard a lot of people talking about it, like especially when spoiler season was going on. They're like, oh, Trail of Comes. It's a good value engine. Mm-hmm. There's a good food generation. You can you know, pay one for every food you sacrifice is the key here. Yeah. Uh, and then you just look at the top two and try to get some value. But that, there's way too many conditions for this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just don't get it. It's just kind of too slow to be able to do much of anything. And then also, there's just not a lot of ways to get food that's great. And, you know, if you're sacrificing food, like, in mass to get your 7-6 back, you know, you're not really... Yeah, you don't have need more like, value. <laughs> yeah, you don't really need more value, and you're not always going to have just, like, three mana to throw away and... That is kind of the way to do it, though. Like, you really don't want to be paying two to sacrifice your food and triggering this at the oh, same yeah. time. You really want to be sacrificing food to Gilded Goose to pay the one. Yeah, yeah Or yeah. sacrificing food to bring back your Troll King and then paying a couple of mana to, right. to look. So this may be a way to, like, double grind in a mirror with Troll Kings or something like that. Well, but the, the other thing about this card is that you only look at the top two. Yeah. Which is a ridiculously low number. Mm-hmm. You're basically... So, assuming you have all those conditions where you're, you've are you set up your deck where you can sacrifice food to not 
the food itself. Yeah. Like a troll king or something. And troll king isn't enough value for you. So you want to go deeper. <laughs> we must go deeper. <laughs> you play this. You make. You pay some mana. You look at the top two. You see two spells. Okay, whatever. You see a spell on a land. You take the land, I guess. And then you see a spell on a creature, finally. You're like, finally. So the, the one thing that balances that out, though, is that some number of your spell slots can be adventure creatures. That's true. So I bet this will see some amount of play. Whether it's sideboard play or something like that, you got to be a relatively food heavy deck. So the types of decks that can use it is like, you okay. know, Oko decks, Oko decks, Troll King decks, and it's probably like a sideboard card. Uh, like if if they are gonna leyline you, and then you have all of your food generators, you can sort of juke that by being a Trail of Crumbs, like some sort of value deck post board potentially. But I'm I'm not excited about this card as a general like engine or something like that. At a quarter, I'll pick two up for that particular plan, but I'm also just not, like, super optimistic that's a thing that happens. No, I'll pick zero up. I don't believe in this card. That's totally reasonable. <laughs> I, I don't foresee myself ever needing it t- to be in a spot where I need to grind and also have food and also way to generate food mm-hmm. and also not already be in the game, you know? Yeah, that's totally, totally reasonable. Like, this card costs a card when you cast it. But you that know. food can turn into a card... It's slow. It's slow. It's slow. It's slow. You gotta have like some it. other sacrifice outlet. All right. This next card, fast, super fast. Okay. Bartered cow. Bartered cow. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's a fast card. Three and a white for three three ox. When it dies or when you discard it, create a food token. Ooh. That's it. It's got madness zero food token. It's a food token with madness zero. Is what this card is. Wow. Great. You just gotta find some good uh, discard outlets. Yeah, I have no idea how to use this card, but like. <laughs> It's a permanent that goes into play for free when you discard it to whatever. You know the most I've thought about this card is how well the flavor works. Yeah. Because the best way to discard it is with Haggle. It's ah, a bartered cow. What good is Haggle? Stuff. Haggle is a red mana. It's part of a card. It's an adventure. It's a red mana uh, disc rummage. It's a red mana rummage. Oh, right, right. Okay. So you discard yeah, it, yeah. make a food. And then it has a three mana looter or whatever. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. We'll get to it later. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea how this card actually gets used, but... Anything that lets you get something out of discarding it without paying any mana at all, there's, like, a chance that that turns into a thing. I'm not going to, like, bother, like, dealing with opening up the package with four bartered cows in it. I'm not ordering this card right now, but uh, it's got a chance. I wish this card were smaller so I could feel good about discarding it to Mine Routes and Limited. <laughs> but it's just a hill giant. Yes. I'm just not going to discard it. <laughs> gotta right. cast this hill giant. Uh, next card. I really like this card. This, this is Chris's favorite card in the this set. This is my favorite card in the set. It's yeah. it's pretty cute, too. <laughs> Cauldron Familiar, one black for a 1-1 cat. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Sacrifice a food, return Cauldron Familiar from your graveyard to the battlefield. For me, this is mostly like an aristocrats sort of card. We have now three different one black mana one drops that you're like totally fine with sacrificing two stuff between this and Gutter Bones and Footlight Fiend. It's important that they're all the same color so because our mana bases are so bad so you can like really tilt towards having black mana on turn one and not worry too much about like grim initiate or whatever this thing works really well with witch's oven in being like an invincible blocker that drains them for one each turn and if you have a mayhem devil out you also get like a fork bolt out of that each turn and if you have judith out or whatever like you're doing a lot with this thing potentially that said you know, aristocrats decks are always bad. So, who knows? 
listening to Chris talk about this card uh, makes me understand why every single one of Chris's M20 drafts have the skeleton in it. No, oh, <laughs> the just, skeleton is good in M20. <laughs> he just loves the the infinite recursive uh, one mana I, <laughs> creatures. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I have always hated the skeleton. Uh, okay. Reassembling skeleton, I think, has been unplayable in... Wait, are we talking about reassembling or sanitarium? Uh, sanitarium skeleton, sorry. Okay. Reassembling skeleton is pretty good. Um, sanitarium skeleton, I think, has been unplayable in most of the formats that it's been in. In M20 in particular, there's just a lot of ways to use it yeah. to just, like, keep cycling through it. You, you can dump cards into your graveyard. Like, there's a lot of things that you can do with that card in this format. Like, you can use it with the looter for, like, insane amounts of value. No, it's good. Anyways, I'm, that's I'm, my I'm definitely not saying skeleton. that either one of these cards are bad, but I'm just I'm just noticing Chris's appreciation for these kinds of cards. But that's a that is a format specific identification of the quality of that card. That's fair. So okay. just just to explain myself. <laughs> so for Cauldron Familiar, <laughs> uh, the reason I don't like this card is it's an engine card that requires another engine card. Yeah, and I feel like if you have Witch's Oven and you're Keying off sacrifices already. You're probably this, doing okay. Yeah, this card's fine. Like, I would probably have a couple on my board, because mm-hmm. it gains life. It's probably good against Monterey or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I, I just don't see this card having that much value. Because there's, like we said, so few ways to create food, especially in block. Right. I mean, I think it really is just like, you've got to have your Aristocrats deck want four Witches' Ovens in it. And then you start really looking at Cauldron Familiar. You do need some number of awful one drops to make this deck yeah, work to, to have the creatures to sacrifice and i think this is just gonna be one of them yeah it's a little better than sanitarium skeleton i mean it's also just like a baby feasting troll king you know <laughs> well it's also a cat it's so also a cat it's great i'm getting them whatever <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll stand by you as you purchase them great i, I will not be <laughs> it's uncommon so it's a quarter i'll spend a dollar for four cats i'm happy to do that all right, next up is one that I had to get you to add to the food list. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Giant Opportunity, two and a green, sorcery. You may sacrifice two foods. If you do, create a 7-7 seven, seven giant creature token. Otherwise, create three food tokens. Um, I've just seen a lot of the Feasting Troll King decks running this card. I think it's good in that deck. It's three mana, bring back a Feasting Troll King. Provides a sort of like alternative plan if they've shut down your <laughs> Feasting Troll Kings. Relatively easy to just make a three mana 7-7, seven, seven, which is a fine start. Uh, to a game basically in that deck i think this card is good yeah i mean i think it definitely is going to depend on how uh hard to get food tokens on the battlefield is Mm -hmm. like if we're really looking for more ways of like getting extra food tokens to turn into troll kings or whatever yeah this is definitely a card that we can look to to do that i'm not super excited about it Um, no definitely not but it is kind of neat that you know if you if you draw this and just like have some like excess foods you can turn it into a real creature yeah i don't know i'm 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 definitely gonna have to do a lot of exploring into what these food decks look like before i can figure out if this is really what we want it seems like this this card to me comes across as a card that initial builds are going to include but eventually cut it does kind of feel like that doesn't it feels like one of those cards to me the only thing that's making me kind of think that it might belong in the deck maybe ultimately as like a two of or something like that Mm -hmm. is number one you i think you can use like any number of food because the way that the ones that i've liked have been built have been like really heavy on mill and so at some point you just have access to like three feasting troll kings and you're just like get in there boys and you just want to turn all your your food and all your cards into feasting troll kings uh the other thing is also like 
this provides a built-in juke against Leyline of the Void. So that's fair. I I I don't really know what to think of this card. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard to for me to evaluate, and I like. I'm pretty sold with Collins that I think we want maybe one or two mm-hmm. just because there's like not a lot of ways to make food and it's a good kind of halfway haymaker. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm down for two. I like two. Cool, cool. I bought four just because I don't think it's worth saving 50 cents and then I have a deck that like needs four and then I just only have two. So that's what I've done. <laughs> Next up, this isn't really a food card i think you've tricked me here lee uh excuse me this is a food this is ginger brute <laughs> a one mana artifact food golem creature it is haste one one pay one it can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with haste delightful flavor yes uh two in a tap sacrifice ginger brute you gain three life also delightful flavor <laughs> delicious ginger brute it's just, a, it's just a good one mana aggressive drop that we'll see play since we've lost a bunch of our good one mana aggressive guys for red decks. I like that a lot of people are turning towards, I think the card's called 10 Street Hooligan. Maybe that's not the name of the card. Nope. 10 Street Dodger. It's from 10 Street, I think. Yeah. It's a red. It's I think 10, 10 Street Dodger. 10 Street weird, Hooligan you know. kills an artifact, though. Oh, that's the good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 10 Street Dodger is the one mana 1 1 red creature that can Has make haste. itself unblockable. Yeah. Does it even have haste? It does have haste. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, but people have been playing 10th Street Dodger to... It has a haste one drop that can give itself evasion. Yeah. And with things that don't have Defender. And this card is like the same card, <laughs> except for it's even harder to block because fewer things have haste. <laughs> right, right. And it's in every color, and it's really good in red mirrors because it gains three life. Yeah. So it's just kind of crazy that this is cookie it's just an upgrade <laughs> to the goblin people are playing the only reason that Cookies it might are often an upgrade so <laughs> the only reason it might not be an upgrade is if these decks end up running the red guy who makes your red sources deal two extra damage oh that's true so this guy doesn't uh-huh. do that but i think it's just going to see plenty of play because it just is what red decks are totally fine with one mana haste guy plinks in for more damage if you have an extra mana to spare on later turns when they have blockers if you need to gain life with it cool cool yeah that said though i think cards like this are going to indicate whether or not the red decks are good i think that if Mm -hmm. the red deck ends up needing to play ginger brute that's probably a sign that the red decks aren't that great like power level wise it's possible it really depends on i think what type of red deck we end up building sure because yeah i don't think ginger brute belongs in an experimental frenzy style yeah 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 but it, it definitely could see play in like a sly style deck, which can be good sometimes, but yep. need need a lot more help. And are much easier to hate out than yeah. experimental frenzy type right. red yeah. decks. And if people are just going to have food floating around, I don't know if I want to be playing a red deck. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're too busy sacrificing the tree to feasting troll king, oh, so yeah. you'll just be dead. You don't, yeah, you'll just right. be, you don't have to worry about it. It has vigilance. You can't attack them while they're killing you. Very bad. Very bad. <laughs> I bought four. Whatever. It's a common. Yeah. You know, probably will open them drafting. Although I only mostly draft on on, on Arena these days. I don't do yeah. a good job of going to stores and drafting anymore. Pre-release this weekend. I'm not going to that. Yeah. Probably <laughs> not either. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Next up, we've got Golden Egg. This is two for an artifact. Food. 
When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. One tap, sacrifice golden egg, add one mana of any color. Two tap, sacrifice golden egg, you gain three life. Lee. Oh, this this card's an egg. It's an egg. <laughs> it's an egg. It's it's just a solid card. Like if you need food, it's it keys off a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, it replaces itself. It's a filterer. Yep. It's really really good with Troll King because it draws you to it. It's an mm-hmm. it's it's a food. Yep. And it filters you if you want to cast it for some reason. It's really really good with Emery. It's really good with Emery. Um, it's one of the few things that you can just keep casting out of your graveyard for value in yeah. standard. It's like a chromatic star with Emery. Yep. In standard. Yep. So, definitely want to have these around. Oh, yeah. It's also, like, I really like the food type is got incidental life gain attached to it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these decks, uh, you know, get to a certain point, and they've set up their strategy, and but they're low on life. And they're going to have to start, you know, making risky plays, or they're going to lose to aggressive strategies. Yeah. But then you, you have you all just, this mana and food, and you can spend mana... Just to gain to a bunch gain of life. life. Yeah. Which kind of stabilizes you a little. It's kind of nice. I assume you're buying four of these oh, as well. Yeah, this absolutely. is a very this is the most elite yeah. card that we've seen so far. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> cool. Well, that is it for the food category of cards. So we're going to go into just sort of the color organization. Traditional. Traditional standard sort of way of doing a set review. So we've got white... First off, we've got Archon of Absolution, which is a 3W Flying 3-2 with protection from white. Uh, Creatures can't attack you or a Planeswalker you control unless their controller pays one for each of those creatures. Eh, I don't think this card's very good. This is just the white card the white hate card there's a cycle of self hate right. cards in this set and this is the white one yeah and i i appreciate them doing different things from like ooh, it's a cheap removal spell of this like for this color thing yeah. um and i'm glad that they're they, they've taken some like interesting roots with these ones this one though i don't think quite cuts it like we had baird in standard yeah, for two years yeah it, never just didn't play do it <laughs> there's also the forbidding spirit i think it's called it's in one of the ravnica sets it's a mm-hmm. one white white three three yeah that like stops, stops them, them from for attacking a for a turn. Yeah. If like mono white knights becomes a prevalent archetype, I could see this becoming like a niche sideboard card. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't really see it seeing much play. Yeah, me neither. It does block a little better against white creatures than Baird did. You really like can't attack into it because you can't like swarm around it easily because you have to pay mana and then it's going to eat one of your white guys because it has protection from white. So I could see it, but. I'm just not interested, and it's never going to be worth, like, dollars, so no. whatever. All right. Next up, we got Acclaimed Contender, 2W for a 3-3 Human Knight. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, if you control another knight, look at the five cards of your library. You can reveal a knight, aura, equipment, or legendary artifact card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in a random order. This is one of the knights that has me excited about knights as an archetype. I think this card is very strong. It's like good on rates, three mana, three three. It's like serviceable in your knight deck. It gives you card selection for your knights that you're looking for. Um, so I could definitely see this being a, a good role player in a knights strategy. I think this is one of the reasons to play knights. There's a couple sprinkled out. They're, they're, the knights are all in Mardu colors. Yeah, which is kind of awkward because I don't know if that mana base exists really, but. I think you can probably figure out a way to play two-color knights. Yeah. I think that's what you're going to mostly go for. You just need to figure out which of the three colors to cut from your deck. Yeah, there's, like, enough good cards in, like, each of the color pairs that you can find 
And I think this is one of the good white ones because it, it finds you your, your legendary artifact and it finds you other cards. There's not a really good equipment in the set. What, what legendary artifact are you referring to? The circle, I don't know the name of it. Okay, <laughs> Circle of Loyalty. Circle of Loyalty. Okay. The okay. one that makes knights and pumps all your creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this finds auras, that's so unusual. Are there yeah. any auras worth getting? I think that's a limited thing, mostly, because there's a few auras. You can get, like, the pacifism with it, which is really cute. Ooh. Um, not in Constructed, though, I don't believe. <laughs> is pacifism in the set? There's one that doesn't work on flying creatures, but also shuts down activated abilities. Okay. I'm not trying to run that in Constructed, though, I don't no, think. But it's going to be beating when your opponent plays a rare and gets a pacifism. Yeah. <laughs> Attached to a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is really good. I went into this thinking that I was probably going to, like, take a hard line and just, like, not buy any Knights cards because, like, if Knights are good and I need to play Knights, I'll go buy that deck. And if Knights aren't good, I'll be really happy to just not have any of these Knights ca- Knight cards that rely on that deck being good to be playable. Mm-hmm. I am looking at the price of this card and it's, like, 60 cents and the upside on this card is, like, relatively high. If Knights are playable, this is, like, a 5 or $6 card, but... I kind of want to just stick with that line. Like the line seems pretty reasonable, to be honest. Because, like Leo was saying, you know, we could that knight deck could end up in any combination of colors. Yeah. It could be black red. It could be right. black white. It could be you red know, white. Red. It could so be any of those. So you're so screwing you up know. somehow if you're right. buying all if of you're the just, good knights cards. Yeah, yeah. Like, do, are you trying to own like all of standard? If so, maybe buy some knights. If not. But, but like, one-third of those knights is probably not actually going to be in standard. Because right. at some point we settle on Orzhov knights yeah. or, like, it's not it's not likely to be Mardu knights. Yeah, so. yeah. Because yeah. eventually there'll be more knights in standard. You won't have to stretch your mana base so far. Yeah. Depends on what comes about in the next... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess Theros... Theros is very soldiery, right? Not very knight... There aren't a lot of knights in Greece. So who knows? This might be all the knights we're getting. They sure did pack a lot of them into this set, though. There are a, there lot are a ton of knights. Uh, fortunately, a lot of them are really good. Really? I, I I think there's a couple that are really strong, and the rest are kind of like filler. I'm thinking there's like four or five that I'm like really impressed yeah, with. I, yeah, I agree. And with. That, but that's a lot. Like, that's, yeah, like, that's you're, it's like they're going to be all four of in your knight's deck. Right. That's, a, that's potentially enough to make a constructed deck. Yeah. If you have four great cards and yeah. then a bunch of cards that make them work then that's the basis of a lot of fine standard decks yeah i'm not in for this card i'm not gonna order any just because I, I don't right i'm not a believer in the knight's deck you also will like never ever play knights in a constructed right tournament. i'm just not likely to play it yeah. <laughs> and yeah and chris's logic on you might miss you're gonna miss a third of the time makes a lot of sense to me charming prince is next it's a one white two two human noble uh, when Charming Prince enters the battlefield, choose one. It's got three modes. Scry two, or you gain three life, or exile another target creature you own, return to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. You know the joke of this card, right? No, what? That it casts a charm when it enters the battlefield. Oh. Yes, thank you, Chris. <laughs> oh, 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 no. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like this is a thing that Lee knew, yeah. but Collins hadn't quite. No, I did not get there. To quite yet. Yeah, thank you for that, Chris. <laughs> yep, no problem. I, I was actually a little disappointed. I thought you had an actual joke. <laughs> no, I don't have an actual joke. I, I actually think it's a really cute design. Oh yeah, it is it, adorable. To make it do a charm when it comes into play, that's that's really adorable. Um, as far as cards go, I think that it is better than it reads because it has so many options. Initially, I was thinking like this is kind of cool, like with Ether Vial in a human's deck. But I don't really see what you cut for it. I don't think you can, like, cut your images for it because 
images, a lot of times it's like, I got to draw this image or this Thalia's lieutenant so that I can pump my team right now and attack. And this pumps your team at the beginning of your next end step, which is not as good. <laughs> Lee and I were actually talking about this exact thing uh, at dinner okay. last, uh, <laughs> last week. Yeah, I think this card is strictly worse than image in almost all scenarios. I think so too. Um, you don't want to reflect your mage something at the yeah. end of your turn. And image gets to copy a lot of cards that are in humans that uh, this card doesn't have any effect with, like Mantis, Mantis Rider, Rider and Meddling Mage mm-hmm. and you know a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Kite Self Rebooter. Like, flickering those doesn't really do anything. Right. Um, but uh, making another one certainly does. Um, I the, the one thing that's really cute with it is if you, you have two Charming Princes and you have, like, a Thalia's Lieutenant or a Champion of the Parish in play, you just, like, keep getting a plus one, plus one counter on it every turn. <laughs> Yeah, there's no better yeah, way that's, to do that. So. And that's really what humans is like trying <laughs> Just to that do. that slow yeah. plus one plus right. one counter grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what humans is all about. Not not ending the game immediately. They're they're more about just like getting some counters. Yeah, uh, I think this is a fine like sideboard card in standard when you need like a lonely missionary or lone missionary. Is that what that card is called? Lone missionary. Uh, and it gives you more options when like the gain life gain isn't actually what the the game needs yeah um but not a super powerful card this card's kind of like a curve filler to me mm-hmm. like if there's some interactions with the flicker ability which is definitely a strong stability yes uh, then i could definitely see it being played it's also got a cute interaction with your opponent's oko and that if they steal one of your creatures you can flicker the creature they stole oh that's really good because it says you own instead of you control right and if it was a creature with a comes into play ability, then yeah, you, you you get the creature and you get the really ability. doing it. But that that's a pretty specific scenario. Yeah, the card has to already be seeing play in addition to that. Yep. Uh, but it is it is neat to keep in mind. Definitely, it's about like three dollars right now. I'm not interested in picking these up for three dollars. Yeah, it'll go like to a dollar maybe. And yeah. I, I'm not interested in picking them up. I agree. All right, next up. Circle of loyalty. It's the card we referred to earlier. It's a four white white. Legendary artifact. Uh, it costs one less for each knight you control. Creatures you control get plus one plus one. Whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a two two white knight creature token with vigilance, and three and a white tap, create a two two white knight token with vigilance. I'm just not sold that this is going to see play even in the knight's deck. Mm-hmm. It kind of can only see play in a knight's deck in yes. my mind. Yes, and the knight's deck, from what I can tell from the rest of the format isn't really going to be doing anything special to, like, trigger the legendary spell ability. There aren't any, like, super sweet legendary knights that I want. I don't really think that the knight deck wants to, like, get to the point where it's grinding out two twos, twos. every time. If you're going to well, do that... Well, there are three threes. <clears throat> oh, sure. Right. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, you like, it, get to the point where you're, like, fine spending four mana for creatures, mm-hmm. just play the land. I think that's just, like, a, a better option. Yeah. The new... The, the new castle. Yeah, castle. Um, so yeah, this this card seems kind of like a miss in my mind. Right. It's it's certainly going to be like a limited bomb, but I think it's a miss for constructive. Yeah, that's like I've seen people compare it to like a Danto the first fort, but like without like an understanding of the concept of opportunity cost, which is a thing I think we're going to be talking about a lot, especially yeah. with regards to those castles. Right. A Danto the first fort was a one one for one that meshed with your strategy. That then gave you this like long term value plan that in certain matchups when it was first being played just like was a plan mm-hmm. like Esper control with only Teferi like 
basically couldn't beat that. Right. And it was on your one mana one one. Yeah. Uh, this is not a one mana one one. It's a variable cost six ish drop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably four ish drop. If you yeah. just got wrapped and you draw this card with four lands in play, oof, oof, not good. I, I can the most I can see this seeing play is as a sideboard card in a nice deck if that's something they want to turn to. But mm-hmm. that that is the extent to which I can see it. I feel like if you're doing the work to make your deck have this be an acceptable card. It's probably going to be something you're going to want to run. But I just... I, like, this doesn't feel like the thing... If I'm playing knights, the thing that I'm excited about is putting a bunch of knights into play and casting the spell that, like, drains them for the number of knights you have in play. Like, I want to do that nonsense. You, you know yes, what's, you know what's, you know what's going to happen with this card is that it's going to see play in some random deck that doesn't have a knight creature in it at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's just going to be an anthem artifact that triggers off legendary spells. Yeah. And we'll be like, oh, Ooh, of course. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Obviously. But, yeah, we just need another mox or whatever. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. But that I, I don't think this card's playable in a, like, knight deck. But yeah. it might be playable with its other text. I just don't see it right now. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not picking up any. They are cheap. Like other people have recognized this, I think, and they're like 250, which for like a sort of mythic. like standout kind of exciting mythic or whatever. But I, I just am not interested in running the deck that runs this card. Yeah. Deafening silence. White for an enchantment. Each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell per turn. This shuts down so much for one white mana. Good lord. Yeah. Certainly, you know, an eternal card, not really a standard card. Okay, but I'm really excited to play Phoenix decks again. Oh. This is a sideboard card against standard Phoenix decks is nonsense. Yeah, that's fair. That's the, fair. The problem with that is Deafening Silence is so narrow Yes, that Phoenix has to be incredibly strong. Yeah. And then you're probably <laughs> fine get, right. like getting hosed by a sideboard card because your deck needs one. Right, right, right. That, that's kind of where I fall with if, like... Like Kethos with Graph Digger's Cage or Light on the Void, mm-hmm. if they're respecting you enough to play those cards, right. your deck is incredibly good. That's probably true. Um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely like a targeted sideboard card. I've seen people like... Okay, so there's a segment of like talking about magic on the internet where just like... It's a little bit upsetting because you really want to go in there and just be like, hey, let me talk about some of the fundamentals of Magic the Gathering that you're kind of missing here. And one thing that I've seen mentioned a lot is playing Deafening Silence against control decks so that you can play a creature spell and get it countered and then they can't counter your second creature spell that you play that turn. This is not how Magic the Gathering works. Uh you've spent a card against a control deck, which is literally the thing that they dream of you doing. (laughs) And these control decks, none of the standard control decks counter every creature you play. If they counter a creature, they kind of did it. But most of the time, they're just like, play out your creatures. I will kill it. It's not going to work. So this is a targeted sideboard card that hoses the crap out of storm decks and things like that. Yeah, it, and is very cheap. It's an eternal card for sure. Yep. And I hate this card. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> Someone who casts frequently more than one non-creature spell. For <laughs> yeah. Have you ever played a deck that hasn't been designed to do that? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I can't say for certain. This, this card certainly hoses 95% of decks that Lee has played ever. <laughs> so. I've 
lost to rule of law more times than I can count. <laughs> and this is literally just rule of law with the two generic mana taken off the cost. Yeah, it's uh, crazy good in Legacy. Yeah. Yep. This card is one of the cards that makes me think that, uh, like, blue-white in Legacy, just like blue-white good cards, it could be Mentor, it could be Stoneblade. Mm-hmm. Like, that archetype got a lot of huge cards in this set, one of which is this card, another one of which is the the island land. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if that archetype, uh, you know, can uh, can ride these couple of, like, improvements to... Uh, you know, becoming a really good tier one legacy deck. Good sideboard cards are like what make specific types of decks playable a lot yeah. of the time. And this is certainly a good sideboard card. They're a dollar. I'll just pick up two for now. Sure. I'll grab four <laughs> burn them. Virtually. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. Great. laughs> yeah. Well, good. Makes sense. All right. Next, we have Giant Killer. Oh, an adventure. How are we going to read this? All right. We've got Giant Killer. <laughs> White mana. Human Peasant, it's a 1-2, with 1 and a white tap to tap target creature. It can go on an adventure, which is called Chop Down. 2 and a white for an instant. Destroy target creature with power 4 or greater. This card's great. I think the 1 mana tapper is like a card that a lot of white weenie decks are kind of interested in anyways. And then it solves like serious problems for white weenie decks in like blockers that aren't manageable and that sort of thing. Gotta kill the front half of the troll somehow. <laughs> yeah. it, it, both sides of the square kind of kills the troll. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the the, the peasant yeah. side being much better at it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that it like a tapper is one of the few ways to solve the troll king. Yes. Yeah. This it's a little expensive of a tapper. Having to vote two mana is yeah. a lot more than one. For sure. Like that card in War of the Spark that I don't remember the name of. Law Rune Enforcer? That sounds right. Yes. It, it does suck that this card's not a knight. It's a peasant, mm-hmm. which is kind of a blow because I'm not sure what white weenie decks exist that aren't going to be trying to incorporate some knight cards. That's a really good and important point, I believe. And every non-knight creature in that deck is like a gigantic cost. Um, yeah, it's not like getting pumped by your knight stuff. It's just not really like the, you know, the one two body is fine when you have anthems and things that help it do stuff. All of the best knight cards in the set are very knight centered. Yeah, and they need other knights. The the one we just talked about, the three three. If you have this in play as your only other creature and you play a three three, you don't get to use its ability. Right, right. Which is huge. Yeah. Or if you hit, you know. like three lands and a giant killer and a removal spell in your top five cards off of it and it's not passivism yeah then that's not that's not great obviously that means your deck is probably a little misbuilt and that that's that is one of the things that's keeping giant killer down for me is if we are leaning towards knights as our white aggressive deck then this card is certainly worse it's a card to keep an eye on but i i don't know where it goes right now yeah and i'm also just not going to pick any up now me neither this one though glass casket one white for an artifact. Uh, when Glass Casket enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls and confer a mana cost three or less until Glass Casket leaves the battlefield. Uh, baffling end play picked up significantly towards the end of its time in Standard. Uh, this very specifically can be cast from your graveyard by Emery if you're playing like a kind of grindy Emery about that life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, it doesn't give you a dino like Baffling End, so it's a little worse with coming to play abilities and stuff like that if they can yeah yeah if they they artifact removal. and artifacts are way easier to kill than it's true yeah. that's definitely true uh, i don't know that cards in standard are equipped to 
do that. There is a knight that has a smelt attached to it, mm-hmm. but jury's out whether that card remains playable. Uh, but we'll see. It, it is definitely way easier to kill artifacts and enchantments. Agreed. Yeah, and and I, killing this is certainly worse for you. Yeah, and that the fact that killing artifacts is easier makes me kind of like the theme of this card because it's like a glass casket. Yeah, it's just like more easily destroyable. Oh, this card is. <clears throat> I, I liked Baffling's flavor when it came out because yeah. it's a dino that eats someone. And you're like, where'd that guy go? <laughs> <laughs> but this one is. Oh, it's a dinosaur. <laughs> this flavor is great too because yeah. It, Puts them in a casket, and it's you just smash it, and they get out. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yep, I'm going to pick up four of these, because I do have dreams of, like, a kind of grindy Emery deck that just runs a bunch of this card. This is just a good removal, so I'm, I'm going to pick up four. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, this, will, yeah, this is certainly going to see play in standard. Yep, for sure. Next, we have <coughs> Harmonious Archon. Four white white for a uh, creature Archon. It's a four five flyer. Non-Archon creatures have base power and toughness three three. And when this enters the battlefield, create two one one white human creature tokens. If they don't mess with it, that's ten power for six mana. This card seems really strong. I think that it can like be an anthem in like a white weenie style strategy, and then it can also uh, like be a powerful card against like green strategies that are trying to make like bigger creatures. Like this is a, a pretty solid answer to your opponent trying to recur like seven sixes. Just make them a three three. This card is also huge. It's a four-five, yeah. That kind of shrinks, kind of grows things. I, I don't, I don't know how battlefields play out with this card because it's got a kind of unique effect. It's also particularly big because your opponent is not allowed to have creatures larger than it, yes. so it does beat everything in combat as long as it's in play. Um, that's pretty cool. Like that is definitely a way to beat a feasting troll king deck. Yeah. Is have this in play. Right. Like they're bad against it. They don't have enough removal to deal with it. Any of your creatures trade for it, and this one just like makes two additional ones. Yeah. So make sure Dreadhorde Arcanist a three power creature. Green decks aren't going to be able to easily get this off the board. To me, that feels a little bit sideboardy, maybe. But that's fair. I don't really see this in like a white weenie deck. It's hard to cast sixes in decks that like have yeah. a bunch of creatures to yeah. make three threes with this. Yeah, for sure. So I we like using this more as like a a, a pseudo humility thing or something. Is that the like, idea? Like a battlefield control card. Yeah, again, specifically against decks that are like not removal heavy and are just like putting like gnarly creatures into play. Yeah, like a lot of the time. Uh, I saw Tristani in sideboards, like in a ramp deck or something. They just wanted to have their creatures be a little bigger than their opponent's creatures. Mm-hmm. Just that kind of mid-range card. Yeah. This card could maybe be that. I could see that. I'm not saying it's like a Tristani replacement. But it's it's just like kind of, to me, kind of fills that role. Yeah. Having a good battlefield presence. No, I, I am kind of in. These are $3. I'll pick up two of those. I'm... Gun shy, I'm not going to pick up any until yeah. I know kind of where it's going to go. I, I don't really see it increasing in price or decrease. Yeah. I think as a mythic, if it sees any play, it will, in, in like a tier one deck, it'll it could go up to be like $5. Relatively expensive. And I'm willing to pay two extra dollars if I need a couple. Yeah. I, I just like am afraid of it going well above that potentially. Um, but it is a six mana, like, yeah. kind of niche sort of thing. So. If this card costs five mana, it would be completely yeah. broken in well, every day. Yes, but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think six is, like, the perfect cost for it to be, like, a reasonable but powerful card. Yeah, I'm very into the design of the card, too. I think it's it's well done. And I really love how, if it's in play, it beats every creature in combat. And that's one of the things <laughs> that makes me want to pick it up. Like, that's a specific use for it that mm-hmm. I do like. Yeah. Next we have Hushbringer, a one white, one two fairy. 
It has flying and lifelink. I see you're like stumbling over your words. Are you distracted by something right now? There's a bunch of lips on this card. (laughs) It's really weird. So many lips. (laughs) But anyway, this card has text other than flying. A bunch of mouths. Uh, it's hush. It hushes things, so creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. Yeah, this card's in, this card's really good. Yeah, it's soft choking. Yeah, sort of, kind of. <laughs> Wait, it doesn't actually. It doesn't do anything to choking. Well, if they cast it from their hand, it yeah. stops it from making its own food. But that's that is not what that deck is about. But yeah. kings are about other people feeding. Them. <laughs> <laughs> right, probably going to be a great sideboard card uh, against. You know, if there is a deck that like has a lot of ETB stuff, and I but I do think that this is like a strict upgrade to to Kotli Honor oh Guard, yeah. And you know that that card's been seeing a little bit of play in uh, Eternal formats, so I think that this is just going to become a replacement for that. Yep. One caveat to that uh, for Eternal formats, absolutely. <clears throat> uh, but in standard, if you're trying to to Kotli Honor Guard people now, uh, this card is Stompable, which Stompable. is the adventure that shocks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that if you're trying to Takali Honor Guard people in standard, you will get disqualified from the tournament. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. So this is your option. <laughs> this is, that's, yeah, this is it for, for that effect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it also, creatures dying doesn't cause abilities to trigger either. I'm not thinking of, like, a ton of stuff that that specifically... I thought you were specifically thinking of a cat. Well, that, so... That's VTV. Is that an that, ETV? Yeah, it's got an ETV. And, yeah. So, and, and like sacrificing for something like this obviously doesn't stop you like getting the food from the witch's oven yeah um and like mayhem devil triggers still happen because those trigger off the sacrifice not the creature dying judith doesn't trigger with this in play though nor do any of the cavaliers oh that's true any they just abilities. like are really bad creatures then. yeah they're just like big bodies yeah yeah okay. well yeah, I mean, I guess if you spent a card and then Cavalier of Thorns is a 5 mana 5-6 reach, that's not like, oh no, this card right. is unplayable. <laughs> it's like still giant. I do think that the Cavaliers are going to become a much more significant element of standard mm-hmm. now that s- stuff is rotated out. Because a lot of those cards were always like, wow, this card's really good, but there's just like no space for it anywhere. Mm-hmm. But now that we're in a new rotation, people are brewing new decks, I think that we're going to see a lot of those Cavaliers kind of come back into... Um, existence. They're also triple colored cards with a set that's also really leaning yeah. into wanting you to play triple right. colored cards. Right, right. The next set is also, we assume, going to have devotion as a mechanic, so, you know, that'll help too. Plus, the brainstorm guy, you've got a fetch land for your brainstorm now. Ooh. Oh, that's true in Evolve the Wilds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Past <laughs> turn four. <laughs> it's way better than Evolving Wilds. Yeah. Speaking of triple colored cards. Yes. I probably should pick up a bunch of these Hushbringers. I'm probably just going to buy them when I need them. They're, you know, almost $3. and yeah, It's like a sideboard card. It, yeah. It'll go down in price, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next, we've got Linden, the Steadfast Queen. A white, 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 3-3, three, three, human noble legendary creature. Uh, vigilance, and whenever a white creature you control attacks, you gain a life. I'm out. I have no desire to play this card. It's not even a knight. <laughs> that That is criminal to me, yeah. honestly. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the rare triple white card. I'm, I'm like screaming, okay, this could be like knights. No. Like, I get it. It's part of a cycle of nobles. Yeah. But... 
It does trigger. It is a legendary to trigger your knight <laughs> thing. Yeah, I'm, I don't think we're trying to play <laughs> yeah. fair. If we're trying to trigger knights or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I'm, I'm not interested in any Lindens. I, I just. I'm just not playing like a, a white deck with a bunch of small creatures. That's just like, all right, time to gain a bunch of. Life. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's my it's payoff. payoff. <laughs> it's not there. It's like a really really hard card to cast. Where like previously the effect was an anthem for your team, and now it's just nothing. Yeah, yeah, not not game for this. Do we still have a Johnny Pride Mate in the format? We, no, it rotates. No, no, no. We do still have a Johnny. Oh, Pride Johnny's Pride Mate. Wait, yeah. do you mean a Johnny the Planeswalker or the two-two? no the the two two? Yeah, Planeswalker. yeah, that one's still in the format. It's in a War of the Spark. Like okay, so this card like that's the card I like immediately comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Of like okay, how do we how do we make this card playable? Right. If, Maybe it's like a if life we're the strategy. healer's hawk version of White Weenie, and we really want to like go all in on that. There's Don't we a... have an Ajani that makes Ajani's pride mates? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. All right. So if you're playing that theme deck, that's the deck. I. All right. Let's go to the next. I, yeah. <laughs> I just. I'm not down. Yeah. But if that becomes the White Weenie deck in standard, then fine. We were wrong. <laughs> next up, we have Realm Cloaked Giant. Uh. Five white white seven seven giant with vigilance. Uh, it's got an adventure. Cast off three white white. It's a sorcery. Destroy all non giant creatures. If we were uh, like you know six ish years ago, this card would just be the best constructed card in the set. Ooh, it's it's real good six years ago. Yeah, I I think it might still be up there as like one of the more powerful cards in the set. I think it is still pretty good. Yeah. 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 I mean, just like a it's a five minute wrath. Um, and then it gives, like, whatever Wrath deck the ability to close out the game by giving them access to some, you know, big 7-7 duder. Yep. And then multiple copies of this card stack really well together, because you, you know... You just keep plague-winding them while you have a 7-7. You make a 7-7, you Wrath again, keep your 7-7, it's great. And it has Vigilance, so you get to attack and block at the same time. Yeah. The same turn cycle. It's perfect. It's also just a great design. As I mentioned when we looked at this card before, it's a great design for control decks because the game ends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No more Teferi loops. We're not like search for his canting like 15 times. Oh, God. I, I remember when people were like, yep, I'd love to play a win condition, but Teferi is just too good. You just don't need to. Yep. And thankfully, so this card has some weird problems where it's also doesn't take up slots in your control deck really because it's just the wrath you'd play yeah, yeah. but it's also your own condition well so you but that's fill your deck full of answers that is fine yeah like, the control deck game. is going to try to fill its deck with only answers anyways any way that it can so it's going to play the most incidental win condition it possibly can do this fills that slot while also just being like okay we got control let's kill them go to game two it lives and dies on how good Wrath effects are as control cards. And if the threats are heavily based in Planeswalkers and stuff, this be- this obviously becomes a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, or if you're playing against a lot of, like, Emery artifact decks where you cast Destroy All Non-Giant Creatures and it, like, gets their Emery and then they play a- the Emery that they've been sandbagging and, like... Then that's obviously not very good. It also doesn't kill Bone Crusher Giant, which is another giant in the set. And I think that matters. It it does matter a lot. Yeah, because normally with your your which five mana rats, Bone Crusher Giants, the three mana four three red giant will get with an adventure. We'll get to her later. Oh it, yeah yeah okay got it got it. So it's the okay. Yeah, so normally you'd want to cast your wrath on turn five, you know, because mm-hmm. that's when your opponent's looking to kill you. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and if they have a, a Bone Crusher Giant in play, you could cast this and you might still just die. You probably you are probably dead. can't yeah. play it. Yeah. So if, like, the premier red aggro deck is running four Bone Crusher Giants, this becomes not the wrath that you want. It doesn't even need to be the premier red deck, per se. Mm-hmm. Because if you're playing, like, Gruul, for instance, mm-hmm. and you're just a mid-range deck with Giants in play... Like, rats are really good against mid-range decks. But not if they still have but four power. But they still have four power in yeah. play. Or if they play two, heaven forbid. Yeah. <laughs> right, and because your answer to them having two three-mana creatures in play is like, oh, Rathew, this is going to be amazing. Right. But, yeah, that's bad. Still, even with those downsides, I think this card's really strong. Yeah. yeah. It's about <clears throat> less than five bucks right now. Um, this seems, like, worth... I mean, how many do you think a control deck plays? Two-ish? Three. Three? three. Yeah, I'd pick up three. I'm going to buy four because I want one for the cube, just uh-huh. in case. All right. Uh, but I will say... I can be convinced. Yeah. One caveat on this is I'm tired of cards. We've, we've come three years. We had cast... Uh, what was it? Cast down, cast out, and cast off. <laughs> I just don't know the difference between these oh, yeah. cards anymore. At least it's not in standard with... They've all done like relatively different things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next we have Venerable Knight. A white mana 2-1, creature, human, knight. When Venerable Knight dies, put a plus one one counter on target knight you control. Great. It's the white knight one drop. Yeah, so the Savannah Lions that has knight synergy upside. It's perfect. Yeah, this card's really good, and honestly, it's not a lot to talk about. Yeah. If you're in the market for a white mana 2-1 and you're playing knights, yeah. this goes in your deck. Right. Yep. Because and you'll be happy with kind it. kind of a one white mana 3-2. Like, yeah. 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 So, it's... Clearly good. I'm yeah. not going to pick up any because I'm not picking up night stuff, but that's that's the one that you want. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. And this next one's pretty good, too. Uh, it's Worthy Knight. One white for a 2-2. Two, two. A creature, human knight. Whenever you cast a knight spell, create a 1-1 one, one white human creature token. Yeah, this card seems great in the knight deck as well. Uh, it's like the perfect bear for that deck. Um, I think that it's likely that... Just, like, incidental bodies are going to be really good. It doesn't really matter that they're not knights. Like, this creature's a knight. You'll have knights to trigger your knight stuff and stuff. But, yeah, this card seems really strong, and we'll probably see play in the knight's deck if it is a white deck as well. I... So I think it's worse than the effect of a card like a young pyromancer or a hero of precinct one in that casting creatures to make more creatures is investing resources into one thing and then getting more of that thing rather than being able to do, like, you know, cast a removal spell, get a 1-1. One, one is... It's it's certainly worse than Young Pyromancer. Right. For sure. So, and I think, like, in general, like, as a standard card, I think it may be worse than, like, Hero of Precinct 1. Mm-hmm. Just... Like, because, like, Hero of Precinct 1 into, you know, Teferi, like, get to do this thing and then, like, build up 1-1s and use them for whatever purposes is better to me than, like, a creature deck that's like, here are creatures and here are some more creatures. Well, so the one deck that I'm kind of thinking back to that makes me think that this card is going to be good is Oketra's Monument. Mm-hmm. That was just, like, a really successful, powerful, like, swarm strategy Yeah, that this is, like, vaguely reminiscent of, where that deck was just casting a bunch of creatures. And, uh, it's true. You got to pick the very specific creatures that, like, worked with that, 
like you got to play like the bishop that made clues and stuff so you would have card advantage and like avison and stuff that's fair um and this one really like the knights have to work with this thing for this card to be good yeah like, which they they could yeah though catcher's monument and this card it's a really good comparison because a catcher's monument made you care about white creatures mm-hmm. this makes you care about knights and if you can find good white creatures for a catcher's monument or good knights for this card sure. you're interested in the effect yep just because it rewards you for doing stuff you want to do it's a good engine yeah yeah I mean, yeah. that makes sense. I could see it. And the body is just, like, very well reasonable on its own. Right. And it has the night creature type. Yeah. And, yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Cool. Yeah. I could be in, but not buying knights right now. Yeah, so. same. Yep. It's definitely one of the better ones, though. I like this card a lot. All right. To the blue cards. First up, we have Brazen Borrower. So this is one blue blue for a 3-1 fairy rogue. It has flash flying. Brazen Borrower can block only creatures with flying. Uh... And it has the adventure of Petty Theft for one and a blue instant. Uh, return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. This card being mythic really bugs me. <laughs> Especially since the Wish Fairy is rare. I <laughs> yeah. just don't get it. Well, it's mythic based on power level. Yeah. Because this card is just very strong. You really don't want to <laughs> see it in limited, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I think, yeah, I think this card's crazy good i think so too. i think it's it's definitely gonna see play in standard um it just does so much it's so flexible it's also like in a lot of decks where you're just like yep got a sideboard a bounce spell to like take out a hate card or whatever like you can just (laughs) play this too and then if your opponent is all like duresses and stuff to interact with you as a combo deck then you just like keep three in them over and over right also this can't get to rest like if you're bounce spell, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really good. <laughs> can yeah. it? Can it not? It's a creature. It's always a creature. It can get unless it's on the stack. It's always a creature unless it's on the stack. Yeah. yeah. Wild. Yeah. Okay. You can raise dead all these adventures. There's all interacting with adventures is really crazy because they're all creatures. Okay. Um, and even just as a card, this is a self-contained two-three curve. Like you get punished for playing. Like the blue deck plays the second land, passes the turn. Mm-hmm. You get pretty punished for just, like, playing a two-drop here. You just yeah. get it bounced. Bounce it. I still have access to this 3-1. Yeah. It's a good time. This card is crazy to me. It yeah. plays crazy with the fairy too. Yeah. <laughs> just bounce your thing. <laughs> bounce your thing again. Play a 3-1. That's a lot of tempo. <laughs> Drawn cards everywhere, you know, just... Right. Yeah. so silly. The, the only redeeming factor is that this card cannot block very well. Yeah. Also That's that it... True can't return your own stuff yes or else this would be a gnarly threat against control decks like you have five mana end of turn you play a brazen borrower and then with a bounce brazen borrower back up so if they try to remove it you bounce it and then cast the other brazen borrower and have a bounce in your hand so you can't do that though. yeah you can't so that's good i don't really want to spend 60 bucks on four of these right now yeah that seems awful to me but I... like it's mythic and clearly good I'm going to pick up one right now just for the cube, yeah. but we'll see how that progresses. I'm sure it'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll play this card in standard. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I'm going to feel bad about not it's buying It's just too strong right not to. Yeah. But I I think this is kind of the, a lot of people are hyping this card up. Yeah. I think this is kind of like the tipping point in price. So I'll buy this, just not right now. I yeah. feel like normally I have like a pretty good read on what price cards are going to end up at. Mm-hmm. But this kind of card has never really been like a mythic before. Right, yeah. I, I honestly have no idea what price point this card is going to end up at. It could go down to $10 and and stay that way, but it could also go up to like 30 And this also is the type of card that just could be a four of in multiple decks at right. the same time. Yeah. 
And if that's true, I think it, it could easily be like a you know twenty five dollar right, card. Bump me up to three, Chris. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a gun shy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. Get, yeah. I'm gonna do that too. Yeah. I just can't. I'm not. I don't want to buy these at thirty five dollars. Right. I, I, I'm I, when you said that, I remembered Carnage Tire, and I'm like, oh god, that card was thirty five dollars at one point. <laughs> uh, yeah. There you go. I'm. I definitely. And this card is significantly better than Carnage Tyrant. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. So yeah. It might be true that that card ends up being pretty expensive. All right. Well, I bought three. I'm mad. <laughs> Chris is mad. All right. Next card. Okay. Next up, we have Emery, Lurker of the Lock. So this is two and a blue for a one-two legendary merfolk wizard. This spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. When Emery, Lurker of the Lock enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. And you can tap it to choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. You just kind of keep reading. He yeah. has so much text. <laughs> That's a lot of text. I I love this card. Yeah. This card is just fantastic. It's got all the dangerous words on it. It's it the other matching card. <laughs> Cost reduction. Yep. <laughs> Mills yourself, fills up your graveyard. You cast yep. things from your graveyard. Cast things from your graveyard. Oh, it does that too. Nice. And so the mill thing is a double whammy because it's not only a mill thing, but within that same line of text, it's also this is a creature with a comes into play value ability. So if you immediately remove it, you still got a thing out of it. Yeah. Right. And you probably didn't pay that much for it. You probably paid one mana for it. Right. Yeah. Maybe two in standard. In standard. Fine. T- yeah. And you're totally fine paying and, two for this in standard. And we talked about the, the golden egg combo. Mm-hmm. And that's just an innocuous artifact you'd be fine playing. Yeah. It works with your troll king. This is a really good engine for other stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's in the Troll King decks because it mills and then, like, gets you value. Uh, it puts your Witches of it into play. Yep. And just does stuff. And I, a lot of those Troll King decks are running the egg, too, because it's a food. Um, and so you can just use this to draw cards if your Troll King stuff isn't quite going yet. Or even if it is, because <laughs> Troll King doesn't cost mana to do. But generally, as well, just, like, in eternal formats, like this pretty, just costs one and is dangerous insane. implications for eternal formats yep. in my mind. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Evan Whitehouse has been talking a lot about this uh, Kethis combo deck that's mm-hmm. in modern. You know, and it seems like it fits perfectly into that. So yeah, it's. I've seen people talk about it in Urza. Mm-hmm. I've seen people talk about it in Paradoxical Outcome Urza. Basically, if you're in the market for artifacts, you're going <laughs> to yeah. take a look at this card. Yeah. Because it's right. got affinity, and it lets you cast your cards yeah. in your graveyard. If you're casting Mox Opal, you're casting this card. Yeah, of course. It, very likely. Yeah. yeah. And you can cast this on turn one a large majority of the time. You don't yeah. even need that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's and pretty crazy. Almost impossible to not cast it on turn two in yes. one of those artifact yeah. decks oh, for, right. for one mana. Right. So, like, you only need, you don't even need any zeros to do that. You can go oh. one mana artifact. One drop, one drop. Or just, even if you just drew one artifact, you go one drop and then a two mana Emery. Like, that's pretty oh, yeah. bad, but it's like, it will be easy to cast. It even just fits into, like, traditional affinity, like, pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, traditional, like, cranial plating creatures affinity. Honestly. You just cast this, mill four, and then you have, like, tap, draw card of your choice. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool in hardened skills. Yeah. Because you, you, like, for walking ballista, you get to, like... Get super value out of there. Oh man! Okay. Yeah, you, wow. You ping him, play it again, ping right. him. It's 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 nice. Oof, oof. Yeah, this guy's got a lot you can do with it. Yeah, this this we're gonna be talking about Emery very much uh, in the in the coming uh, quite yeah. a lot in the coming days. I believe she is a little overcosted right now at seven, given that she's only a rare. But I don't want to be caught without these. I'm gonna buy five. Yep. 
That makes sense. <laughs> you know, once for the cube. I will buy four. Seven honestly seems like a like a, a pretty yeah. reasonable and, price point for this card. And so. honestly, I'll probably look to see if I can get how much the extended art version is. Because mm-hmm. I I like this card. Yep, it's this, really good. This is your type of card. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up we have Fae of Wishes. So this is one and a blue for a 1-4 fairy wizard with flying. It has one and a blue. Discard two cards to return Fae of Wishes to its owner's hand. Um, it has an adventure called Granted for three and a blue. You may choose a non-creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. At sorcery speed, so it's yeah, it's a sorcery. So this this card's kind of wild. I kind of am shocked that they made it a two mana one floor flyer. Yeah, that's that's big. Yeah, <laughs> like you get to use this as your like tutoring slash card advantage engine in your control deck, and if they are playing one mana one ones, you just play it as a one four a two mana horn turtle. Like. Yeah. Um, yeah, typically cards like this can like do like a reasonable job like blocking and like stimming off early pressure. This card does a good job of that. It's gonna be really annoying for your opponent to cast a one four against you if you're trying to beat down. Yeah, Especially- I mean it's not great against like runaway steamkin type red decks necessarily, but it's probably stopping like at least a couple of one mana because you gotta have a bunch of cheap creatures to make steamkin be good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I think this card is like an excellent blocker. I'm I'm not sold that like the granted part of this card is that great. Uh, I think it's a little overcosted for me to be super excited about it. So I'm not sure if it'll end up seeing play. Like you know, four mana wish is that's a lot of mana. That's like a pretty heavy investment. It um, is, but it really can give you access to just stuff that you couldn't put into your deck. It's got the wish problem. Mm-hmm. You don't. You have, want to have sideboard cards in your sideboard. Yep. I mean, that's yeah. true. And the, like being able to pick a sideboard card in your main deck games. I don't know what kind of deck is going to play this and want to spend four mana to grab a sideboard card or a uh, like a value card because this this card is a value card. You can just keep casting it over and over again. You play the granted. Mm-hmm. You get the creature. You discard cards. Get the granted back. Granted again. But yeah. you're just not going to be able to dig in your sideboard for that much because you can't get creatures. Right. You want to end the game. Most of the time I do. Mm-hmm. If you, if you want to, you know, cast <laughs> All of expensive <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just trying to get incremental value or answer their stuff with normal sideboard cards just doesn't feel very good. Yeah. I think standard the options for, like, like big weirdo bullets to put in your sideboard are, like, not that vast. You can... There's Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. There's Bolas' Citadel in any of the legendary artifacts. Yeah. Getting um, Bolas' Citadel with it in that in a Bolas' Citadel matchup is kind of sweet. The the best use I've heard of it is that it's... Uh, it gets Cauldron of Eternities from your sideboard, which is a reanimator artifact we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. And it's also a discard outlet, so you can use it better. That's cute. And That's, a creature. like, really slow, though. Oh, it's extremely slow. But that is... That is the best thing I've heard to do with this. That yeah. actually seems like an actual plan. Um, there is something here, and a lot of the something comes from the fact that the alternate mode, maybe it's the primary mode, is just a two-mana 1-4 blocker, and then in games that are going longer, it can potentially give you a bunch of options. But yeah, I, I agree. I'm not really visualizing like what we are doing here. Um, and so I'm you know, not, not going to pick any up, but I'm certainly not writing this card off either. Yeah, for sure. I'm... I'm kind of writing it off. I'm. I just do not believe that a one mana or two mana one four is that good. That good of a card. Right. I mean, you have to be putting it in your deck because you're like, I want to wish for stuff. Yes. That's definitely the case. And wishing for stuff, 
for four mana is pretty slow. Yeah. I, I find it unlikely that that card like comes together and is like sees a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting and unique enough that it could. I do believe that this like repeatable wish effect should be the mythic fairy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a way cooler card than <laughs> yeah. the, the one we pre-ordered. Then just like bounce, <laughs> bounce really efficiently and then kill them really fast. Like, not mythic, yeah. but good. Next up we have uh, Gadwick the Wizened. Did I say that right? Yep. Did I say either of those words right? Yep. I think you're. <laughs> I think you're 100 correct. Okay, on this Gadwick one, the Wizened. So it's uh, X blue 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 for a three three legendary human wizard. When Gadwick the Wizened enters the battlefield, draw X cards. Uh, when you cast a blue spell, tap target non land permanent and opponent controls. I don't. I don't really like this card. You don't like this card? I think this card's really good okay. this card's kind of yeah. crazy I, in my mind this card's like really crazy i don't know what like archetype we're putting this in uh, like maybe like a control deck i'm not sure but this i'm so skeptical here well it's kind of like a hydroid crisis yeah why aren't we just casting hydroid crisis well we, we will it scales but, better yeah <laughs> for six mana you draw three cards and have a three three Okay, but also six mana Hydroid Crisis is fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's great. And also, if they had a counter spell, you still drew your two cards. Oh. And if you're cast, if you're getting a lot of mana, aren't you green? <laughs> well, this is a good five mana card. Crisis is not usually like two mana or five mana for a three three with a relevant mm-hmm. onboard ability. Mm-hmm. Whenever you cast a blue spell, twiddle or yeah. it taps. Excuse me, taps and uh, a permanent. Yeah, that that's perfectly reasonable. Like the yeah. onboard ability is good especially mm-hmm. if you're adventuring you get double casts out of your cards yeah like, yeah i mean you know and i don't really know what, what all like, what deck is casting an x blue 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 spell that's oh, like, i can't answer to, that time question. to tap down your guys so i can get in <laughs> i don't know I, are I don't we know. casting a lot of ops and we, tapping that i mean i guess if our deck is also filled with ops and stuff so we can keep their guys from hitting us and then wrath them I mean, maybe we're just bouncing their creature tapping their other one with petty theft yeah that's only one card i just don't. I'm not like really interested in casting this thing at sorcery speed in any deck that's like making this blue, blue, blue. Yeah, it's just like I don't I'm know. Not... I I kind of like casting this card at like any mana cost. Like I could see casting it on turn three, just like as a um like a three three with the with the blue text in some strange like mono blue tempo strategy. And then you know late game you just get to go in refuel. Three threes are better in our lightning strike free right. world now. I personally would not pre-order any of this card just because it seems like one of those like really powerful cards that doesn't have a home in mm-hmm. my mind. That to me that that is what is like pushing me away. Wait <laughs> right before Theros comes out, buy four of them and see how it goes. That that's seems, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems wise. That's fair. Yeah, I I'm just not gonna like. I'm feeling a little like I can see the possibilities a little more now, but I I just don't like feel great about this card. So. Yeah. I, it, it was one of the cards where, when I was reading through Mythic Spoiler, it jumped out as me as, like, a, a powerful card in the set. Okay. Next up, we have Hypnotic Sprite. Uh, it's blue-blue for a 2-1 fairy with flying. It has an instant adventure for two and a blue called Mesmeric Glare. Uh, it counters target spell with converted mana cost three or less. It's like a possible role player in, like, a flash deck kind of thing. It's, like, not great on either side. Yeah. It, it is way better on the play than on the draw. Yeah. 
if if like a mono blue deck ends up or like not necessarily even mono blue but like if a blue deck needs like uh, extra filler cards Mm -hmm. like i could potentially see this seeing play outside of that it it's just a little short on power level in my mind yeah i i feel the same way i yeah this card is just kind of underwhelming mesmeric glare is just always going to trade even or down on mana cost and that just does not impress me at all and then also the two one body that doesn't even have flying for two mana it doesn't it, it does oh, oh it, okay. it's there it in the flying. center of the text box where you wouldn't <laughs> expect it <laughs> it's, it's kind of wild yeah. isn't it? i just like can't i don't know how to read these adventure cards <laughs> if this fairy had flash i'd be really into it well that, sure yeah yeah, yeah. but because then it would be a self-contained like Counterspell, but if they don't play anything you want to counter, then here's a two-one. They saved all the flash fairy budget for the mythic. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. really they really went in on that card. <laughs> Yikes! I uh, didn't want you to have to play against petty theft and hypnotic sprite. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. Right, that would be that, really obnoxious. That would be pretty pretty miserable for sure. All right, next up we have the magic mirror. So this is six blue, blue, blue for a legendary artifact. The spell costs one less to cast for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. You have no maximum hand size, and at the beginning of your upkeep, put a knowledge counter on the magic mirror, then draw a card for each knowledge counter on the magic mirror. We talked about this a little bit earlier on the podcast. It's kind of wild. It is. It, uh, I don't really know what to think. It, it seems like it could be like a decent like control deck finisher, but at well, the same time... It doesn't finish anything. <laughs> Well, yeah. It can finish you off. It can definitely finish you off. Yeah, you draw so many cards. It's way too many cards. I never before have I seen a magic card and been like, this is going to draw me way too many cards. But this is just it. It's just like... And it's so slow to get going and give you that initial like boost of cards to get you back in the game. Like it costs you a card. You pass the turn. You get the turn back. You get your card back. You pass the turn. You get the turn back. Now you've got a free divination. Okay. Like, we're safe now that we've untapped with it twice. Uh, For a nine mana card. Yeah. Well, probably three mana cards. Hopefully we've built it so it's like three or four. Yeah. But it is just really slow. You know what's crazy to me is uh, this card just doesn't count adventures (laughs) at all. Oh, jeez. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of the cards in this set that are spells are also creatures that just don't count for magic mirror yeah which is wild yeah 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 pretty wild i like this card as a mythic rare i think it's really cool but i i don't <clears throat> think it goes no, anywhere i don't think so yeah. either i think just like the thing that it's doing we do way better with planeswalkers and stuff yeah yeah absolutely and stuff and just like the creatures have more card advantage on them these days so yeah all right uh next so we have merfolk secret keeper for it's a single blue for an 04 Merfolk Wizard. It has a sorcery adventure, Venture Deep for a single blue. Oh, Venture Deeper. Venture Deeper. <laughs> Excuse me. Venture Deeper for a single single blue. Target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard. This has been a part of some of the Feasting Troll King decks that I've seen, as well as, I don't know, potentially some sort of Vengevine nonsense in modern, but it's, I'm not really about that life. Uh, well, you look at this card and you're like, what are we doing with this? Right. Nothing fair. No, yeah, nothing fair, first not. of all. Yeah. Uh, if this card's playable, then we gotta look closer at it, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could see it in, like, a Vengevine-style strategy, because it does work pretty well with that. You mm-hmm. can, you know... You save uh, it you for can your creature and then, turn. And then you'll have a blue 
thing to cast. Yep. But yeah, I'm I'm just not sold that the Troll King decks need to be milling themselves. It's possible. I mean, some people have done work on it. I'm thinking Jonathan Blank like has okay. been tweeting about it specifically. Yep. And he was just talking about like doing the math and stuff. You just end up with way more feasting, access to way more feasting Troll Kings with the mill cards than you do with looting cards. And so by putting several mill fours into your deck, you're just much more likely to hit the one Troll King early and then get access to multiples if the game goes longer. This also gives you a body to like sacrifice two Witches Oven, which is kind of nice, or to block until you really get your stuff online. Um, But yeah, I I think this is just like, if you're interested in milling yourself, this is a pretty efficient way of doing it that gives you some extra little thing as well. This is a really good enabler card if you want the effect, because it, the way these decks tend to work is you mill yourself first couple turns or whatever. Mm-hmm. You set up and you you take a bunch of damage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so having an 0-4 is, is pretty nice. Attached to your enabler. Yep. That's fair. I, I'm just going to buy four of this card because it's... Even if I never play it, it's a common. It's yeah. really cheap. Yep. And it's probably just, you know, like a quarter or something. Yeah. And it, it, if, if it's East play, I'll be very happy. I'm also picking up four. This one I'm probably not buying so many of. <laughs> Next up, we have Midnight Cloak. So this is two... Whoa. Midnight Clock. Oh, I can't remember. Okay, there's like glare like <laughs> right here. Okay. <laughs> Next up is Midnight Clock. Uh, two and a blue for an artifact. It taps for a blue mana. It has activated ability. Two and a blue. Put an hour counter on Midnight Clock. At the beginning of each upkeep, put an hour counter on Midnight Clock. When the 12th hour counter is put on Midnight Clock, shuffle your hand and graveyard into your library, then draw seven cards. Exile Midnight Clock. It's a really cool design. Yeah, it's neat. It's, so it's a three mana mana rock, which is like fine. It has a mana sink. You can like charge it up a little bit, and then it slowly ticks up into a um, you know refuel. It's a one-sided time twister. Yep. Yeah, and the fact that it's one-sided is yes, pretty so huge in my mind. Certainly a lot better than... Well, it better be, because you're waiting 12 turns. For right, yes, it's a long time. <laughs> well, you're know. waiting six turns for it. If we want to spend a bunch of mana, right? Well, it's at the beginning of each upkeep. Oh, it counts their upkeeps, too? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty... That's it's, much better than Yeah, it was. can actually happen in a game of Magic the Gap. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Games of Magic last, like, what, on average 10 turns? Um, if you're mm-hmm. playing a control deck with Midnight Clock in it, you're definitely shooting for that 10-turn game. Yeah, yeah, yeah for definitely. sure. Definitely. Yeah, this card seems, like... You know, I could see it. Honestly, I could kind of see it. Like, more than Magic Mirror, I could see this as your, like, all right, card advantage engine. Uh, Yeah, yeah, sure. Because it's a mana rock, which is really helpful. Yeah, I don't. I don't really want to be casting it in a like a counterspell strategy. No, because it just feels like it's going to be pretty awkward a lot of the time. You can't spend your cancel turn casting a mana rock in a counterspell strategy. I feel like this just interacts really poorly with my plan to cast a wrath in a seven seven and kill them. That just (laughs) okay. Yeah, that just does seem like a better plan. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, that that's kind of what I want to do in my control deck. I don't really want to time twist into like stuff. Yep, just want to. Kill him. Time twist into more midnight clocks. <laughs> Please no. Yeah, it's it's certainly neat. I like the design a lot. Yeah, it's a um, really cool card. Yeah, I like that they put twelfth hour counter on a card. That's fun. But yeah, like picture you are playing some whatever bizarre version of a control deck you've constructed in order to fit midnight <laughs> clock into it. Yeah. Picture drawing this on turn seven. Um, rather not. It's blank. So yeah, that doesn't work. I think Ali Aldrazi will play this card. Yeah, it's a per- it's a perfect Ali yeah. card. All right, 
Next up, we have Mystical Dispute. Uh, two and a blue for an instant. The spell costs two less to cast if it targets a blue spell. Uh, counter target spell unless its controller pays three. This is a self-hate card. Yeah. Yeah. This is much, much better than the late one. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, I mean, this card I expect to see play in... Every format. Uh, probably Legacy for sure, potentially. I'm actually not sure. It is... Depending on what the purpose of you sideboarding in counter magic in, it might, in a lot of circumstances, be better to just have Dispel in your sideboard. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or even Pyroblast, if you're in that color. Yeah, certainly Pyroblast. The fact that it, this, yeah. like, Pyroblast hits permanence in this card does not, I think is pretty big. Well, um, you certainly they, are they always... don't design magic cards like they used to. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bummer. <laughs> you certainly are always going to be playing Pyroblast over this if you can manage... Yeah, paying a red right. for your, your card. This is a significantly worse Pyroblast. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's certainly like a, a good sideboard card in standard. Oh, yeah. If you're playing a tier one deck, like, it's yeah, going to be good against your deck. If your so. opponent's trying to cast blue spells, then this card is going to be very good. Yep. Yeah. It, it's a probably the best way to counter Teferi Time Raveler. There's not a lot of good ways to counter Teferi it's Time true. Raveler. Yeah. But being able to like do stuff and have a mana floating around mm-hmm. to counter a tef- an impending Teferi yeah. is nice. Yeah. For sure. And it, it also like lets you play additional counter magic in those matchups because you're just like, I kind of got the Teferi thing. I have a, a plan for your Teferis at least. And then, because you have to have the plan be keep Teferis off the board or else you're just like probably going to lose. And this is a, a fine way of doing that. So. Um, yeah, good card. Yep. Ten cents. Why is this even cheaper than, like, all the random nonsense on commons? <laughs> yeah. Man, this is less expensive than the Merfolk 04. <laughs> That's bizarre. I'm going to have to do some cart optimization, but I guess I'll just pick up four. It seems very unlikely that you will ever run four. Yeah, but I'm going to play four. at ten cents, it seems like nonsense not to get them. All right. Next up, we have my new favorite art for Opt. Uh, what does that do? Do you want to read it? <laughs> it's opt. It's a single blue instant scry one draw card. Great. Yeah. Does um, if we didn't have opt, this set would actually be a lot worse, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just play Phoenix again, maybe, uh, since we have some discard outlets. Us. Let's <laughs> me, me play Phoenix again, maybe, <laughs> since we have some discard outlets. Uh, it also helps you trigger your like draw second card on a turn effects, and there's a, a, at least one of those that I think is very playable. And then, you know, helps fix mana in our terrible mana format. Yeah, it, it's opt. It's, it's great. Opt. We have four. We're going to keep playing. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll find some of this art eventually, but I'll probably keep playing my invasion ups because it's fair. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. But I do like that art of yep. opt. It's pretty cool. Next up, we have uh, Vantress Gargoyle. Uh, it's one in a blue for uh, 5-4 artifact creature Gargoyle. It has flying. Uh, Vantress Gargoyle can't attack unless defending player has seven or more cards in their graveyard. Vantress Gargoyle can't block unless you have four or more cards in hand. And it has tap. Each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. I love this card. <laughs> this card is also pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I was really low on this card when it spoiled, but then I saw how big it was. <laughs> it, it's, it's huge. It's, it's gigantic. It's a two mana five four. It can't attack for you early on, though. No, no, no. no. But it's it does the, block early on, it, which is the key. It slaughters everything you can expect to be attacking you on turn three, except for maybe Troll King. 
Ooh, is that going to be attacking on turn three? I hope okay, not. I'm not scared. Yeah. I'm, now, I'm now scared. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like you have a decent chance of making it on turn three. I don't think sure. you have a very good chance of making it on turn two. But th- this card's cool. It's the math on it. Blocking is a little weird. Uh, I've done a little bit of numbers on it. If you if you're on the play and you're at seven cards, you can play it on turn two. Then you can play it two more spells before you can't block. Assuming you hit land drops. Mm-hmm. If you mulligan once. You can play it, and then you can't cast a three drop. It really punishes <laughs> you for mulliganing. It's yeah. very weird about that. It's it's really weird. Yeah, but it, it's got the cool uh, ghoul caller's bell ability. Each player mills one mm-hmm. when you tap it. Yeah, which makes it a really good enabler, even if it's not like doing anything. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's like potentially if you're playing like a grindy standard type Emery deck. Like this is a pretty cool card in that you can cast it, cast gargoyles out of your graveyard as five fours that can block and then maybe attack. Like that's really cool. It's an enabler and a finisher. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and like it enable like if you have one Ventures gargoyle in play and you're like milling yourself, you hit another one and then just like all right, cast this. I've got so many gargoyles. <laughs> well, by then you can probably just attack for ten or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably. once you do, what like like that's a pretty key thing is like once you have it, so it's two combat steps to kill them. Then it's time to turn them sideways, survive the crackback, and then kill them. Like, that's great. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's such a unique card that I'm, I'm definitely having trouble, like, evaluating it appropriately. But it does seem like it's got some pretty interesting and powerful play patterns. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time, to be a little pessimistic here, because I do really like this card. Yeah. I think most of the time it's just going to block on, like, turn three and then not do anything for the next few turns. Sure. Like, it'll it'll just lose all its abilities except for the mill thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So the key to making this card good is to have the mill ability be good. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah. Your, your card just can't block that often if you're casting spells, which you need to do to play magic. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that that is true. I, I think that uh, it will be... It requires that tap ability to be good, to be good. Um, it's also one of the rare cards that is better on the draw than on the play. Yes. And that's kind of nice. Unfortunately, there are way more cards that are better on the play. You don't want to be on the draw. <laughs> almost, almost every card in Magic is better on the play. It's yeah. like people start choosing to draw in Standard because they're playing a Vantress card. Well, yeah. <laughs> Seems unlikely, but it's one that means you lose the die roll, and you're like, well, that's not so My creature can block for an extra turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which oh. is blocking for an extra turn when you're on the draw is yeah, really good. Yeah. No, for sure. Absolutely. So they're like 150. This card is too cool for me not to just yeah. like have them. I'm going to pick up five. Okay. All right. It is, it is too cool not to have. Yeah, the art's good, too. Last card in blue. All right. Uh, last up, we have uh, Witching Well for a single blue. Uh, it's an artifact. When Witching Well enters the battlefield, scry two. And you can pay three in a blue and sacrifice it to draw two cards. It's kind of neat. It's like a, you know, it's a cheap artifact. Scry's two, sits in play. Uh, you can cash it in later on for two cards. If you got uh, a lot of mana, you can like keep drawing cards with your Emery, potentially. Oh yeah, it it's, it does seem like a nice cheap play to get back here with Emery if you're you know if you don't have a lot of excess mana or whatever. Yeah, um, it's mostly just like kind of an enabler card. Yeah, if you're interested in artifact synergies, it's like pretty bad if your Emery deck has Ventress Gargoyle in it though, and you're playing stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. Is, like, oh yeah, one for of the sure. things that makes... it's it's just I don't really see this card impacting standard. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little, not too much. Maybe there's a place for it in modern. There's a lot of uh, outcome decks where I've hated Serum Visions. Just wanted to play an artifact that gets me closer. Interesting. Ooh. Okay. Okay, that's kind of sick. Yeah, I've, I've actually, when I saw this card spoiled, I'd been playing with Serum Visions. 
I had an MCQ in a paradoxical outcome deck. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I've just been boarding out Serum Visions every match. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I personally, I mean, so I could see it in that application, but I, I would be very surprised if this card sees any standard play. Yeah. Same, but it's a nonsense common that costs nothing, so sure. I'll just grab them. Yeah. In case of an Emery deck needing them. In case of emergency. <laughs> yeah. I assume that Lee, you're grabbing a bunch. Emergency. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. On to the black cards. Back to me. We start with Ayara, first of Lockthwain. This is black, black, black for a 2-3 elf noble legendary creature. Whenever Ayara or another black creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Tap, sacrifice another black creature, draw a card. So this is like quite uh, like on both ends enabler for some sort of aristocrats deck that is definitely running, which is familiar in it. Good yeah. job on that pronunciation, by the way. Oh, thanks. Ayara? Or is of that what it's called? <laughs> Requires That's you to have a lisp, lisp to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> this card's just kind of a... I, I don't know where it goes, but if... It's got a lot of text on it, mm-hmm. and those cards are always... It's way better than the white one we looked at earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does a thing. It, it draws cards. It catches in your bad creatures. It drains them. So it, it kind of ups the tempo of the game. You're trying to, to finish them off. Yeah. I mean, if this is in play and you're like witches ovening and witches familiaring, like you're draining them for two every time you bring that cat back into play. Like that's not nothing. That will kill them pretty quickly when you're doing other stuff. That's like a lot of cards invested into one little process and sacrificing stuff to witches oven when you could sacrifice them to draw a card does seem a little bit silly sometimes, but you only get like so many sacrifices per turn cycle since they're both tap abilities. I think it works really well with that, like, super focused, like, lots of one black mana creatures, witches of an aristocrats kind of deck. Pre- like, probably uh, Priest of the Forgotten Gods or whatever. Um, you could be, like, even mono black if you really want that. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of cards for people to play around with their, their sacrifice stuff, yeah. basically. Yeah. This card's never going to be more than $2. No, I'm, I'm not in for this card, but I can see it, like, showing up. Yep. If I... The blue moon, you know. If we test out the Aristocrats deck and it turns out to be the thing to play, then this will probably be in it, and I'll pick some up. But I'm not picking them up in advance. Next up, we have Black Lance Paragon. This is one in a black for a human knight with flash. When Black Lance Paragon enters the battlefield, target knight gains death touch and lifelink until end of turn. This is a pretty interesting effect. You know, it's a two-drop with three power when you need that. The flash is kind of nice even just for, like, when you're playing your small creature deck against a control deck, being able to put it in at the end of their turn as a threat that just, like, you didn't have to walk more guys into their Wrath of God and then here's three power. That's kind of nice. And then the comes-into-play ability only matters against the decks where that part of it doesn't matter. So I kind of like that combo. One of the cool things I like about just this card having flash uh, is red black knights is a is a one of the color pairs for knights, and on turn two you can hold open this card and stomp if you're interested in playing the the blood crusher giant. Hmm. I think is what it's called. Bone crusher giant. Bone crusher giant. That's, you, can't, you can't crush blood. <laughs> blood crusher. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's kind of neat. That's a neat play pattern. I'm I'm not sure how good a three one is. Mm-hmm. One toughness yeah. is like. I mean, we don't have Goblin Chain Whirler in standard <laughs> anymore. Yeah. 
Uh, one top ten is better than it's ever been yes. <laughs> for like two years. Yeah, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we can legally play three ones again, um, but it it still can be a liability. Like, imagine you are playing against that aristocrats deck, and they just have a bunch of nonsense one ones. Yeah, this is not a good card. Yeah, I just I'm not, I don't think that we know enough currently about the standard format to know whether or not a 3-1 is good or, mm-hmm. like, unplayable. Agree. Um, it could be unplayable, but it could just be, like, very fine. Yeah. And, like, still going to trade for a card every time, so. Yep. Um, I will continue not picking up knights. Okay. This one is not a knight. This is the Cauldron of Eternity. Ten black black legendary artifact. This spell costs two less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. Whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library Two and a black, tap, pay two life. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So straight up as just like a value card, I'm not really into this. You have to kind of like max the cost reduction for starters. Like you really It's a 12 mana card otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you really want to be casting this for two and then activating it that turn. And you really don't want to be paying more than five for, like, a reanimation spell. This also costs you that two life. So if you're behind and you do it, like, it can be hard. And you only have, like, two or three activations of this in any given game where they're, like, threatening your life total in any way. Mm -hmm. The only reason that I have heard that makes me, like, okay, I can do this card is that it works very, very well with Emery. They set each other up. They can get each other back from the graveyard. And they work pretty well together, especially if you overlap and have a bunch of artifact creatures in your deck. That's mm-hmm. kind of nice. And being able to refuel is like pretty important, I think, for this card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it notably stops creatures from going... Well, when a creature you control on the battlefield dies, it goes on the bottom, mm-hmm. which still triggers death effects, which is cool in yeah. that regard. It's not a replacement effect. Yeah. But it... You can't just recur the same creature over and over again. Right. And creatures you control that just die in combat that you cast. You, you don't get them. You can't get them. Yeah. So if you you're really playing cast this, card, this like after a bunch of the game has happened. You're really relying, if you want to fuel up again, you have to be playing Merfolk, Venture Deeper, I forget what the card is called. Yeah. Venture Deeper, the mill four card. Yeah. Or Emery or something like that. All these Merfolk that mill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can pay two life to get your 0-4 back from your graveyard. Well, it's an exile. You can just cast it. Well, but, like, if you milled one of them because you got a bunch of these awful creatures it in It counts your... as a creature. <clears throat> it counts as a creature that you can, that can like, yeah. you can mill and turns on this. So yeah, and, and one good thing about this is that, right, like, the, all the adventure creatures are spells that then are creatures that, like, make this cost less and then you can get back. Ultimately, though, I'm just not really into this card. I don't, I don't think it's very good. And, and straight up, I think it's really bad. Like, <laughs> like no, 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 I mean, if you're just, like... If you're just, like, playing it as, like, a... If you're playing it straight up, is what I'm yeah, saying. No, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. That was a great okay. phrasing. <laughs> I also really... I enjoyed that a lot. That's a quote. <laughs> you gotta keep that in. All right, I will. Okay. But what I mean to say is, if you're playing it straight up as, like, your value engine in a deck that is able to put creatures in the graveyard, but then, like, here this is, like, it's gonna recur guys and I'll win the game that way, I yeah. think that's very bad. And I think yeah. you need to be doing something like kind of like really synergistic with emery stuff and i i just don't think that's gonna work out yeah i agree <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay I, I like this card a lot i, I really do mm-hmm. uh but i 
there's a lot of cards that work with it in this set, mm-hmm. but only as enablers. The things you're bringing back aren't that impressive. Right. The, it doesn't offset the life you lose. The best thing to bring back is Troll King, which brings itself back. <laughs> yeah. So right now, I, I'm not interested in this card. I, I'm going to pick up probably a couple down the line. Mm-hmm. Not right now. But I'm going to look at this card in the future because there's a lot to enable it right now. There's just nothing good enough to get back. So yeah. I'm really hopeful for it. But right now, I, I'm not in for it. This kind of card <laughs> sort of leans towards being, you know, when you have this reiterative engine of getting stuff back, you want it to be like, it kind of doesn't matter what I'm getting back because I can keep doing it. So like with with Whip of Erebos, which was kind of the opposite of this card because it has lifelink instead yeah, of costing it, it, it you life. super cheap. So, so you're able to just buy back a ton of that tempo by gaining in, an insane amount of life over time. Uh, but like you were just getting back like whatevers. You're getting back your seed rhinos and stuff with it. And like obviously that's good. <laughs> you're whatevers like seed rhinos. Yeah, but I mean like <laughs> you're not playing like seven drops so you can get no. them back. You're playing your creatures and getting them back and getting value off of getting them back. And right. I don't think that that really works with Cauldron of Eternity. You gotta be getting something back really good. Yeah. If it's worth the investment. So none for now. Uh, next up, we have Clackbridge Troll. This is three black black for an 8-8 Trample Haste. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent creates three O one one white goat creature tokens. At the beginning of combat on your turn, any opponent may sacrifice a creature. If a player does tap Clackbridge Troll, you gain three life and you draw a card. You see, you ate the goat, so oh, you gain yeah. three life, which is what eating food does. But doesn't the troll gain the life? Or... It's not a perfect science. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think this card is very good. My favorite thing about this card is that it only triggers on your turn, so you won't have to keep clicking on your turn on Magic Online. Ooh, that's good. With that, like, because Desecration even does right, that. Right, right, right. Even though it's already tapped, they yeah. can sacrifice another creature. Yeah. Um, this is like a really good way to like spend three turns turning this into like a five mana draw three. <laughs> the, the worst part is your opponent has the option, and at no point. Murderous Rider, we're going to get to later. That's just a good removal spell. Mm-hmm. If they just want to point a thing at this and just collect the goats, yeah, you, that, that's not great for you. I mean, your deck is probably constructed such that 0-1 goats don't bother you very much. Hopefully, but um, they could. But they do bother you if you're like trying to kill them with Clackbridge Troll and like your second one. Now they have six goats to like buy time. Yeah. It's a lot of cards, though. There's I mean, a lot of drawing cards. Drawing a card for each goat that your opponent sacrifices, it's not nothing. And You're, gaining three life? Yeah, gaining three life and drawing the card. Mm-hmm. Like, if it was just one or the other, it wouldn't be nearly as good, because your yeah. opponent could just outrace it yeah, like, right. with whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah. but, but both, that, both together. Yeah, that, that is a, the main problem with this card, I think, is that your opponent dictates the pace at which it plays, which is not great. I could see it, but like five mana is a lot of mana to be doing this thing that your opponent has several different options for right. shutting down. And I just have no idea what archetype would want this card. Like, what deck are we building? That yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you know what card I really need? Some Clackbridge Trolls. I need a conditional 8-8 <laughs> Haste Trampler. Right. But yeah. yeah. Maybe <laughs> I want to draw some cards. But yeah, but, but maybe I want to gain some life and draw cards. I don't know. It's, it's up to my opponent, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let them decide. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm in the market for, so here it goes. <laughs> hey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we have Epic Downfall. One in a black for a sorcery. Exile target creature with converted mana cost three or greater. So this is a D-Spark for creatures only, sorcery speed, but it does hit like a bigger range. Like it'll have targets against a lot of the aggressive decks, a lot of their like 
cap out creatures that have a lot of power end up at three mana. Um, this seems like a fine removal spell. Yeah, it's notably a two mana removal spell, which there are very, very few of in standard right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I think this card is pretty good. I think this card is definitely going to see play. Converted mana cost three or greater is just like, you know, any like anything important this kills. So that's like barring some like super low to the ground, like weenie saw strategy. This card's going to be trading up and, and yeah. hitting important things. If you're playing against Cavalcade of Calamity Red, this deck isn't going to do a lot. Yep. But against most decks, also, if they don't have a Witch's Oven, you can get their Troll King with this. And you really love Witch's Oven. I, I do really love Witch's Oven. But uh, Exiling Creatures, yeah, super yeah, important. Yeah. Yeah. This card is probably going to be the best card against Troll King, in, from, from what I can see. Yes. <clears throat> I'm in for four. This is just a, a very solid playable. Yep, I'm happy to pick up four of this. Uh, I Probably you will not run for No, but I'll probably lose one. <laughs> You'll probably lose one. Yeah. But That's like, just the reality. every once in a while, it might just be like, yeah, this is the best like sideboard card, or this is just the best, the most important removal spell for this matchup. And yeah. Next, we have Oathsworn Knight. One black, black for a human knight enters the battlefield with four plus one, plus one counters on it. It's a zero, zero. Attacks each combat if able. If damage would be dealt to Oathsworn Knight while it has a plus one, plus one counter on it, prevent that damage and remove a plus one, plus one counter from it. This is one of those cards where I, I read it and I was like waiting for a downside, but it actually had one this time, <laughs> as, as opposed to not previously. Um, yeah, I think this card's like pretty strong. Mm-hmm. It has um, the phantom ability, which is always really hard for me to evaluate. Mm-hmm. The removing counters if they would take damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's specifically though, it's not like for each damage dealt, remove those counters. It's just like if it were to be dealt damage, you remove a counter, right? Uh, am, am I didn't that play right? during judgment. Oh, so. of course. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how all the old phantom creatures worked. There's a whole slew of them in oh, judgment. Okay. And I made times where I'll add a couple too. Okay. But yeah. they, they were the same style as this card. I guess what I'm, what I'm more used to is like the, the updated version of that, which yeah. is strictly worse. Yeah, it's like Ugin's Conjurant. Okay. okay, this is not Ugin's Contract. Okay. Yeah. okay, this is like it can get into four fights, and the fourth fight, the fourth fight kills it basically. Sure. Yeah. So this is card is really <laughs> cool with uh, things like uh, the equipment or Lord effects because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. just gets huge, and you remove one counter. If it is a, if it, it has, has no to, counters, it has on to it? have a counter on it to prevent the damage. That's what it okay. says. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you can't just put a lance on it and then have it be a two-two like immortal immortal knight. Yeah, um, it's yeah. just so big. It is so big. But I guess you know, maybe I'm overvaluating it because I'm like underestimating the that like phantom ability. Like if it just gets chomped a bunch, then it like slowly dies. But and it also like this only this ability only matters if you're playing a matchup where you like get into creature fights a bunch of times, and there's no guarantee that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting into creature fights a bunch of times, you kind of want guys where you get the option of blocking with them. And that's not... Like, if you're on the draw and this is your turn three against an aggressive deck, uh, and then they just, like, don't attack that one turn and then take a hit and then, like, hit you back, like, this could be, like, a pretty big liability in a matchup like that. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. And obviously the ability just does nothing if they're a realm-cloaked giant-type deck. Right, yeah. It's just a 4-4 four, four for 3, which is pretty sweet. Uh, not terrible, but... Yeah. Um, again, not picking up knights. Reasonable. 
Yeah, I, I think this is one of the, the weaker strong knights, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, yeah. I'm just not, I think the downsides are too much. Like, having to attack every turn is the, the big downside for me. That one is really rough. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Next is Order of Midnight. This is actually a knight I might pick up. Uh, one in a black for a 2-2 flying, can't block, and its adventure is Alter Fate. One in a black for an adventure, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. This is like the best gravedigger we've ever seen. This yeah. is so good. Yeah, you get to split up the mana cost. Yeah. It's pretty insane. And the body has flying and is a knight. Yeah. Uh, it can't block, is that right? It can't yeah, block. That way you, you just can't chain two of them together forever. <laughs> Reasonable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, thankfully, I'm, I'm very glad they put that text on it. Um, yeah, and this card is very strong. Uh, you know, I think it is, is probably going to see play in the, the Black Knight strategy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if... You know, the night strategy is really looking for this style of like card advantage stuff. But the fact that you can just play it on curve as a 2 2 flyer for two yep. makes up for that in my mind. Yeah. Any control deck that's like removing your guys, and this is just. Yeah, it's just plus, plus one threat. Yeah. And even later in the game, uh, there's another knight that is a drain life effect as an adventure. Yeah. You can pick that card up from your graveyard and drain their life again. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, raised deads are much better given the existence of adventure creatures. So that's one yeah, of the things wow, that, okay. that pushes this. Yeah, definitely didn't think about that for sure. Um, yeah, pretty pretty excited about this one now. Oh, wow, I just <laughs> totally missed that. I was I was expecting that to be next after the other one, and then yeah. Oathsworn Knight came up, and I was like, I guess I just misread just it. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> scrolled past it. All right, so slightly out of alphabetical order, but we really cannot miss this card. This is Murderous Rider. One black black for a 2-3 lifelink. When it dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library, and its adventure is Swift End. One black black for an instant. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. You lose two life. So relevantly, this is a zombie knight? Yes. So it's got all those delicious knight synergies on your. This is the one of the better knights in this in the set. Yeah, but it's it's, it's also, also just, just the best spell. removal spell in the set, probably. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, but <laughs> the, the knight is what you cast in like four turns after you cast the removal spell. Yeah, yeah. just or, when, like, when you've got you know. three mana that like wasn't really doing anything. Yeah, kills creatures, kills planeswalkers, is an instant mm-hmm. in matchups where like the losing two life. If you're playing against like a really low to the ground red deck and that would suck, then you're just like, here's a two three lifelink. You have to play the two three lifelink. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't have lightning strike anymore, so it's like not that bad to put out a two three lifelink against a bunch of like two ones and stuff. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think this card is really important to have against Oko decks. Like, I think that these are going to be like pillars of the format of like you're either playing uh, Oko decks or something with this with or Oko something or against him. Yeah, right. You're, yeah. you're either playing with Oko or against him. For sure. <laughs> but this is like one of the one of the like on curve answers that you can have to Oko yeah. without like completely getting boned by you know, like needing to play into the board and Oko just start stealing all your stuff. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And and also just in general. It's a good catch-all removal spell. Like, of course, yeah. They put out a Teferi and they plus it because you haven't put anything in play yet. You get to just kill the Teferi and like not deal with that stupid Teferi. <laughs> and then later on you can play the Rider if they play another Teferi. Right. They, have, they can't, they can't bounce, bounce it. it. It's hard to bounce another thing that the Rider can attack. Yeah. Yeah. So just play patterns with this I think are generally quite good. And it is a really versatile removal spell. So, um. Like, $12, 
$13. It's a little too much for me at 13 I'll, I'll wait a little bit on it. Yeah. I'm I not mean, playing the first week standard. I don't need them right now. Yeah. I, I will wait until this goes down a little bit. I mean, there was a but time if, where, like, Vraska's Contempt was a solid, like, $15 card yeah. in standard, so. Like, if you if you need them, I would not be sad picking up four and playing them for the next two years, but I, I, I can just afford to wait a little bit. Yeah. I'll probably hold off, and if I need them, I'll just, like, use Star City store credit at whatever price they've got them at at that time. <laughs> Pick these up at some point, and you're gonna cast it a lot. Is it? It's a rare. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thirteen seems a little high for the resting place for this card. Agree. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Rankle, Master of Pranks. Two black, black, three, three, flying haste. Whenever Rankle, Master of Pranks, deals combat damage to a player, choose any number. Each player discards a card. Each player loses one life and draws a card. Each player sacrifices a creature. So. Just a lot of combinations of things you can do when you hit a player with it. Also, just love the wording on this card. Choose any number. Ah, 14. <laughs> All right, six. I'll hit you and draw 16 cards. Yeah. You're dead. I'm just choosing a number. Also, I'm going to do any any of these things that I want to. Yeah. Um, the fact that there's actually just eight modes when you hit them with this means that probably if you can actually like put the brain effort into figuring out which one is the best there's gonna be a good one there yeah for sure Um, he's also three three flying haste hits planeswalkers uh when that's necessary and is great if you have throwaway creatures to sacrifice is probably like my favorite like initial use of it if you are playing like an aristocracy sort of deck this probably fills some holes in that deck and lets you remove opposing creatures while tossing away garbage creatures on your side of the board. I don't know. There's a lot to like about this card, I think, for how weird it is. I, I'm not really sure what to make of it, honestly. I, I This is a card I really need to play with. Because mm-hmm. to me, it feels like uh, if the board is like kind of even, this card's really, really good. Because you get to dictate how the board looks or mm-hmm. how the cards look. If you're on really low resources, it's mostly just a 3-3 flyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Well, it depends on what their state is. If you're on really low resources and they got a few cards in hand, drawing a card is really good for you. Like, each player draws a card is really good for you. Yes. Or if you're empty-handed and they have a couple of cards in hand, making them discard is really good for you. So, I don't know. I I agree I need to play with it, and it could just be like, I can't spend four mana on this, like, three toughness creature. But it does have an effect the turn it comes into play, which is important for yes. a four-mana card. It attacks Planeswalkers, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't trigger, but it attacks them. Yep. I see this card being really good in, like, a, you know, really, like, low-to-the-ground, like, a bunch of cheap cards. And this is, like, your, your final card that you play, and mm-hmm. you have no cards in hand. Because I think that when you're at zero cards, no matter what your opponent's cards in hand look like or the board state looks like, you're going to be able to get value out of this. Because yeah. choosing if you're at zero cards, choosing both both players discard and then you draw it's just going to be a you know your opponent rummages and you draw a card which Mm -hmm. is pretty solid yeah um i'm not gonna pick up any at like ten dollars right now it just seems a little too speculative for that amount of money but i will be very unsurprised if i am playing this and really enjoying playing this in the future fair enough yeah yeah, i'm not gonna pick up any i just this is like a six dollar card i need to see more yeah, I agree. Zero, zero. All right, next we have Smitten Swordmaster. One in a black for a 2-1 human knight with lifelink. Its adventure is Curry Favor. Black for a sorcery. You gain X life, and each opponent loses X life, where X is the number of knights you control. 
Yikes. If you're doing this for even three in an aggressive deck, that's yeah. a lot. <laughs> if you're getting it back with your raised dead knight and you're just like doing it a couple of times over the course of the game, that's a lot of life. And if you're ever doing it for more than that, that's an absurd card. Yeah. You know, you draw it when your board is empty. You get a 2-1. Not the best. Not the worst. Not the worst. But it's, you know, it's modal and works well with your aggressive deck and I think ends up... If there's an aggressive Black Knights deck, I think this is, like, a key component that allows it to exist. Might even be one of the best cards in the deck. Yeah. So, which is interesting to say about a common, but, you know, that drain effect, to me, looks super strong. Mm Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I, I have not tried. This card lives and dies by its synergies. So yeah, that's when it'll be good. If you can use the body, if you can use the adventure, you're in good shape. Yep. Still not bothering picking up knights, even the commons. They'll they'll be around. They'll come to me if I need them. <laughs> uh, Spectre's Streak. One black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player exiles that card. If a non-black card is exiled this way, exile a card from your hand. So... Again, like a really interesting take on the like color hate card. It is a thought seize rather than a removal spell. Um, but also as application, if your opponent is if you have to take a non black card, you can like pay the cost to do that. But it feels like a fine sideboard card potentially. I love this card. I think this is a really, really cool design. I agree. It's a card I could see just like, you obviously want to play it against a black deck, because then it has no downside. Mm-hmm. But it's not the worst thing in the world to have Yeah. if you are at a such disadvantage where you just want to, like, 2 for one yourself for Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, generally 2 for one yourself for Thoughtseize is, like, not great. No. Um, it's not what Thoughtseize decks want <clears throat> to do, right. certainly. Yes. What happens if this is the last card in your hand when you cast it? Do you but, Can you take anything? You can take whatever you want, but you don't have no downside. But generally, you really want a thought seize on turn one. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Course. Um, yeah, this card is definitely interesting. I could see it being a sideboard card, um, but it is it, it it feels a little narrow to me because having the, like boarding a card like this in against a multicolored deck and then ending up needing or wanting to take a non-black card mm-hmm. that feels pretty pretty bad to right. me. And like a lot, if you're bringing it in against the blue-black control deck. A lot of times what your duress is taking is a counterspell. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure this will end up seeing any play, but it, it is a cool design. It also needs to be coming in in a scenario where you're... It feels like it needs to be coming in in a scenario where you're likely to be taking a black creature out of their hand. Or else mm-hmm. why aren't you just boarding in duress? Right. That's a fake removal spell. Yeah. Well, duress is going to miss on a lot of creatures. Creatures. Right. Well, that, that <laughs> well, a that, lot of spells slash creatures. Yeah, I guess that's true. That that's a really good point. Is yep. is that makes that this effect a lot better if people are playing a lot yep. of adventure creatures as their spells. That's true. Like you're not going to be able to ever duress your opponent's like murderous murder. rider. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this does that. Yeah. It does also exile the card, so they can't raise that either, which is yeah. nice. Ooh. That is really nice. So because of that, that puts me a little higher on this card, just the the presence of adventure creatures, and specifically a black creature (laughs) that you may want to duress. Right, yeah. I don't really want to pick any up right now. It's probably not expensive, I guess. I'll pick up four, but I I can foresee playing this pretty easily. I'd I'd want access to it. Yeah, it's super cheap. It costs nothing. All right, I'll just get them. All right, Uh, we've got Wishclaw Talisman. One in a black for an artifact... 
It enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it. One, tap, remove a wish counter from Wishclaw Talisman, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. An opponent gains control of Wishclaw Talisman. Activate this ability only during your turn. I was low on this card until I realized that you can basically play this, do nothing with it, and then on your like combo turn in your combo deck, it's a like one mana tutor. This is basically in your combo deck that kills them. This is a grim tutor where you can split the mana cost up to one. And I think that's enough on its own without any of the nonsense like get a Teferi, bounce my Wishclaw Talisman with Teferi. I think that's all trash. But this being a grim tutor that you split into two payments, I think is good. Um, with the fail case <laughs> being grim tutor? With the fail case being grim tutor that you don't pay life for. Yeah. You've got to kill him because your opponent has it now. Yes, you got to kill him. But they're disincentivized from using it unless they have a great answer. Because if they give it back to you and you get to tutor again, like you're kind of up in that exchange. Like you spent the card, but you get two tutors to their one. And your deck like really wants to tutor, obviously, because you put this in there. I, I don't like the like get a card that lets me abuse the Wishclaw Talisman by like bouncing it or something. It's just like, if you got a Teferi with this and then you bounced your Wishclaw Talisman with your Teferi, you're going to lose that game because you spend a bunch of mana doing nothing. So <laughs> I'm I'm with you somewhat. Mm -hmm. I don't want to tutor for a card that allows me to break the symmetry. I think that just doesn't do very much. Yeah, it's just Because what are you going to do when you have it, like you, you get it, you get the Teferi, you bounce it, you draw a card, you have the Witchclaw Talisman. What are you going to do with the Witchclaw Talisman next? Yeah, you're like, not nothing? up a card. You're, like... you're just going to play it again, get another Teferi. Like, what are, what are we accomplishing? <laughs> We're just going through all our Teferis. But I do really like breaking the symmetry, whether it be Teferi or uh, bouncing it somehow in response to the ability, sacrificing it to things that, like Thoughtra Foundry is what I'm first comes to mind but i i don't know what whatever we're doing we've been sacrificing that. a lot of artifacts lately i have this card, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. getting a karn <laughs> honestly karn. like yeah. if you can break the symmetry as part of your main game plan mm -hmm. like you have a teferi and you have a wishclaw talisman so you can tutor for whatever you want yeah i don't want to tutor for my answer to wishclaw talisman i want to tutor for a card in my deck and i already have the answer to wishclaw talisman because it's a good card in my deck mm -hmm. like thopter foundry or teferi yeah i, I can definitely see that I do think the primary use for this card to me is just, like, an easy-peasy Grim Tutor. Like, we have not had Grim Tutor in, like, combo decks in Modern. And it's only single black. And it's an artifact. Yeah. It's a lot of good applications. There's there's a lot of stuff here. So, yeah, I, I was down on it, and the more I think about it, the higher I am on it. I think it'll do stuff. I have no idea what that stuff is, though. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I think that the most realistic application for this card is going to be in some combo deck mm. that is just like has it out and then gets to have the one mana tutor on the turn that they're trying to do something crazy. Yeah. So, and it can it's very flexible on that turn. If you have like the pieces but no protection, you get your thoughtsies, you thoughtsies them, and you put your pieces together. Yeah. You know, like it it isn't like restrictive at all in what it does. Right. So yeah. Maybe it sees play in some, like, Storm's Shell or something. I don't know. It's pretty tough to evaluate. I believe over the years we will see the C play in every single format. I'm I'm kind of priced into buying five. I really believe in this card. <laughs> I, I think that's totally reasonable. I, I, it's just a card I really Oops. believe has the stats and the top card types to be good. Yeah. Like, it's it's got a lot of going on for it. And I don't know where it fits in, and that's usually a good sign. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to hold off on it for now. 
once we see where I need to put it in, you know, I'll borrow them from you or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Last black card, we have Witch's Vengeance. One black black sorcery. Creatures of the creature type of your choice get minus three, minus three until end of turn. You got to kill a bunch of knights. Here you go. Yep. Witch's Vengeance. It's the knight hate card. Yep. Pretty much. Not much more to say about it than that. No, yeah. I can I can hate on people saying this is playable in modern because it hates on merfolk or humans or whatever when <laughs> anger the gods exists already. I right. don't see how it's notably different. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't exile, so that's really bad. <laughs> well, the only difference really is selfless spirit against spirits. Yeah, but it does it does do better work against selfless spirit. Yeah, that's all I've really got to say about this card. <laughs> but we're not putting sideboard cards into our modern sideboards for beating spirits with. Yeah, not today. Um, yeah, I'll pick them up if I need them for my standard sideboard, given how the format is, but I'm not going to bother right now. That's fair. We got the red cards next. All right, next up we have uh, red, and our first card is Bone Crusher Giant. So it's two and a red for a 4-3 giant. When Bone Crusher Giant becomes the target of a spell, uh, Bone Crusher Giant deals two damage to that spell's controller. It has a instant adventure, Stomp, for one and a red. Damage can't be prevented this turn. Stomp deals two damage to any target. Yeah, this card rules. This card is thick. Four three for three mana and a uh, two mana. A good adventure. Shock. Yeah, I believe, yeah. I believe this is the first time Red has had this stat line ever. A three mana four three. Yeah, and it doesn't wow. have a horrific downside. It's just I mean, it's got well, massive this, upside across this, the board. Yeah. This stat line without a drawback. Um, yeah, and this card is pretty incredible. It's going to see play in every red deck. Yep. And just like Brazen Borrower, it's a built-in 2-3 curve. So mm-hmm. even if you're not an aggro deck, yep. like this is great in a mid-rangey sort of like beat them down gruel deck or something like that. Holy crap, you are disincentivized from playing Incubation Druid or Growth Chamber Guardian with this thing in the format. Yeah. Any any two mana creature with two toughness is getting it's stomped. getting the it's getting the boot. It's getting the boot. Especially it's getting stomped on. All you've got left is shock. Lightning strikes gone. So you've just got shocks and stomps. Yeah, yeah. three toughness creatures are chef's case right now. Currently the way to go. Yep. Murderous Rider being a two three life link is like real important. This card is very very good, and I, I like you don't have to be super aggressive. You can be more mid rangey, but the super aggressive decks will probably want some number of these too. It's kind of crazy that I would be like really into this card if it were a 4-3 vanilla creature on the back half. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> but it just has upside text right. for some yeah. reason. Somehow. Yeah. They just, like, wanted to put more text if on it. If you here. put a removal spell on it, it stomps you yeah. before dying. I This is, interestingly, like, the first... Like, maybe the 3-1 Flash Flyer also qualifies as this, but it, this is the first, like, really good adventure card that I'm, like, more than happy to just play as a creature uh, before I, like, cast the the stomp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the other, like, good adventures are, like, okay, you know, this is a spell, and then it's got a creature on the back half. But this one's, like, 4-3 for 3. Let's yep. get it. Yeah. And does not die to the wrath in this set, and that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the great. balancing factor to the wrath. The real big one. Yep. I want 4. You want 4. I'm also getting 4. That is an easy decision for me. I had, like, $4. Uh, the pricing on these cards is... Bizarre. Yeah. It's so like like our like evaluations of these cards compared to like their pricing is like like this is the like the rare that we're like, wow, we have to have this and <laughs> multiple rares before this have been way more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, next up we have Embercleave. So this is four red red for a legendary artifact equipment. Um, it has flash. This spell costs one less to cast for each attacking creature you control. 
when Embercleave enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has double strike and trample. And then it has equip for three. Affinity for attacking creatures. Love it. <laughs> You'd love to see it, honestly. That's This is what red's all about, Yeah. this card. Double strike, trample. It's kind of weird, like, functionally. It, to, it wants you to have, like... A high-powered creature and also several creatures attacking at once. Mm-hmm. It's like a because it, it like does a team or battle rage thing, but team or battle rage is fine with you having one death shadow in play and just yeah. killing them with it. Um, that doesn't really work with this thing. This interesting and could be the payoff for a red aggressive knight's deck. Yeah, there's a lot of different cards in the set that I think makes this acceptable even though that's weird mm-hmm. attacking with a lot of creatures wants to put it on a big creature attention yeah whereas it, it's a it's an equipment so that works with a bunch of the the knights the white knight we talked about earlier a claims knight i think it's called mm-hmm. it can tutor for it or it can yeah. grab it off yeah. its top five uh you can equip this for free on javier's card yep just various cool things yeah and you really don't need a ton of power on a creature to make this a decent equipment a two power creature this effectively gives uh, three power two or four power two i mean it gives first strike two or yeah. double strike yeah first strike is a powerful ability yeah yeah so like if you have a two power guy this turns it into a three x double strike so that's you know goes from a two power guy to a six power guy with some of that being first strike so that's like a big boost in damage to most creatures that are in your deck i think this card is crazy strong i i like it a lot too i think this card is really really good it's gonna make combat for your opponent miserable if they expect that you have it Mm -hmm. only attacking with two creatures means that you can spend four mana on this card and Mm -hmm. by the time you're attacking with two creatures you should probably have four mana. Yeah. Um, and one might be a bone crusher giant. Yeah. If, for free. If one, one is one, a bone crusher giant? Yeah. Right. That's that's ten. That's, that's ten damage that has trample. And that this this curves directly after it. If you just have one creature before it. And nothing except for a troll king is beating a a bone crusher giant with double right. strike in combat. Yeah. It's not a spell. It's not an aura. They kill the creature. Right. You still have the equipment. Yeah. Yep. You can use this to uh, like make combat favorable. If they like are trying to block you or something. So you can, like, eat one of their creatures. Uh, or you can just use this to, like, just kill them out of nowhere. If you, like, alpha, yeah, like, it's mid to late game. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, can't, I can't wait playing a creature mirror. My opponent just attacks with three creatures until I'm even bored. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, you're just like, what are you going to do? Like, you, it's like none of your blocks are good. Some of your blocks might just kill you immediately. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, well, I hope he, well, if he has Invercleave, I have to... Right. Lose right. horrendously on board. Oh, oh, right, <laughs> yeah. And then they just, like, don't play their Cleave and, like, play add more to the board. Yeah, yeah. This card seems really, really good to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I do really like that Javier's card. It's a one-drop that one of its abilities makes your equipment cost, like, three less to equip. And right. Right. that is exactly how much it costs to equip this thing. So probably the vast majority of Embercleave decks are going to have a lot of Javier's card in it. Yeah. A yeah. fervent champion is, is what it is. So this is like four bucks right now. We're just going to call it Javier's card. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think he deserves that, certainly. Yes. Um, I'm yeah. I'm in for two of these. Like, how many do you think you can play in a deck? It's not a burn if spell and it's not a creature. If it's as good as I think it is, then it's a three of. Yeah. 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 I'm probably just going to pick up two for now. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't know where... I'm okay with picking up two. Two's, two's reasonable. And then sure. if I have to eat, like, oh no, this is a $12 card now and I need to buy one. All right. Yeah. All right. You lost it. You lost it. $8. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Next up, we have Embereth Shieldbreaker. 
It's a uh, it's one in red for a two one human knight. It has a sorcery adventure battle display for a single red. Uh, destroy target artifact. So this is the it's a manic vandals. Uh, it's a build your own manic vandals. Vandal. Yeah, I mean it's right. it's like mostly better than manic vandals by a reasonable amount. Yeah, because um, you could play it as a two one and not kill your own artifact. Yeah, well, also because you can kill the artifact when you need to instead yeah. of spending a whole turn doing it. Right. Yeah, this card seems like a great cyber card. Not a main deck card, but a nope. great cyber card. Um, and has extra value if it's a sideboard card in a knight's deck. It's just a knight that you get alongside your shatter that you needed for the matchup. That's neat. But even in non-knight's decks, like it's a body with a shatter, and that's good. Yeah, it's a good safety yeah. valve for these legendary artifacts if they ever turn out to be good. Yeah, there's some very expensive, very high-value <laughs> artifacts that people are going to be playing. Ten cents. Okay, well, I wasn't going to pick up four, but I guess I will. <laughs> yeah. Why is this 10 cents and some of these other cards are a quarter? I don't... Okay. It's it's random. Yeah, they just see how much we're willing to pay. Yeah, but I'd be willing to pay a quarter for this one. And <laughs> I'm not willing to pay a quarter for the other ones, to be honest. <laughs> Next up, we have Fervent Champion. So this is a single red for a 1-1 Human Knight. Uh, it has First Strike and Haste. When Fervent knight, when fervent Champion attacks, another target attacking knight you control gets plus one plus O until end of turn. And equip abilities you activate that target Fervent Champion costs three less to activate. So I guess it just makes your uh, Ember Cleave free to equip as long as you still have Fervent Champion to put it on yes. each time. <laughs> this card, I don't know, I'm a little less high on it than most other people are. Yeah, It seems like it's going to be pretty tough to attack with it and another knight, unless you're attacking with, like, two fervent champions, and then it's, like, fine. They just eat the one one. They just have, like, any two toughness creature. Or gargoyle. You're going to lose your fervent champion. I feel like the best part of this card is kind of the card, the part of the card that, like, is, like, pretty medium most of the time, which is the equip ability mm-hmm. of just, like, making things equipped to it pretty much effectively free most of the time. I don't know. I'm I'm not super sold on this card, but it's you know it's a one mana red creature. Right. Bad. The bar is not that high. Yeah. It's got haste. Yep. So it's probably fine. And certainly like, you know the the standard 2020 events or whatever they've been calling them, Cavalcade of Calamity has been like one of the go to decks in those, and it's possible that that is playable in actual standard. Mm-hmm. And then this card is. Clearly very good in that type of deck. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's not, like, super strong. If you have a red-based knight's deck that is willing to cast red one-drops or wants to cast red one-drops, this certainly is the one for that. I don't really want to pick any up at $3. I'm going to continue not buying knights, I think. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. Yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised if this just never saw any play, to be Mm -hmm. honest. It's got a lot of text. It, yeah. A lot of it is, like, pretty conditional, though. that great, though. (laughs) Yeah. Haste is great. It's so small. It's a 1-1. One, one. It's pretty little. It's, it, this card is just built to carry equipment, and that's just not something I want to be doing very often. Yep, standard. I agree. Except for that that one card that already it's equips for free. Yeah. yeah, right. It's, it's more like a Team Battle Rage. So. Yep. Next up, we have Fires of Innovation. Or, yep. no, Fires of Invention. Three in red for an enchantment. You can cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. You may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs. I love this card. This card's sweet, yes. if nothing else. This card is really sweet. Yeah, yeah. It's in some ways kind of 
a uh, wilderness reclamation in that it like kind of doubles your mana, but it doubles your mana for specifically like big clunky main phase sorcery stuff rather than like ha, all of this end of turn th- nonsense. So that's like better play patterns for Magic the Gathering is like here are my fives and sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, you need ways of getting card advantage so you can like keep the the double spell turns rolling. But there's some pretty clear ones. I've seen Niv-Mizzet Reborn decks, um, but I've also seen uh, Escape to the Wilds, the like three red-green exile the top five cards of your library. I don't know. I I can see this card working it, in you know modern. It is another way to cast the like the suspend spells. But I think more as a standard thing. And the key to this card is also that you get to cast a spell for free the turn that you cast this. So you yeah. don't lose tempo. It's right. similar to Wilderness Reclamation in that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty big element to this card for me. I think that traditionally cards like this have a pretty big tempo loss. This just doesn't have a tempo loss at all. Right. That's what makes this card an interesting puzzle rather than, oh, this is way too much to invest in. <laughs> right. Because, uh, like, as, as long as you, like Chris said, how to have a way to get some card advantage while you're doing threat things. Mm-hmm. Limb is a great example. You're you can just keep burying your opponent in spells. Yeah. Now you are basically permanently to fairy locked. You can never cast a spell during your opponent's turn with this card in play. So you build your you build your deck <laughs> you never want to. That's a bummer. <laughs> but kind of used to that by now. Right. Yeah. yeah, I I'm into it. Literally any deck that wants this card wants four. It is mm-hmm. insane. Like you should buy zero or you should buy four mm-hmm. is how this card works. I just don't even know like what that kind of deck looks like right now. Just I, like I you're either. just like playing a bunch of like sweet four and five minute cards or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's exactly what it's gonna look like. It has to look like that. Great. Um, I've seen builds with like. Uh, beanstalk giant in it. Actually, adventures are pretty good with it. They're especially bone crusher because it gives you two and a three drop in yeah. one card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you go two, three, fires of invention. Here's my four. Uh, any adventure creature, you can cast the adventure and cast the creature as your two spells in the turn potentially. So that like kind of fills in the role a little bit. But what you do really want are some like kind of big card advantagey spells. Uh, yeah, I think escape to the wilds is. A main one for me, or Niv Mizzet, if you just want every damn color in your deck. <laughs> ways to sink your—you don't ever have to tap lands with this card in play. Mm, so that's true. ways to use your mana, in addition to the spells you're casting, is really good. Mm, uh, I don't—I don't know okay. if those are yet. I've those seen... are Biogenic Ooze. Is sure, a sweet one. Sure. Actually, what's really cool with this is uh, Cavalier Flames. So you can have a turn where you. Uh, if you untap with Fires of Invention, you cast Cavaliers of Cavalier of Flame, and then another like five or six drop, give your guys haste and a bunch of power, and just attack them. Ooh. That's sweet. I like that a lot. That's a pretty sweet. That card, card gives haste. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it gives everything haste, even yeah. itself. It gives all of your creatures haste. Previously a downside because it well not necessarily a downside, but previously you couldn't like you just do it all in one turn. Right, but like you, can. you can't give it haste. But when you cast it, usually, but with fires, yeah, this feels like a gruel card to me. I think so, and I you're just casting like fat stuff. And and I think if you just have some big sorcery speed dudes in your deck, and you play Cavalier Flame, and you haste them up because you have six lands that you're not using for anything except for like allowing Fires of Invention to cast your two dudes, Mm. you're, you're hitting them really hard. Is Biogenicus still in the... What was that, was that in? It's yeah. In, yeah, it's still It's legal. a Simic card. Okay. 
I'm buying four of these things. I, I am too. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is, is a pretty Lee card too. Yeah, this I love cards like these because they're they're like kind of nonsense and they might be broken. Nice. Yeah. I I'm really gonna be trying to play this deck, and I'm really going to be trying to play Cavalier of Flames in this deck, because that sounds yeah, awesome. I, I hadn't thought of that before. That's really cool. Next up, we have Iron Crag Feet. Uh, it's one red, red, red for a sorcery. Add seven red to your mana pool. You can cast only one more spell this turn. Everybody's so excited about this card. I don't really get it. <laughs> I, 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 I was wondering why you wanted to put this on the sheet, because I just like, this is so forgettable. I... Just everybody's talking about it. You can cast prayer. a card. Yeah. Okay, so that is a thing you do not want to do. <laughs> the, the thing you die to out of Tron is not the Karn. The thing you die to is the fact that they keep doing stuff after playing the Karn. Yeah, no, for sure. So everybody saying to Karn is not right. Ram to Karn and then have no other things to do. Every either. time I've cast a ritual, I have never just wanted to cast one more spell. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to cast like... Eight more well, spells. that's that's the joke Dragon of this card. That's the whole point. Is like you really got to figure out a different way to cast use... Dragon Storm. Well, I mean, you got a ritual like you know above you to ritual a little more <laughs> and <laughs> ritual, ritual, ritual Iron Crag. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. no, I'm All not right. in for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this works super well. There, there are some like weird deck ideas bubbling around in my head as like this is an alternative way to get Dracuseth into play when you're... This isn't even an instant. Why is this not an instant? I don't know why it's not an instant. You can't even cast you just severing have to cast strands at instant speed, <laughs> which is a, like seven red. If you spend seven red for it, you can deal seven to like a lot of stuff. Only like three stuffs. Is it really? Right? Oh man, that's so disappointing. Yeah, I don't think that... It should be seven stuffs. Yeah. But it's not in the spreadsheet. It's not playable. Can it be the, it be the same stuff? Can you 21 your opponent? Nope. <laughs> that, that would be too generous. A, a card that cost seven red that killed your opponent would be a card that people would really try to make work. They'd have seven would. lands in play and like cast with Fires of Invention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, Adamant doesn't work if you cast it off Fires of Invention. Yeah, you're right. But you, if you Iron Crag feeded it to 21, that would actually Ooh, be good. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I don't really get it, this card. So the, the lesson of this card is that we can't figure out how to only play one more spell and still win the game to make this card <laughs> worth playing. Yeah, I'm not into it. No. But... It does put you up three mana, so somebody will do a thing with it. Just not me. Fair enough. Um, all right, next up we have uh, Iron Craig Pyromancer. So this is two in a red for a 04 human wizard. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, Iron Craig Pyromancer deals three damage to any target. So the Iron Craig has something for me after all. I guess so, yeah. I mean, this is like a pretty sweet, you know, Phoenix style mm-hmm. card. You play this. You play some cards that can trip you start bolting things yeah cast this on the same turn as an opt you get a bolt cast this with a the twins the the blue red planeswalker that loots in play you get a bolt cast the instant speed tormenting voice on their turn you get a bolt like in addition to whatever you did on your turn to get a bolt all right okay it's a lot of bolts this card works i think yeah there's a there's a lot of ways to make this card work and it's not too hard no. Uh, having an O4 body survives a lot of stuff in yeah. this format. Yeah, O4, you know, not the worst, for sure. Still can't block that stupid giant, but what can? Well, I can't wait to giant people. <laughs> wait, the, the, the fourth ray giant. It does murder the giant, though. It does kill the giant, Ooh, yeah. That is, all right, that is yeah, neat, okay. yeah. 
and uh, you don't even and you don't even two. take the two. This is a dollar. This card's a dollar. Really? Well, I'm certainly in for four of these <laughs> at a dollar. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be a four up in whatever deck it's played in. Yeah, so. I I don't know if I believe in the double draw archetype, but this seems so easy to turn on. There's so many good cantrips. Yeah, I might be in for four. Yeah, I'm in for four. Like, I just don't see that. I'm out like, four dollars. Super... It doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And worst case like i can't not see this as a two of sideboard card in some deck that has like a bunch of options you know oh yeah yeah it's just a good pivot yeah next up we have merchant of the veil so this is two and a red for a two three human peasant uh you can spend two and a red to discard a card and then draw a card it also has uh a instant adventure haggle for a single red you may discard a card if you do draw a card I didn't realize I was an instant. I assumed it was a sorcery. It's an instant. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it helps trigger your pyromancer. Yeah. I mean, I think this is card as, like, underwhelming as it is on, like, solo power level. I think it probably works with enough stuff that it's going to matter a lot. It, it has to. I don't think it'll matter a lot. I think it's just too weak everywhere to mm-hmm. do that. But it's worth looking at. Like, it, well, the opportunity cost for the front half is low. If you are playing Arclight Phoenix in standard, you're going to have four of this in your deck. Sure. Because it's one mana, so that gives you a lot more of those, like, early Get Back of Phoenix turns, and that's that's really nice. And it, like, does turn on your double draw stuff for really cheap. It's, like, the worst—it's, like, we finally get a one mana tormenting voice, but it's, like, the worst one because the thing that you draw every time is a three mana two three is one of your cards. Well, yeah. So that's not very good. Uh, I'm going to mention that you can haggle away a bartered cow again. Ooh, which yeah. is my favorite flavor of the set. <laughs> Full of story tales. I just really like haggling away a bartered cow. Love it. Love it. Probably sure. not going to come up so much in the Phoenix-style decks. You can do it, Chris. I believe in you. Well, yep. I'm just bringing it up so I can add four to my cart. Cause I'm not going to add any to my card. That's fine. But I can I'm pick. Just... There's a common. I can pick them up if I need them. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, go to Atomic and dig in the <laughs> Pretty much. I just want to have them here. But yeah, I mean, this card just matters for that type of deck. All right. Next up, we have Opportunistic Dragon. So this is two red red for a 4-3 dragon. It's got flying. When Opportunistic Dragon enters the battlefield, choose target human or artifact and opponent controls. For as long as Opportunistic Dragon remains on the battlefield, gain control of that permanent. It loses all abilities, and it can't attack or block. It's kind of strange. Like, you know, you're kind of stealing a thing, but then it's just not going to do anything. But, you know, at least you get well, rid of it. It's Red's way of, like, O-ringing something, basically. Because yeah. it can't... But only if it's a human or an artifact. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, and also, what an, what an odd collection of things to be able to hit. Well, because it, like, kidnaps the princess, or it, like, steals your gold. Yeah, but Feasting Troll King has nothing to do with. Well, well of course not. And also, Feasting Troll King is huge. How could it ever fly away with a Feasting Troll King? There's some pretty big artifacts. I think the Gargoyle is much bigger than this card. That's true. Also, yeah. flying away with, like, the Great Henge seems really <laughs> difficult. <laughs> But yeah. that is one of the main reasons why this card might see play, is that the, those there are those big legendary artifacts, and especially in decks that are running the Great Henge, they're not going to have a lot of ways to deal with a 4-3 flyer, so you get the Great Henge, and then you also get a, a decent-sized flyer along with, for the ride. Yeah. It just depends what you're in the market for. There's Ember, whatever, Embereth, yep. Knight, Shieldbreaker. Shieldbreaker, man, you're good at names. 
yeah, that just smelts for a mana. Mm-hmm. So if we're like fires of inventioning and we want to play expensive cards, sure. Yeah. This dragon seems fine for that. But otherwise, it'd probably just be in for a smelt. Unless there's some really threatening humans we need to capture. <laughs> yeah. All of the knights are humans. Not all of them. But, a lot of the knights are humans. But we're in red. We have removal spells. Oh yeah, we have removal spells. And this is and this does feel more like a sideboard card than anything else to me. Right. Um so yeah. It's like fine. I I'm not gonna bother right now, certainly. No. Yeah. It's a cool card though. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Next up we have red cap melee. It's a single red for an instant. Red cap melee deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If a non-red permanent is dealt damage this way, you sacrifice a land. This is definitely interesting. You know, sacrificing a land in, like, an aggressive red deck isn't the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of these other, like, the thought sees that makes you, dis- like, exile another card from your hand, that's, like, pretty bad. But this seems like a reasonable, like, downside if you want to deal four damage to something that's not red. That said, I don't know if this is ever going to make any, like, main deck play of any deck. So... Mm-hmm. Probably just a anti-red sideboard card. Yeah, pretty yeah. pretty okay one. Four yeah. damage, like especially if you are playing against generally like four toughness red creatures are costing them like four or five mana to put into play. Anytime you get this doing the full four to something, mm-hmm. like you're, you're really getting them. That's like a big mana advantage at instant speed. Also, the fact that this is an instant makes it a great sideboard card in matchups where they're ember cleaving you. Because the yeah. Ember Cleave, you just get their guy and like you won that combat then. Right. Yeah. Pretty important, I think. Yeah, I think my opinion on this is that it's probably gonna be a pretty good sideboard card, but mm-hmm. I don't think it'll see any main deck play. No. Yeah. I don't either. But I think very likely to see significant sideboard play. Yeah, I'll pick up four because I lose to Mono Red or Red decks a lot. So <laughs> yeah. I'll pick up two. I can't really see putting more than that into oh, a no, sideboard. Me neither, but I want to be prepared. Sure. I understand. <laughs> really don't want to lose to Red yeah. decks. Collins might be at an IQ on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Playing a bunch of Ember Cleaves. He, and... he gets me in modern with all his collector roofs. But... <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up. Yeah. Next up, we have Robber of the Rich. So this is one and a red for a 2 2. Human Archer Rogue has Reach and Haste. When Robber of the Rich attacks, if Depending Player has more cards in hand than you do, exile the top card of their library. During any turn you attacked with a Rogue, you may cast that card, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. This card seems like probably the premier two-drop of the red decks. Yeah, like two mana, two, two, haste is not far off on its own. I've seen a crazy amount of mixed reviews on this card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think that the that like huge block of text is it's less generally than overrated. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so many words, Collins. Yeah, it, I struggle through it. <laughs> Did you <laughs> notice? <laughs> I think it's important to note that you can only you can't play lands off of it, right. which is like one of the most powerful things that you were able to do off of like Night Vale Spectre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's no selection the way there is with Thief of Sanity. So like you. If you just like hit lands twice with it, it it it's just a two two. I think in the decks that are casting this, generally like it is going to trigger the your opponent is probably going to have more cards in hand than you the vast majority of the time. But like a lot of their cards aren't necessarily cards that you're trying to cast against them. Like what if you attack with this and you reveal an emery off of it? Yeah, there's like so much text. People are like caught up in all the particulars of how to make this 
creature like the ability the best you can make it Mm -hmm. but when i look at this card i'm like oh wow a 2-2 haste that seems pretty good it's got a gut upside you might see occasionally that seems great yeah no and that's how i'm evaluating this card is that like okay so this is a two mana 2-2 haste red decks want that Mm -hmm. every once in a while and likely even like sometimes late game you're going to be hellbent and it's like pretty likely to trigger at that point yeah you know you can you can have this upside that is like pretty strong when it works Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah, I think this card's really good. And and also, it might be, like, kind of hard to cast the spell a lot of the time. You reveal, like, a four off of it, and you're like, well, gotta, like, get that next turn then. Can't cast it on this attack. And then they kill your robber of the rich, and then you don't have any more rogues. So that's yeah. just, like, sitting there forever. Right. Um, are there any other rogues that are relevant in in the format? Not really. Ten Street Dodger is a rogue. Okay. That's the only one I can think of. That's it's not bad. There's rankle if you're in red black so that may be another reason to run 10 street a legitimate reason to run 10 street dodger over ginger brew maybe you have to you have to connect you have to you have to like you know you don't have to connect you no have you just attack. have to attack with the rogue yeah maybe so i could see that i really don't like this red two draw costing ten dollars <laughs> yeah it is yeah. a mythic rare i know but i just don't like that the card that we are mostly playing because it's a two mana two two haste <laughs> like a common if this yeah. card sees a lot of play and is in a four of, of like a tier one deck, it'll be like eight dollars. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so I'm just not buying it now. Certainly, yeah. And I'll pick one up for the cube, but I'm it, probably not going to pick them up. It is a time. It is a solid cube card. Bitter Blossom's a rogue. Well, Bitter Blossom's not the rogue. Okay, fair. I guess Bitter Blossom does have a creature type. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Scorching Dragonfire. One in a red for an instant. Scorching Dragonfire deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die this turn, exile it instead. So, like, you know, kind of like a lightning strike. Kind of like a lava coil. Yeah. Kind of like like, a magma spray. Kind of like all of those things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it does hit planeswalkers, which makes it lightning strike-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what I was thinking. You know, being able to hit planeswalkers is Mm -hmm. nice for sure. You typically want in your red deck your burn spells to go face. So. Yep, it's a good um, non-aggressive removal spell. Right. Yeah. It, it's more for those like you know blue red decks, Jeskai kind of decks, like anything that wanted lava coil. Like maybe this lines up better against some of the stuff you want to kill. It is an instant. It's an instant. That's really good. It hits planeswalkers. That can be really important. You know they have a Narset in play. They down ticked it once. You really need to draw some cards. This is, you have and this. Your lava coil is not going to work. Your lava coil doesn't do anything there. This does something there. Yeah, it's fair. And this is an instant, which is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, important card. Probably going to cast a lot of these if you're a not aggressive red deck. Uh, it's it's great. I we suppose did. I will pick up four of these. Yeah, I, I will too. But we have done an analysis of the amount of damage Dragonfire does historically. Uh-huh. Is it's it? usually four. Dang. Sometimes five. So this is a relatively low amount for a dragon fire. It's just from a pretty medium sized dragon. It also looks crazy, like like crazy painful. Yeah, like that guy's getting <laughs> he messed. is getting torched. Uh, but oh no, it's coil? a it's a lady knight. If you oh, read is the it? flavor text, the flavor text oh, is okay. really sad. I can't actually. tell because it's a corpse. Oh, that is sad. Yep. Like the art for lava coil is just like a, a sprig of lava around someone. Yeah, it's like fine. Like that guy might be fine after that. This person is dead. (laughs) It it must suck to be like a named character in Magic Lore, and like (laughs) the only thing about you is that you're just really dead. Immediately toasted. (laughs) All right. 
Next up we have Slaying Fire. So this is two and a red for an instant. Slaying Fire deals three damage to any target. Has Adamant. Uh, if at least three red mana was spent to cast the spell, it deals four damage instead. So for constructed purposes, this is an instant that costs red, 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 and deals four damage to any target. Yeah, which is fine because mono red's a thing. Yep. Flame Javelin. Yep. It's a lot of play before. It had a promo. It's a good card. Yeah. Yep. So if you're playing red, you will have four of these in your deck. This one is 10 cents too, despite being uncommon. So let's just hmm. buy them. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, not going to question it. I am going to question all those quarter dollar, like quarter, commons. quarter dollar commons. That was crazy. Alright. Um, next up we have Thrill of Possibility. So this is one in a red for an instant. As an additional cost to cast a spell, discard a card, draw two cards. So Instant speed, tormenting voice. It's kind of cool. I will discard Arclight Phoenix to these after I buy four right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll pick up the four just because it's a cool. It's a the best tormenting voice we've ever seen. Well, does is Cathartic Reunion? No, a no, tormenting no. Voice? I don't think that's a tormenting voice. <laughs> Cathartic Reunion is his own abomination. That's uh, yeah. that's something else. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, this is like a you know cool enabler for Chris's favorite deck. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy to see it. And the art is so cool. I do really like this art. I I like red cards that embrace concepts of like red that are not just Fire. like being angry <laughs> yeah. and burning stuff. And that's why like Cathartic Reunion I think is a really cool card just from like a conceptual point of view because it's like red. Hug. Yeah, exactly. And that that's an emotion that red doesn't actually get to explore that much, but is yeah. part of the professed color identity of red. Yeah. And here at Thrill of Possibility, you have an adventurer like climbing up this thorny thing, like excited to grasp the whatever they're grasping. Like that's cool. Like this is a different thing. I'm totally into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up we have our last red card. It's Torbran. Thane of Red Fell. It's one red, red, red for a 2-4 legendary dwarf noble. If a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus two instead. Plus two is a lot. That's quite a bit. This seems like a really powerful effect. I don't know if it's like appropriately costed for standard, but if you've you know if you're like slamming this on turn four and you have like a bunch of like red creatures that are sitting there ready to attack, that that seems like a solid you know turn just to be able to slam this and like attack like a yeah it's of, like a pretty decent <clears throat> Hellrider yeah kind of reminiscent of Hellrider is what I was gonna say but I think I think this card is very deliberately costed mm-hmm. because I think is, if there were any less it would be busted. well this is part of the cycle that's all triple colored costs and every, oh, and the only one every that... other card costs <laughs> triple color that's fair yeah yeah so this card is one in triple color right. so that must have been a fun little moment in uh, in <laughs> testing where they you know they designed this card at just three mana and nope, some red not, decks just not, whoa. Uh, <laughs> like, oh we got we got yeah. costs a little higher maybe give it another toughness <laughs> so if everything goes right. And you've played your one drops yeah. and your cavalcade of calamity, and then you play oh. this, oh. and you attack with your one drops. Oh no! Maybe like one's a scorch spitter. Oof! So you just like have a million three damage. How much damage triggers. is that? That's that's like it's just you just cast damage. Scape shift. Yeah. Well, if you have this in play and just attack with scorch spitter, it already does three that's, up front. Yeah, if they don't block it, does another three. <laughs> that's with just scorch spitter. Cool. That's pretty neat. And also, if you untap with this and you have any yeah if you have a stomp and a shock in your hand you just ate them wow yeah so i could definitely see it i do think like 
this is a four drop in red that like requires some stuff to have gone right in order for it mm-hmm. to be good. Yeah. And that's like the opposite of like a Hazaret, which just says as long as you're not mana screwed, this card will be good. As soon and as that, I start evaluating this card as like a secret 4-4. Four four, yeah, it's a secret 4-4. I'm, four four. I'm yeah. feeling much better about it. Yeah, it on its own, it does hit pretty hard. And mm-hmm. then any all, it makes all of your cards good. It also, you can also read it as red creatures you control get plus 2 plus 0, yeah. which is like pretty good text. Right. Yeah, but it's just much better than it's that. It's just yeah. significantly better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All um, right, I'm, I'm kind of growing this on this card as the more we talk about it. Yeah. It does ask for... In order for it to, like, have an effect the turn it comes into play, it wants you to have, like, untapped with some number of creatures that it's relevant that they hit harder. Like, you know, if you untap with just a, you know, a runaway Steamkin that you cast this and you, like, attack with it, but they were going to chump lock it anyways. That doesn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I guess if you untap with a runaway Steamkin in this, you, like, cast this and you cast some goddamn spells (laughs) off of your runaway Steamkins. That's fair. Yeah. I do like the idea of this in a... um... What's the enchantment that pings cavalcade. them? The cavalcade deck. If that cavalcade deck is any good, and I'm pretty skeptical on that being the case, right? Um, and that deck isn't like really into hitting four mana on turn four either. Oh, Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. But you could be like a two of in that deck. I mean, mm-hmm. Honestly, that deck just needs to fundamentally change to accommodate blind spot giant or blind spot. Giant. I know. I keep thinking that it is called that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think any red deck that's not running Bone Crusher Giant is probably making a mistake. So yeah. I, I don't think that the super low to the ground, like all one drop deck, is going to be correct anymore. Because given like you can run Bone Crusher Giant and also Experimental Frenzy, if you allow your deck to be a little not that, yeah, then yeah. you probably want to be doing that. This is also a four competing for the four mana slot with Experimental Frenzy. So you do need your deck to be doing a different thing than Experimental Frenzy decks to want this, probably. Mm. Yeah, and that's kind of tough. I think that like as far as like red four mana cards that I'm excited about in standard, we're talking Experimental Frenzy or the new Gaspels for Free card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slightly different <laughs> decks involved in oh, each of Oh, very different cards. decks, but like, but I'm, both you know. Sweet. <laughs> right. I'd imagine that both of those archetypes would be better than... Um, Thane. Uh, Thane of Redfell. Yeah. I mean, I do... Well, I, yeah, the, the Cabal. Oh, the Cabal Code? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the, this card itself does have quite a bit of power. I don't really want to pick them up at $2, just like hoping that there's a red deck that is capable of no, using I, it. I don't think this is a very good pre-order for sure. Um, but... Definitely a sweet card and would not be surprised if it is the top end of a red deck at some point. Yep. On to green. Our first green card is Beanstalk Giant. This isn't our first green card. They're all the food cards at the beginning. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) All right. As a guest on this podcast. (laughs) Going on to green. Uh Uh-huh. We have Beanstalk Giant. Okay. Uh, 6G... Creature Giant, it's a star star with power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control. Uh, it has an adventure called Fertile Footsteps. It's a sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. So three mana, and it comes in untapped, so you, you get a, a mana back if you can use it. Yeah, it's kind of like a search for tomorrow that doesn't have suspend. Mm-hmm. And probably the primary mode of this card is to ramp and then maybe eventually later on in the game you can cast a massive thing if you've just like got nothing else better to yeah. do when you run out of stuff just about seven seven into play sure. yeah makes a little more sense to me in a fires of invention deck if like that is much more likely for you to have a turn where you're just like 
I guess this 9-9 is the best second spell I can cast this turn. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. This is another random giant you would really want to wrath away. And it just and is going to stand there. Might even outsize your giant. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it seeing a little play in a, a deck like that. Um, I don't think that the ramp spell is that great in most, like, rampy decks. Because, like, in the scapeshift decks, the kicker one... Grow from the ashes. Yeah, grow from the ashes. It was always like the kind of the worst thing in the deck. Like mostly shouldn't have been in it and got sideboarded out a lot if it was even in it. So this this ramp spell itself, I'm not super impressed with. Yep, that's that's fair. I think that like my evaluation of this card is like pretty medium as well. Yeah, I I'm not super into it. I wish it could grab a forest card instead of a basic land, mm-hmm. just so that you could grab duels or the common. Yeah, that would be nice. But as is, I don't. I'm not really into it. Yeah. It's like a solid card, and I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up playing it, but... Right. It might be... Yeah, it could easily be like a 2 of ramp spell in, in some deck or something. I'm really excited to play with it Unlimited, though. This is like one of my <laughs> oh, favorite yeah. Oh, yeah. designs. It's like... You get, to, you get to fix your mana. It's great. Yeah. It's a good time. And, and, and you get to fix your mana in a way that, like, you know, if you're splashing, like, a two-mana removal spell, you get to use that spell on this turn when you draw the this card, and that I, I really like that. It's kind of like a... Crows and Tusker? Is that the card I'm thinking of? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but you get both halves. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's nice. The Great Henge is a 7GG legendary artifact. Costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. It's got a tap ability. Tap, add, green, green, you gain two life. And whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control... Put a plus one plus one counter on that creature and draw a card. Like I think, in order to evaluate this card, you're gonna have to figure out like where on the curve you're likely gonna be casting it. Mm-hmm. If you have like a four power creature that's comes down on, you know, turn four likely, then what, you can... what creature could you possibly be thinking of? <laughs> well, there's the giant, which is which is uh, you know a pretty solid one, but there's also a card that I'm sure we're going to be talking about <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, Some sort of four mana four four. It's pretty great yeah. from what I hear. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, casting this on turn 5 as your 5 drop after a 4-mana 4-4 four, four mm-hmm. seems pretty solid. And then, you know, all of a sudden you just get to start really turning through your deck. All of your creatures are bigger. This a- adds mana so that, you know, it adds 2-mana, which I think is pretty huge because when you're drawing a lot more cards, you know, being able to, like, use your mana to cast all these cards is, like, really important. So Yeah, I, I just, like, the play patterns for this look absurd to me. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you are doing like a pretty fair thing with it and you're just like i'd like to untap with one of my four mana guys so that i can cast this like you will at some point and then you cast this for five and then you tap it and you play one of the two mana creatures that you like have in your hand that you weren't really able to cast because you were casting big creatures after turn two a paradise druid you draw on turn three or four. yeah that this paradise druid you gain two life you draw a card the paradise druid is a three two you're just like going after that and, I, you know, it's a non-planeswalker, non-creature way to, like, get on board and be doing stuff to advance your position in the game, whether that's card advantage stuff or just, like, you know, you're turning all of your mana dorks into, like, guys that can fight, and you're gaining two life a turn, so they're not killing you either if they're a, a go-under style deck. I, I like this card a lot. I think it's a, just a solid engine card. Yeah. Uh, it is a little worrisome that it's... If you get it in play, it's really good against Wrath. 
If you get but, Wrathed and have no creatures in hand. Well, not only that, if you get Wrathed and have no creatures in hand, or if you get Wrathed and then they bounce your Great Henge with Teferi, yes. that thing is going to just not be in the game anymore. Yep. And that's not great. No. That said, if you can play this in like a mid-range matchup, or heaven forbid, some sort of aggro deck, it gains two life a turn. <laughs> right. I mean, this, this card just has a lot to recommend it to me. You can also ritual it out with a Crawl Harpooner. If you have a reason to run that card. I thought for sure you were going to say Iron Crag Feet. <laughs> you technically can. You can use all seven red mana to cast the seven generic part of this card. But no, you can ritual it out with a Crawl Harpooner. You can also <laughs> curve straight into this with a Rotting Regisaur for the max discount. Ooh. Then you offset your discarding a card every turn by, by drawing a bunch drawing of cards. Or drawing, yeah, drawing cards with any put creature. Yeah. Yeah, this is to me a lot of ways to use this card um and i think as just like a pretty powerful green mythic at like twelve dollars pick up does it seem like a two of or does it seem like a more of mm. i'm gonna hold off for now i think 12 is a little 12 expensive is, for this yeah, card. 12 is steep for me yeah yeah i agree but if it's a mythic that sees like widespread play in green decks i think that's like a pretty fair I see hedging and, and picking up two I might pick up one for the cube later, but mm -hmm. I would rather not pay $12 for it. Yeah, I don't really want to, but especially with the other green card that I'm, I assume, spending a bunch of money on pretty oh, soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is Kinrith's Transformations. Next card, it's a 1G aura with enchant creature. Uh, when Kinrith's Transformation enters the battlefield, draw a card. Uh, enchanted creature loses all abilities and is a green elk creature with base power and toughness 3-3. This card is bizarre because yes. it's not a green effect. Not really. Yeah. Uh, and it cantrips. Yeah. It, right. Like, I mean, I guess you can use it to like, you know, sometimes you might want to bump up your creature to a 3-3, three, three, but it's not like, it's not something I'm ever excited about. No. So normally you're going to be, you know, shrinking your opponent's creature and then cantripping, but it doesn't like get rid of their threat. It does lose all abilities. Sure. And for it's your so green good. deck, yeah. that could be that they don't have a... Th you obviously don't want this... This isn't a removal spell against a red deck. Yeah. This is a removal spell if your opponent casts that, like, six-mana white Archon that makes everything three threes. Sure. This is... <laughs> Everything's a three-three. Yeah. Well, I guess Well, not. no, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just right. the Archon. But, like, this is a great answer to that in your, like, green-blue deck that couldn't otherwise answer that card effectively. Oko is a green blue card, so this has to okay, be specifically that's not an Oko deck. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's really true. Is that Oko does the, like the same thing as this card? Yeah. So I believe that the flavor of this card of this is that Oko is casting the spell. Right. Well, that's a main story point, apparently, as Jeremy explained to me that uh, Oko <laughs> transformed the king into an elk. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This card feels like a miss for constructed for me. The fact that it draws a card, though. I can see it seeing some sideboard play as like a way to answer some specific stuff in a deck that like doesn't really care if your opponent has a 3-3. It's like a beast within for creatures that draws a card. This card to me is Imprisoned in the Moon. Yeah. It's a random story spotlight card that has some crazy ability that's not usually in that color and just doesn't see very much play. Okay, but this weak. draws a card. I feel like you guys aren't <laughs> acknowledging that line of text. That was like the not second yet. thing I read about. <laughs> I believe this will see play because it 
like really efficiently gets rid of some monsters. That's the only purpose that it will ever serve, though. And so your opponent needs to be playing some monsters that you just can't really beat them being in play. Um, and I guess there aren't that many of them in like available to us in standard, but like you know, a deck that can't answer that arc on in many ways, like this might be a sideboard card for that sort of thing. I think the only decks that would play this card or consider playing this card would be mono green. Yeah. I think every other color has like something that can do this effect, but better. Maybe. Including Oko, which just has this effect. Right. With Oko <laughs> Certainly, <laughs> the fact that Oko exists makes this card a lot less necessary for a lot of decks. Yeah. Lovestruck Beast. 2G Beast Noble. Uh, Lovestruck Beast, it's a 5-5. Five five. It can't attack unless you control a 1-1 one one creature. Uh, he has an adventure, Heart Desire, which is a sorcery. Create a 1-1 one one human token for a single green mana. It's kind of a neat little design where, you know, you get to cast the 1-1 one one on turn 1 and then eventually have like a 5-5 five five that, if your 1-1 one one is still around, gets to be a beater. Seems way too unreliable yeah, as a card. Yeah, that, that's definitely my evaluation as well. Seems like, you know, it, things have to go too right for this to work. And it doesn't really cover the, the upside of, like, just having a big body. Yeah, and you got to have, like, more 1-1s in your deck in order to turn this back on if they... Because, like, your 3-mana 5-5 dying to shock, effectively, <laughs> Yeah, is not... <laughs> I mean, it, it can block. It can always block. Yeah. So that's the one, like, saving grace of this card. But, like, your your, th- your three mana 5-5 five, five not being able to kill them if they shock your 1-1. One, one. You need to be playing more 1-1s, one, but you can't play any pump in your deck, or else it turns off the Lovestruck Beast if you've pumped your 1-1s. One, so it's, it's a really weird card, because it requires 1-1s, one, and I haven't done, a like, a gatherer search or anything, mm-hmm. but there just aren't that many 1-1s one, that come to mind that are playable. Yeah. Like, Rainland Warriors just rotated, and we're not looking to fill our decks with a lot of 1-1s, typically. No, it's mostly, like, raise the alarms and stuff like that that would make playable 1-1s. Right. Um, And that's just not a good... You can't play raise... Venerated Loxodon. Or, yeah, yeah, Venerated Loxodon, Tristani. Like, those are the cards that you want in your deck full of 1-1s, not, like, a 5-5. Yeah, I mean, I think this card would be, like, neat and fun and, like, kind of good and limited, but... Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's a constructed card at all. I think it's going to be really obnoxious and limited. <laughs> You're going to have to be bending over backwards to make your 5-5 five five feasible. No, they just play it and you're just like, well, can't attack anymore. No, sure. Yeah, you yeah. have a 5-5. Five five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right, next we have Okame Adversary, which is a 3G 2-3. Costs two less to cast if your opponent controls a green permanent. It's an elf warrior. Uh, has death touch, and when it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. It's definitely a different type of hoser than we've ever seen it's just like cheaper if i mean i guess we have seen this in the past with like the free spells and in in nemesis and stuff like that but just like it's like a creature that's like decent at fighting green creatures and it costs it's very efficient if your opponent is playing the right color yeah it's really bad if your opponent's not playing green no it's really bad if they're not it's yeah i don't know for constructed like you're never going to put this in your sideboard to be able to cast in the green mirror (laughs) yeah that doesn't seem very (laughs) so i just i just don't think it's going to see any play yeah i'm not really into it all right next all right we're about to hit some bangers Here we go. All right, let's skip these next two cards. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Once upon a time, an instant costs 1G. If this is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them. 
and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. It's bonkers. Yeah, so it's free. So it's Sometimes. free. Um, I okay. I I'm gonna still be on record as being less high on this card than apparently everybody else. I'm there with you. Actually, okay. I I, I think this card is like fine. I think this card is good, but sure. I do not think this card is great. Yeah, I think this card is really strong in Amulet. I think Amulet's like pretty excited about this card, yeah. so that's that's cool. Because Amulet is one of the few modern decks that is also fine casting it for its mana cost when it has yeah. to. It, it yeah. literally wants to find a creature. Right. Yeah, it's digging for a specific creature, and also like it, it has three hits that are like pretty solid. Like you can hit your Titan, you can hit your Azusa, you can hit your. Scout. Scout on yeah. turn one and play And in, in your opening hand, you're, like, really actually, like, aiming for Azusa mm-hmm. or a Scout. You can so. hit a Bounce Land. Yeah, just, like, has a ton of hits. A um, ton of, like, parts of your combo, basically, that, that you're putting for. together. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. So that's so that seems really great. Outside of that context, though, it seems fine. I, I, really, like, <laughs> I really do think it's going to see play in Tron. You I do? think okay. it makes your mulligans much more likely to hit turn three Tron. Sure. And I think just... In general, it's going to make that deck more consistent. Uh, I also just think it's going to see a ton of standard play. I think in our like bad mana standard, it's going to help the mana of green decks even more than they've already been helped. Uh, casting it in standard is not that backbreaking if you have to cast it for its actual mana cost. Like That's totally fine in the mid-game. Um, one thing that it does require of you is that you have some threats in your deck that are creatures like you can't just be like mana guys lands yeah. and then going up to planeswalkers that really reduces the the effectiveness of this card in the mid game when you draw it uh because you want to be able to get some like stuff to kill them with but if you are like trying to do gilded goose into oko this like gives you a lot more shots at that gilded goose start and i i just i really think this is just going to see a ton of standard play maybe i'm overestimating how much in standard specifically mm-hmm. there's not a lot of the game that is decided on turn one that that just doesn't happen very much and this card falls off really significantly if you're casting it for its mana cost mm-hmm. to me like you're not disappointed to cast it yeah. because it's a I think, fine impulse. but i think in standard just getting the right lands into your opening hand is like so good that that's that's one of the main things you're going to be doing with it I think that I would be higher on this card if it weren't for the London Mulligan. I think that this card feels more like a Serum Powder-esque effect than anything else. It's like a hand sculptor. Like, it's like a card that you play that, like, makes your hands, like, a little better. And then, you know, it do- it certainly does have application in the later game where you can just cast it and get stuff, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, being able to dig for, like, a real card is it's not nothing. Um, but, I don't know. I don't know. My my you know my instincts just tell me that this is like just a, it's like a fine card, and I think that it certainly will see play in standard. I'm just not losing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not pers- personally I, losing my mind. Over I do it. think generally, I, I I think that people are overreacting to it at least to a certain amount, and I think the general consensus is probably higher than it actually ends up being. But it's certainly playable. Yeah, and I I do think there's still room for it to be like pretty bonkers and still not quite at the level of like general fervor that has risen for it sure i hope that this card gets uh the allosaurus rider neoform or whatever band yeah i that's the uh, most that i'm nice. looking for this card okay. right. i would appreciate yeah. that i don't i wouldn't appreciate the like couple of months of that nonsense before it gets banned but we may have to yeah that it. might be that might be kind of scary actually 
Um, I don't know. This card just, like, giving you, in some ways, like, that, like, 12-card opening hand to find the things you need in your opening hand is just, like, really powerful. Um, so... I don't want to buy them at $15 right now, though. That seems insane to me. Yeah, don't eat yeah, $15 card. I am not going to buy them. It's a standard rare. Right. And, like, it is good. I I mean, I'd be willing to buy them at, like, 10 I think. Sure. Because I think they're going to stick at that for a long time. But we'll we'll hold off for a minute. But I, I am higher on this card than you guys are, I think. Yeah, it's reasonable. A card I'm actually high on. <laughs> Questing Beast. 2GG for a 4-4... Legendary Beast. It's got Vigilance, Death Touch, and Haste. Can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Combat damage that we've dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. Whenever it deals damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target Planeswalker that player controls. It's a lot of text. Yep. It's a lot of keywords, first it's, of all. It's got my favorite thing about it on Mythic Rares, which yeah. is just the Scarab God yeah. kind of text. <laughs> Every time you read it, you just find another ability. Right. It's like, oh, this has that too? Yeah. Fogs don't work against me, my whole board. <laughs> protection doesn't function. Right, protection doesn't function. The oh, by the way, which is something that we didn't mention about Bonecrusher Giant, is that's very significant because if they block one of your red creatures with Cerulean Drake, you shock something and then their Cerulean Drake dies. Ooh, so some good Skullcrack action right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to Questing yeah, Beast. Yeah, Questing Beast. I mean, it's just, it's just great. Like, you know, you play it, you don't have to make any decisions. You go to combat, you just, attack with it. Just push but it. But not if they're playing slightly. You attack their face with it. Yeah. Yep. I did on stream watch uh, Mangucci attack his opponent's planeswalker, planeswalker <laughs> with a different, like he attacked Quisby's face and a different creature at the planeswalker. Uh, and then, you know, just carried on with his turn. Easily won. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like no decisions with this card. You just play it, you attack your opponent. Can't jump block. They can't block with any reasonable creatures. It says death touch. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, they can't block with any small creatures because they can't. You, you can't jump block, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So right, it blocks. So it has vigilance. Yeah, it's just it just has vigilance. You don't have to tap. You don't right. have to think. And it's it great. goes really well into like a gruel shell that's playing like Paradise Druid and maybe another two man accelerator and is just trying to like play monsters because yeah. you can play like a lot of haste monsters. This card fits really well with the um with the red enchantment, just like what what's fires of invention. Yeah. Play that questing beast. Hit you. Attack you. <laughs> uh, next turn, do two other big things. Play your uh, what you call it and cavalier. Give everybody haste and get them. Uh, That's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're you're pumping too. So this thing then becomes like a, a you know a six power questing beast. Oh god. Like can't be chump blocked and you know kills whatever six mana planeswalker they have in play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all it's all coming together. I, I do think, like, the fact that this, like, went out the door when it's so obviously pushed mm-hmm. means that clearly, like, they understand exactly what it's doing to Standard. Yeah, yeah. And it's doing the thing that they are choosing for it to do. And it's not going to be, like, ugh, Questing Beast again. Well, it's <laughs> like a four-mana creature. Well, it really right. only does one thing, which is attack and block. Right. And that's pretty tame for a creature. It does, It's really good at those things. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's all it does. Right, it's incredible. I mean, haste is a comes into play ability. Yeah. So it's you know it's in line with what we expect creatures to do these days, which is give you something the turn they come into play. Right. But right, it's it's not like making the game about you know you're you're not playing a questing beast deck the way you're playing a feasting troll king deck or something mm-hmm. like that. So you know, pretty wild. Uh, this is going to be a pillar of the format. It's right. a rate monster. It is a rate monster. 
do we pay $18 for this rate monster right now? Um, it's a mythic. It's yeah. a mythic. Yeah, I, yeah I probably would. I would. It's legendary, so I'm only going to buy three. I don't know. Do you think it's one of those cards that, like, if it's in play, they're gonna die? So you should just have four if you're, in your deck. If you're okay with picking up a fourth at twenty five dollars right. later on, I am okay with that. Then, then that's fine. That's that's what I'm gonna do. Um, I I know I should buy this card because I will play it, mm-hmm. but my heart tells me to to play other cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, it's green, and that's a problem. <laughs> I have no problem with green cards. All right, okay, green cards yeah. are great. But uh, it's just a green 4-4 four, for four, 4. That's not yeah, a very... It just attacks our flocks. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not a very Lee thing to do. But I will I will pick up a couple, just yeah. to put my dollar amounts up. <laughs> that way I'll, I won't feel bad when I have to pick up the other two. Sure. <laughs> Reasonable. Yeah. Next we have Wildborn Preserver. It's a 1G2-2 Elf Archer with Flash and Reach. Whenever another non-human creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can pay X. When you do, put X plus one plus one counters on Wildborn Preserver. A pretty obvious upgraded two-mana threat for like a green-blue flash deck, if that's a deck that you want to play, which I don't. I want to tell you the thing I hate most about this card, <laughs> which is the way it's worded. Uh-huh. Uh, if you, you have an elf that enters the battlefield under your control, or non-human, mm-hmm. then you pay five mana. Your trigger is in the stack. You pay five mana. Mm-hmm. It triggers again saying to put the counters on there. So you've spent five mana and your opponent shocks it. Yeah, but that's on purpose because they in, in historically have not worded it this way yes. so that you do it, you trigger it, your opponent has to choose whether to shock it, and you didn't have to do any work at all. I guess that's maybe how I'm used to it. Yeah. So I'm used to, oh, I've got to shock this or they're just going to spend, like, it's just going to be unshockable. Right? Yeah. And then, then I'm on the other side. I'm like, okay, gotta pay five mana. And I'm like, they shock it. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair. a lot of times, I, I think it's like a new player experience sort of thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense to new players that I get to choose whether to spend the mana after finding out if they're going to do a thing to it. Like, you should have to pay, you know, if it's an activated ability, pay X, put X plus one plus one counters on your creature, they get to respond to that. That's what players are used to responding to. I, I do like that they reworded all the Cartouche of Strength type fights, mm-hmm. uh, which is Cartouche of Strength was uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may fight target creature your an opponent controls. Yeah. So the way that works is you it comes into play, you have to choose a target. You have to. Yeah. And then your opponent can have a response. They pump their guy. And then you say, oh, I don't want to fight. Right. <laughs> Whereas yeah. cards in this set say... This creature fights up to one target creature. So it's not optional, but you have to choose whether or not you're targeting something. Yeah. Well, so it is optional because... But, yes. but it's but optional know in a way that targeting. makes sense. Right. They either know you're targeting your guy and will fight it. Right. Or, they're, or you don't, you're not. You don't just get to choose on resolution. Right. So, you know, and I... You know, this is just like a new player experience and also like kind of balancing thing. But regardless... This is a, a threat that you get to play on turn two and then like put extra mana into with your other flash stuff that you play. I think it's fine. I am not trying to play a night pack ambusher deck in standard, but that's what this goes into. Yeah. I might just be like, a, I don't know how decks are constructed in ways that want flash two twos, but that aren't like a flash deck. Yeah. You know? I, I just don't know. I'm not going to pick up any. It no. just seems like a card. I know people are excited about it, but I I just have never been a fan of Flash-style strategies. Yeah, I mean, it's a powerful card, but it's not like... I don't know, it just doesn't fit into any of the like standard archetypes that I can imagine being good. I agree. <clears throat> All right, gold cards. 
All right, we've got... It's my favorite name in the set. Dance of the Mance. Yay! X, white, blue, sorcery, return up to X target artifact and or non-aura enchantment cards, each with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If X is six or more, those permanents are four, four creatures in addition to their other types. Uh, Lee, take take it away. <laughs> take it away? Yeah. This is just a card that's up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> this is really true. <laughs> like, you're not going to be... You can only ever... This card encourages you to pay a bunch of mana mm-hmm. to get a bunch of things and win the game. And that since turn. you have to pay, the, like if you have to pay, get a bunch of things because it's limited by X is limited by how many things you can target and how big those things are. Mm-hmm. So you want to get back big things and you want to get back a bunch of things. So you get back as much as you can, a bunch and of big if, things. Yeah, mm-hmm. a bunch of big things. And if X is six, they're all creatures. Which, so you gotta, so you gotta win now. Yeah, which is actually, honestly, probably bad. You probably want X to be five. Yeah, because <laughs> artifacts or enchantments are classically hard to kill. Right. Well, that, that's what I'm creatures. saying is, if you're doing it for a bunch, you gotta win this turn because you don't want them to get to wrath of God all yeah. of your artifacts. Right. And then they're all summoning sick. Yeah, this is like kind of a second sunrise, style, or maybe not second sunrise, but like a, a put things in your graveyard, take them all out, and yeah. kill them that turn type yeah. of deal. And I don't, I haven't looked at, into combos with this thing, but I, I know there's, there's a lot. Some, yeah. There's, it's just a matter of time. You can pay it for three and get like a whole gamut of just not even all three drops. You can just get like a three, a two, and a, a zero or whatever. Right. Whatever your combo cards are. Yeah. And there's just a lot of bad three card combos that this like can allow to just all happen. I'm sure that it will see some modern play, but, and it might just be like a fine standard value card in some blue white emery deck or something maybe all the all the artifacts seem to cost like 13 mana <laughs> yeah so <laughs> all the good ones at least <laughs> well okay but so say your emery deck has a bunch of like eggs and stuff in it this can be an okay mid-game value card and then if you get a bunch of mana at some point then you're just like all right here's six four fours <laughs> yeah maybe. and you draw a bunch of cards all right. Well, at seventy-five cents, yeah, I'll buy four. I don't know where this goes in, but if it ever sees play, it's probably breaking something. Probably. <laughs> All right. Sure. I those, those are the cards I really like buying. <laughs> yeah. I'll buy three because it feels like whoa, I'm whoa, whoa. more that likely is... to play this in standard, and it feels like a three of in a standard. Well, that is a coward's number of <laughs> copies to buy. <laughs> You're never gonna be. I will play three Dance of the Mance. <laughs> I think you think you will. I bet you will. How much you want to bet? Well, <laughs> 75 cents. <laughs> All right. That's what I did bet. Okay. Uh, next is Doom Foretold. Two black-white enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a non-land, non-token permanent. If that player can't, they discard a card, they lose two life. You draw a card, you gain two life. You create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance, and then you sacrifice Doom Foretold. This card seems terrible to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. It's like a what's the card called? Kind of like a braids. Uh, they have to sack a thing during all your or everyone has to sack a thing during each turn. Yeah, it's like a little smokestacky. Yeah, but then it, it doesn't affect lands. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't like, affect lands. If at any point way. they just can't do it, then you just get a two-two and draw a card, and that's it. It stops. It's done. Right. So you're like paying four mana. To maybe kill a creature, it's really board dependent. Yeah. And then make a 2-2. I'm not in for that. And also, you need to keep sacrificing stuff to keep it in play. Yeah. Right. You might end up having to just sacrifice Sacrifice itself. (laughs) That would be the worst. Card seems wild and 
you know, definitely not something that I could ever envision myself playing. Nope, absolutely not. So. All right. Next, Drown in the Lock. Blue-black, instant, choose one. Counter-target spell with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. Or destroy target creature with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. Putting aside, like, the restrictions on it for now, a split card that is... Count like a counter spell and a creature removal spell. Like that's a really good combination of things to have on a card. Mm-hmm. It will be live in every matchup, you know, as long as you can fulfill the requirements, and you know, just gives you a lot of options. As far as like how big you can go, what formats this actually works in, how likely your opponents are to have the cards in their graveyard to make this work. That's just not a thing I've cared about in enough Magic games to like give me the ability to accurately analyze this yeah. card. I think this card is just bad. I I do too. Mm-hmm. I I've... um I like the the one format where I could see it potentially seeing plays in Legacy, mm-hmm. just like some like you know a grindy deck where they like crack a fetch land and all of a sudden your you know your cards on you can counter their their like you know one drops at least. Yeah. Um, and very likely you can like you know trade even counter two drop or you just like always want abrupt decay in that slot though. Yeah, right? but right this I just can't ever see this like replacing any of the current legacy cards that are in those decks that mm-hmm. could potentially want it. I just I don't think this card's gonna ever see any play. It's well, I know it'll see play because people people like it. Yeah. Oh, people yeah. People will force it. Okay, but sure. I, I don't think it'll be correct. I don't think it's good. I think every time you want to kill a creature, they're just not gonna have cards in their graveyard like yeah. I, whoa what if the creature you want to kill is emery this always kills emery yeah well i mean if we find ourselves pretty starved at uh <laughs> destroying oh, emery's i think there are other cards that can kill emery that are also have a four three attached hmm. or you could shock emery right yeah just like <laughs> anything else <laughs> but like if you want to kill if you want to doomblade right yeah this they're playing creatures. They don't fill creatures. Don't die right, exactly. unless you kill them. If your them. opponent has cast a questing beast, they have no they have no cards in their graveyard. No, they you might have cannot drown it. Yeah, and half the spells they're playing are adventures, which don't even go to the graveyard. They go into exile. Yeah, questing <laughs> beast has, happens to be a very good swimmer. Yes, yeah, you can't drown that bad boy. Yeah, if you want to counter a spell, it's just a like. Yeah, blue black. I don't want my creature removal to be dependent on what my opponent has done in the game. That's not a way to not die to their creatures. Yeah, and and sure, there's like a like I've seen people want to play it with Vantress Gargoyle because it fills both graveyards, but yeah, I don't think a Vantress Gargoyle deck is interested in playing this card at all. You're not trying to like trade no resources in that way. I don't believe you want to do your thing and then you want to kill him. Yep, (laughs) I agree. I'm not. I'm not high on this card either. This next one, though, is sweet. This is Escape to the Wilds. Three red-green sorcery. Exile the top five cards of your library. You may play cards exiled this way until the end of your next turn, and you may play an additional land this turn. You know, ignoring, like, whether or not this actually works in Escape Shift or not, this is definitely a card I want to cast with Fires of Invention. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like it for that, if nothing else. This was spoiled before Fires of Invention. And I just really liked this card. Yeah, <laughs> like, it seems just like a sweet value play. Yeah, you're just like... Red-green kind of... I always have this problem where if your rate monsters are really good, you have to play them, and they don't usually have card advantage attached to them. So you end this like late game, uh, latish game scenario where your opponent has just dealt with your threats, and you're just trying to top-deck a creature. 
Yeah. And sometimes you just top deck mana dorks and lose or whatever. Yeah, you might just have, like, this as a two of in your gruel monsters deck. Yeah, and it gets you to your stuff, and it helps out your, your later game, which yeah. is really flexible for a, a red-green card. Yep. And you're, I just like how you're going to be able to play most of the lands that you hit off this thing. Like, you get to play an additional one the turn you cast it. So you, you can play, like, two to three of the lands off of this. And then you can start casting <laughs> your seven drops with your Fires of Invention. Yeah. Great. Beanstalk Giant, get in there. Get in there. Even a seven drop <laughs> you exiled off Escape to the Laws, because Fires of Invention is not, like, capped to your hand. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, I'm in. This card apparently costs 33 cents. Oh, so. really? Yeah. Man, I should buy, like, eight, but I'll only buy four. Okay. I'll buy five. I might play one in the cube. Yeah, I... This card seems very playable to me. And I and I, I do want to try it in Titan Shift. Yeah. Well, maybe not Titan Shift. I think that the best version of that deck that this is going to be good in is going to be like a more low-to-the-ground deck that plays a bunch of O3. Or Boreal Grazer. Boreal Grazers. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, people, it is nice. people are talking about a new build of that deck that Interesting. is like a little more turbo. Hits five on three more often with the Boreal Grazers. That's kind of the right. idea. And, then you but, and to... you're spewing your hand out, so having this refill is like pretty helpful. Oh, do you want to hit five because you're trying to castle out a Titan? Oh, you could. That's yeah. another thing to I do I didn't on consider five. that, but you could do that for sure. I don't... I, castle feels pretty bad in that deck, but yeah. It's definitely got a lot of tension. Right. You, don't just, you just don't have that many land slots. Well, next up, we've got Garrick, Cursed Huntsman. Four black green for a legendary planeswalker Garrick. Zero is create two, two, two black and green wolf creature tokens with when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garrick you control. Minus three, destroy target creature, draw a card. Minus six, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus three, plus three, and have trample. So we talked about this before. It is a pretty powerful, grindy, six mana planeswalker. If they're fighting stuff on the ground, you hit its ultimate pretty quickly and then you make an emblem, and then your like wolves that you make with this or future Garricks are just gigantic. All of your creatures are just gigantic, and you are gonna win on the ground. Um, making two two twos a turn is like pretty threatening, even against control decks. But if they are doing stuff to go over the top with like big things, this might not really be able to keep up with that sort of thing. You know, like stuff like Nexus and whatever were think were reasons that Liliana just never got the job done even yeah. though she seemed like a pretty good card um, yeah. that's my main concern with this card is just are we not in a standard where six mana grindy planeswalker does a thing yeah and it'll be interesting to find out if we are or not if we are i think this is the best option yep. i think you know two two twos as you're like i can do this every turn planeswalker ability seems really really strong the ultimate i think is really strong and pretty easy to get to uh the minus three is great it's just really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if you just like, you know, play a Grook, you kill a creature, you draw a card, they kill your Grook. You're you're up so much at that point. Yep. So yeah, I think this card's very very strong. Um, it does match up really poorly against Questing Beast. Yeah, yeah. Most Planeswalkers do. But but like this is a six mana Planeswalker, and it's still like it can kill a Questing Beast if Questing Beast is in if play it came down it, first. Yeah, which is likelier. Yeah, because it doesn't cost <laughs> six mana. Right. But this like definitely dies to the paradise druid or whatever if you do that sure. So. <laughs> sure. yeah. but what are you gonna do let the questing piece live yeah. nope it's <laughs> not good for you yeah if if garrick is the top <coughs> end that matters in this format it's the best of it that i've seen yeah because your other options are what liliana and ugin both of which only make one two two yeah. yeah and this is twice as good then yeah yep um that's the math <laughs> 
Yeah. I just am not going to buy it because I got burned on Liliana's because the format just wasn't about that. And I don't have a lot of confidence that the format's going to be about this either. Oh, yeah. I'll hold off for now. Mm-hmm. I don't often play green-black. A, a slight counterpoint to that, though, is that Liliana was printed what, kind of, like kind of late on. In, right, like, in a the, big format. Like in a big format. Yep. And this one's printed in early on a, a pretty small format. So. Right, and that's when Braska for four black-green was yeah. a good Planeswalker. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think the odds are in Grook's favor. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I could, you know. I just don't want to spend 50 bucks on these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, next we have Grumgully the Generous. One red-green for a 3-3 Goblin Shaman, legendary. Uh, each other non-human creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. So you did not originally have this on the spreadsheet. I totally understand that. The reason that I think this bears some looking into is this gives you a lot of infinite combos in your modern goblin deck that you can tutor up with goblin matron and goblin ringleader there's two different persist goblins so those with any sacrifice outlet gets you places what's the other persist i know murder strike half is one of them there's like a two mana two two from modern are there Horizons. goblin sack outlets that are free okay so if you you know you're playing your goblins game and you're just like assembling stuff. This is a lord for following goblins. That's not very good in modern, but whatever. But it just, with Murderous Redcap, creates an un- an unkillable Murderous Redcap in combat. And then if you have a sacrifice outlet, you win the game. And given that you're playing, like, I assume an Aether Vile deck with goblin ringleaders and goblin matrons, like, that's not impossible to get into, you know. And that, that means that... You're playing a Goblins deck that can win grindy games, and then you also have outs to infinite your opponent if you need to. Possible. I can, I can see it. Uh, I played against Goblins in Ohio last weekend. Uh, it was pretty scary. They did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Giving them some combo potential seems like it could be pretty cool. I think people will play that deck, whether mm-hmm. or not it'll be good. I, I think giving combo potential to a grindy creature deck patches yeah. very obvious holes in yeah. playing a grindy creature deck. Absolutely. For sure. I'm worried that it's a little too slow. Oh yeah, it's like pretty slow. It's pretty slow. I'm I'm worried that it's too slow and way too slot intensive. Mm-hmm. Even if you're just playing one of each combo piece and four square prospectors, because mm-hmm. the cards are already very good in goblins. Right. right. Uh, that's just that's just too much. Mm-hmm. The every time I've played against goblins, I've for some reason played against this deck way more than you'd expect. <laughs> uh, I just play against it all the time. Uh, it's just kind of got this want to get going and then. After I've established my initial board, use the matrons of the ringleaders to kind of put the nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. And this, if you're drawing Grumgully or Murderous Redcap in yeah, the initial not, stage, it's really bad. You don't bad. have any velocity there. And you're just like going to fall behind because modern's too fast for you. Yep. I, I can definitely see that being the case. But I think it's just worth noting that this does put together some infinite combos in that deck. Who knows? Sure. Um, I'm no goblins expert. Nor am I. Next up, we have Inspiring Veteran. This is red-white for a 2-2 human knight. Other knights you control get plus one, plus one. If the knight's deck is red and white, this is both probably the reason for it and good in it. Yeah, it's a knight lord. Yep. I do like that the the knight squire, the 2-1 one for one, mm-hmm. is in the art of this card. <laughs> nice. That is really cool. That's fun. Aw. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about yep. that card. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lord. Yeah. We, uh, we know what those are. I'm not going con- to... I'm going to continue not picking up knights. Uh, Lockmere Serpent. This is four blue-black for a 7-7 Serpent with Flash. 
It has blue and sacrifice an island. Lock Mirror Serpent can't be blocked this turn. Black, sacrifice a swamp. You gain one life and draw a card. Blue, black, exile five target cards from an opponent's graveyard. Return Lock Mirror Servant from your graveyard to your hand. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. Um, I don't really see what I'm doing with this card. I mean, yeah, it's like the, you know, if the Giant Wrath is the like the blue white finisher i think this is probably the blue black finisher if the control deck ends up being blue black instead and wanting a, um, a pure finisher card which is like well i mean we don't have to fair anymore right so like you know traditionally control decks in standard have needed something like this mm-hmm. but i think the the thing that makes you choose a control deck in standard is often going to be like like a, a a decision maker for me would be like if this control deck I don't have to spend a slot on a finisher mm-hmm. I'd rather play this control deck than the one where I have to play a six mana seven seven. That's fair. Eight. Yeah, but I mean you know who knows maybe like white just like doesn't offer like the removal suite that you need sure. or whatever. Just wraths is not generally going to cut it. You you know you're still going to need enough spot removal. But, yeah. So yeah, I mean that would be the scenario in which I could see this card seeing play. Outside of that. Right. Nah. I'm I'm just going to table this for the entirety of Teferi's legality. Not only because it plays really poorly Flash against... Flash is just, like, not really text. Well, it, it, pays, it plays really poorly against Teferi, mm-hmm. first off. But even if it didn't, that means there's a Teferi in the format, Time Rattler, that I could just be playing in my control deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely a pretty big call towards blue-white. Right. <clears throat> uh, and I, I honestly just don't... I, I don't get the text of this card very much. Even as a finisher, mm-hmm. uh, I don't like sacrificing lands in control decks or just I, oh, in general. Yeah. That that's my main like. I don't I don't really get this card like, part of it. Cashing in a swamp, and it's not just a land. It's specifically an island or a swamp. Yeah. If you want to have your your guy get unblockable, you use it twice or whatever to kill to fairies because whatever. Mm. Or or you sacrifice swamps because you need more cards, which is kind of counterproductive because you can't cast the cards you're drawing off these swamps. Right, and you also just, like, those swamps are cards. Yeah. Like, you like making a land drop every turn up until, like, land, like, 12 or so. And you just run out of swamps. You'll have, like, a yep. dismal backwater or temple of whatever the blue-black one's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm right. just like, well, I guess, like... I you're not gonna have a ton this. of swamps in your deck. No. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Re- I will hope to avoid playing this card. Yeah, hard pass on this one until some busted blue-black card and after Teferi rotates gets spoiled. Sure. Yeah. Next one is Outlaw's Merriment. One red, white, white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one at random. Create a red and white creature token with, the- with those characteristics. <laughs> you can either get, at random, a 3-1 human warrior with trample and haste, a 2-1 human cleric with lifelink and haste, or a 1-2 human rogue with haste, and when this creature enters the battlefield, it deals 1 damage to any target. I'm not super high on this card. If you have like a red-white aggressive deck, this could be a sideboard card for a removal-heavy matchup or something like pretty grindy. This is a commander card. Yeah, this card's just kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a very strange... It like on the surface reminds me of Assemble the Legion. Yeah, but, but Assemble the Legion never ramps. got out of control yeah, Assemble after Legion two turns. just goes crazy. This card just just goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they're just like kind of kind able of to... slowly and not even that impressively. Ever. Right. Yeah. You play it for four mana, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. You go to your next upkeep. You get a creature that you have no control over the context of that's like 
medium and certainly not worth four mana. No. And then you play you like okay sure you get one of those a turn yeah i'm not i'm not in yeah <laughs> not about it it's a it's a cool design though and it's very cute and the tokens yeah. are like that you have separate ones and stuff it's, it, it's cool but yeah, it's i, I don't want fun. to play it yeah yeah <clears throat> next we have the royal scions this is one a blue and a red for a five loyalty planeswalker plus one draw a card then discard a card plus one target creature gets plus two plus oh and gains first strike and trample until end of turn and minus eight, draw four cards. When you do, the Royal Scions deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. I probably underestimated this card at first look, but the more that I think about it and the more I realize that it goes up to six loyalty the turn that you play it, I, I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think it's strong. Um, it's not like insane or anything. Yeah. It doesn't really do much until it ultimates, but it definitely warps the game a little bit around it where your opponent has to commit to dealing with it otherwise it's going to give you an excellent effect a couple turns down the road yeah um and it's just you know slowly filtering your hand making it better every turn so yep um it also has a lot of synergy uh if you are playing this in an arclight phoenix deck it's a discard outlet for arclight phoenix it gives you your second draw each turn for triggering iron crag pyromancer mm-hmm. and the plus two plus oh first strike and trample is like not the greatest on a blue red card but it certainly makes them like not able to chump block your crackling drakes with their cerulean drakes anymore right Inish- yeah. initially i was really low on this card uh but i did i, I thought that if this card is going to be played it was going to be on the plus two plus o ability not on the loot ability mm-hmm. uh just because i think giving a creature on a plus ability first strike trample and power mm-hmm. is really strong if you can figure out a deck where that's a good thing to do yeah uh, and the loot's just bonus, like yeah. a good ability on top of it. Right. That, that like, if you're playing against a c- control deck and they keep removing your other threats, this sits there, fixes your hand, and, like, gets to an ultimate on Yeah, because the ultimate's fantastic. Yeah. So you just need to figure out how best to utilize it in, in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So I got higher on it when all the, like, second card drawn cards were spoiled. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. the, the Pyromancer is really good with this. Yep. Like you were saying, and there's an enchantment that makes a fairy whenever you draw a second card. Yep. I, maybe that's good. I don't know. But it's, it's worth no looking idea. at. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this ends up working out pretty well. I And I, I like the type of deck that uses this card quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to pick up Damaged. Yeah. This card doesn't even exist yet. Get some heavily played ones instead. They're going to start opening packs and just really <laughs> rough them up. <laughs> okay, these are damaged. What? I want to sell this one for cheaper. <laughs> Why are there damaged versions of a card that doesn't exist yet listed? I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to choose that. I'm curious to see what will happen. <laughs> well, how will you get them? These are ripped in half. I just uh, I just am like totally boggled right now. But anyways, I bought three. I'm just going to pick up... I don't know. I'm not a big believer in Arclight Phoenix. Yeah, that's reasonable. But I think there's a blue-red deck without Arclight Phoenix that could be totally fine as I'm well. I'm a sucker for these blue-red medium decks, mm-hmm. and I'm trying not to be. I think Ironcrag Pyromancer may be a key to making the decks just not medium at all. The curve is off for me for that. Hmm. You just start with the removal spells. I don't mind buying this card later, because I, I like this card a lot. Sure. But... I'm just gonna hold off for now. I want to see, I want to see more 
from it. That's fair. Yeah. And more from the format. I think it'll be yeah. kind of defining on what the format looks like for that card to see play. Sure. Um, next up, we have Steel Claw Lance. This is red-black for an equipment. Equip creature gets plus two, plus two. Has equip three or equip a knight for one. So this is just like a Ghostfire Blade for knights. Yeah. Kind of medium on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're playing like a black-red knight deck that wants equipment, is that slot not just going to get taken up by Embercleave? Probably? Yeah. I would imagine so. Yeah, I, I I think so. I I I'm struggling really hard to find myself wanting to put this in a constructed deck. But this is very cheap and very easy, and you have to do like nothing to enable it except for having knights in your deck. So that's kind of the like Ghostfire Blade was a pretty good card. It only cost one though. It did only cost one. I think that's a pretty big difference. But moving around for one is like, yeah, good. I mean, that's what you want for yeah. sure. Um, the the difference, the real difference, is that it gives you something. Everyone has those turns where you just have a mana floating, mm-hmm. but you rarely have turns where you just have two mana floating. Right, right. So being able to weave in like a, a one drop is way easier than weaving in a two drop, especially in an aggro deck where you want to play a one drop on turn one. Right, definitely true. Yeah, where I you just can't yeah. play that. Yep. I just don't see myself playing this card until like turn four or something, and then yeah, and then you know what are we doing? Yep. I'm not really into it. Um, next we have Stormfist Crusader. This is. Also black-red for a human knight, 2-2 menace. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player draws a card and loses one life. This card seems interesting. Yeah. I uh, I don't really know how to evaluate it. I'll probably start off with at least a couple of these in my red-black versions of my knight decks. Mm-hmm. Who knows if we'll end up wanting to keep it, though. I, I just <laughs> it's, it's such a weird card. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange card. Yeah. It's, it's come from the wrinkle family of symmetrical effects. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right, you, I mean, and you just gotta, like, break that symmetrical effect. So, number one, make the lose life matter more for your opponent playing, by being an aggressive deck. deck. Check. And make your cards cheaper so that drawing them yeah. is good. It's better for you. You know, she kind of is, a, like, a three-power menace creature in OA, yeah. and that's, like, an okay deal. Yeah. It is nice that you, you're, you, you don't play her and then pass turn and your opponent draws a card. It's, right, it's the other way around. You get the first chance, yeah, to use. The you card. draw the cards at the same time, but you get you get it's your turn. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty key to making cards like this good. So or playable. Yeah, playable. I bet this is if there's a red black knights deck. I bet this is a part of it. Yeah. Like I, I think it would it works well in an aggressive red black deck yeah. if that exists, which it often does not. Next is Wintermore Commander. This is white-black for a two-star human knight with death touch. Wintermore Commander's toughness is equal to the number of knights you control. Whenever Wintermore Commander attacks, another target knight you control gains indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, I mean, this card seems really strong to me Mm -hmm. in in the knight's shell. It definitely has a lot of upside if you have, like, three or more knights. Like, having a two-three death touch attacking and making your opponent's blocks kind of complicated seems pretty strong to me. Yeah, it's just another, you know, another gold knight that will likely see play in the knight deck if it if it if is the lucky white. winner. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and its color combination is the one that we settle on. I yeah. I will say that it's hardest to play red black mana wise right now okay. than any of the other ones. Why is that? Because uh, red black only has one set of duels. The other ones have two. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't. 
know that the temples are so great in our one mana two drop no. deck anyways but so all of the decks have a shock land and the night land so they're like not that far off and evolving wilds fable and, passage then fable passage yeah anyways that's it for the multicolored cards we're making our way through this is the last section although there's so many lands to talk about are there oh yeah well Oh, yeah, there are. We have to talk about them individually, too. It's not just a cycle. Yeah, because they all do, like, pretty different stuff. <laughs> On artifacts, we've got Clockwork Servant. It's a 3-mana, 2-3 artifact creature gnome. Uh, it has adamant, so when you cast it... it when, excuse me. When it enters the battlefield, if at least 3-mana of the same color was spent to cast it, draw a card. I just don't think it's crazy that there's a monocolor deck that might want a 3-mana thing that's a 2-3 that draws a card. I don't think it's super likely, but the fact that it can be any color means that it's available here for someone who wants it. Well, it's not like a Riot Devils with Cantrip. It's kind of like a, a Chain Whirler. It's a triple-colored Cantrip card. Right. That's so, so much. So it's got to be a monocolored deck, but it can be any of the monocolored decks is, is the only... Like, it's relatively flexible in that. But yeah, no, not a great card. Certainly. It's not even a food. You can't you can't eat it. It's not a food. Yeah, you my artifacts better be food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to be able to eat these things. I mean, this card is not good. I did not actually want to put this on there. I was just, like, thinking about weird Pulse stuff. Pulse checking me. <laughs> Sorcerer's Spyglass? Sorcerer's Spyglass is still here. Yay! <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, we can talk about it. It's important to have access to Sorcerer's Spyglass in Standard. Yeah, it's it's just Sorcerer's Spyglass. We, we know what it does. Yep. It's been here before. It's Pithing Needle. You can look at their hand for two mana. Yep. Uh, shuts off Planeswalkers. It has not seen a lot of play, like, <laughs> which is crazy. But the difference between two mana and one mana, I guess, is really strong. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a perennial, like, one of or so in a lot of, like, control. Like, in, like slower decks that didn't have their own teferis it was important to have access to sorcerer spyglass because you had a really hard time beating teferi Hmm. so i like being on the teferi side of the equation i mean it was usually the winning side but there's nothing like your opponent having two teferis in hand and you play a sorcerer spyglass let's go on to stone coil serpent which is an x artifact creature snake it just costs x it's a zero zero uh, it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, and it has a slew of keywords, reach, trample, and protection for multicolored. Having all of those keywords actually makes this, like, okay on rate. Is this like the uh, the Jealous Boyfriend Endless One meme? Yes. Like, <laughs> Endless well, One was a rare cast, too, right? Yeah, but you can't cast this off of Eye of Ugin or <laughs> right. Eldrazi Temple. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a knock for older formats. Yeah, but does... Yeah. <laughs> um, but for standard and stuff, like, there are times that probably, like, a split card that's, like, a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three pro multicolored or a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four pro multicolored, like, can match up pretty well. This can't get bounced by Teferi. No. But it's, like, kind of just not great no. at every point of the curve, right? It's, it's not great, but if that protection from multicolored is particularly relevant, then it becomes a fine card in that matchup. And it is flexible, and for, you know, like, Emery can keep casting this out of the graveyard at whatever point in the game, you know? That's, like, not terrible. We can have it in our sideboard for the modern Niv-Mizzet decks. <laughs> it does have reach and walks Niv-Mizzet. <laughs> 
I, I found it. I found we did the place it. That we're well, okay. <laughs> hold on. If we are playing against the Fires of Invention Niv Mizza deck, yeah. this thing just like doesn't die to any of their stuff. Of course, blocks all of their things. Oh, it's certainly amazing well, in the matchup. Yeah. <laughs> all okay. right, but but like we've in, got the safety valve in an Emery deck. Like you can play this on turn one to allow the turn two Emery. And then you can just, like, keep fighting their stuff with it and then casting it for whatever your leftover mana is with Emery. I don't know that you want to play this as a 1-1 just to enable a turn one Emery. You're just trading a mana for a card. But you're not, because unless you believe you're going to have an artifact to cast every single turn with Emery, like, artifact creatures that you can cast with Emery are, like, inherently valuable because you can trade them off in combat and then bring them back. And then this one scales as the game goes on. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. I don't think it's insane, but I think it could be a, a piece of that deck. Maybe. It's got to have something else going on. This Emery Synergy is fine, but yeah. it's not impressive. Yeah, it's like fine, but you also need the protection from multicolored to be a good thing. It just has too many variables. I, I, I'm not into yeah. it. No, Unless I'm, Niv Mizzet's everywhere. I'm not going to pick any up, but I could see this card being something that you want. That's all. Sure. All right, to the castles. Aha! Aha. We've made it. To the probably the most important cards overall in the set. Finally, at the end of the set review. <laughs> when we're all exhausted and can't really make any good points anymore. Um, yeah. So first off, I can't believe anyone's saying these cards are good. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't believe that anybody says that these cards aren't good. I don't think anybody does. So we've got... The white one first, Castle Ardenvale. Enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a planes. Tap to add a white. Two white white tap, create a 1-1 one, one white human creature token. It is certainly basically free to include... It's certainly free to include one of these in any mono white deck. It's pretty free to include like two or three or so. Probably most useful in mono white decks, although like creating tokens like this can be helpful as blockers sometimes but if you're not like an aggressive deck like you probably have things to spend your mana on when you get to that point in the game but opportunity cost is just so low that like you're gonna run a couple of these a lot yeah i think evaluating all of these like individually we're just gonna come to the same conclusion every time we're just they're they're all basically (laughs) the same even though they do different things yeah right they're just lands with low opportunity cost you just have to have a basic land if they're matching color mm-hmm. or not even a basic not even land. a basic yeah it's the just duels work a type of the mm-hmm. matching color yep yeah so island swamp mountain forest plains then they just help you over time they're just free effects yeah included as part of your mana base and they're all pretty good yeah some of them are better than others but you know this one you'll play sometimes but the thing is if you think that your effect is not useful it's a land you put in your deck as part of your mana base. Right. <laughs> Just right. tap it for mana. I'm not spending a card on this. <laughs> you don't have to use it. No one's forcing you. Yep. Second one is Castle of Vantress. Enters the battlefield tapped unless you control an island. Taps for a blue. Two blue blue tap. Scry two. Game's going long. You get to scry. You have better draws than your opponent. Except that they have their own castle, I assume, because everybody's going to have this. People are going to be castling. Yeah, that's just how these games are going to devolve. You each have like different ways of kind of going up in whatever you're doing. The red one actually just kills you, I believe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one red, true. One red, red. Those games do not go Attacking creatures get plus one, plus zero, oh, I believe. Yeah. Plus two, plus zero. Oh. Or it, plus one, plus zero. Oh. Plus one, plus zero. Oh. Yeah, it's plus one, plus zero, oh, but it's part of your land. So, okay, sure. So I'm buying two of the white castle, two of the blue castle. Yeah, I, I'm going to buy two of them all right now, and then I'll, I'll figure out, probably should buy four of the red ones. Yeah, that's my <laughs> plan is, yeah, just to 
allow everybody to know what what I'm doing. I'm I'm buying two of each castle except for the red one. I'm buying four of that because it's you're gonna if you're playing a bunch of there's gonna be a deck that wants to play a bunch of mountains mm-hmm. and you just want to play a bunch of castles in the deck because if you activate it you probably win that turn or the next turn. Yeah, yeah. The castle I'm I think I'm most excited about is the the uh, the black castle. Yeah. One BB tap draw a card, then yeah. lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. Yeah, I think that generally, once you start activating this card, you're only going to be losing a life for each activation. So you just have like four mana draw a card on a stick. Yeah, yeah. if you're aggressive and and you're running this, like it's just yeah, very very good, it's insanely strong. This is a much much healthier version of like Search for Scanta style, yeah. where it, go- it goes you up a card, right? But you're d- you do not want to use it every turn, yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. if you got like control of the game, right? Right. A lot of times, activating Search for Scanta was better than most of the other stuff you could be doing, yeah. Because you're just like, I have like two cards in my deck that I want to hit, so if I just activate the Search three times, I'm going to hit it, and then I'll win the game there. The green one's pretty cool too. It's a uh, two wow, GG. Castle Amber is the cheapest one. Wow, really? That's bizarre. It's only sixty nine cents. That can't. Be, it's damaged. What does this mean? <laughs> nice. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I I might recommend going back. I'm gonna go back and take out the damaged ones. But like, why is it like the first one that gets listed? Like, what is happening? They, they want this is a to... TCG player. It's like a bunch of different vendors, right? Yeah. So okay, one of these vendors is whack. Yeah. I just don't. I don't understand what's going on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Castle Garenbrig probably deserves the most conversation. Uh, this sure. is the one. And as a battlefield tapped unless you control a forest. Taps for a green. Two green, green, tap. Add six green. Spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activate abilities of creatures. So it jumps you a mana as long as you're casting a green creature. Yeah. And... It casts your, um, uh, your troll kings yeah. a turn early. That's, yep. I, honestly, I think, pretty big. It gives an extra mana for Hydroid Crisis. Sure. Right, like kind of evens it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's just free to have in your mana base. Yep, kind of the running theme. Stupid not to get a couple of them. Right, and yeah, potential with Titans in modern. Um, I don't know if that well, is more one. likely. <laughs> just, just one Titan. <laughs> yeah, potential with Primeval Titan in modern. I don't know if Valakut or Titan actually or or Amulet, Amulet actually yeah. wants this, but it's it should be tried at least. Mm-hmm. I think I could, like, I don't really know if it's good in Amulet. It seems um, mostly worse than a bounce land. Yeah, I don't I know. I guess. Like, like, I just don't know if there are any scenarios where, like, it actually, like, is the only thing that could ramp you in that spot as opposed to different land. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, when you don't have Probably. an amulet, it's a comes into play tapped yeah. land that adds two <clears throat> mana and doesn't bounce a thing. So, right. well, sometimes there are spots in Amulet where it's really easy to get to five mana, then you have to wait a turn. Okay, sure. Then this could help there. There's a couple different sequences. You need where... like a forest, or I guess yeah. If if you have well, if you amulet, have an amulet, then... the the most yeah. common thing is when you have Azusa and an amulet, mm. you get to five mana really like because you, you play cast Azusa. the Azusa and yeah. then you, you get to five. Really you get to easily. five, and you have an amulet in place. So this would come into play untapped, but you just have to stop. Gotcha. Unless you have this card specifically, nice. then you can just cast okay. your Titan. So maybe it's just like a four of in that. Maybe coming That's to play tapped is, is hard. Yeah, but I, who knows? We'll, we'll definitely everyone playing Amulet loves playing everything. Like they love playing games with the deck. They'll mm-hmm. try out anything. <laughs> nice. So it, it will be tested extensively. Excellent. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> All right, done with the castles. Now we've got Fabled Passage. What does this card do? This does Evolving Wilds. Oh, 
Tap, sacrifice field of passage, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Then if you control four or more lands, untap that land. So it is evolving wilds until you have until turn four or so. And it's like, then it's great evolving yeah. wilds. I think this card is just gonna see a lot of play in most every multicolor deck. Yep. Yeah. Um, I keep seeing this easily. without it. Just like six temples. It's probably wrong. Yeah. I don't it's like six temples and then a bunch of four mana spells. <laughs> That's nonsense. Just play the untapped land. Right. Yeah. I mean this card's great. It's uh It's like the Spire it's like the anti spire bluff canal. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever color combination you want. Right. It, yeah. Does this thing does it trigger when the land comes into play? Yeah, so if you get your fourth basic with it, yeah. It the basic Comes with tapped, but then untaps. and then it triggers and untaps. Yeah. So you do get an extra okay. mana if you have an amulet, and then you get this <laughs> um, basic. Yeah, not what I was thinking about. Just like yeah. kind of okay. Yeah, you get one of your three <clears throat> basic forests with your fabled passage. Got him. <laughs> right. Yep. It's, I am not super happy to be spending nine dollars on these. No. Yeah. I. They should have made it an uncommon. I, I don't know if it's going to go down. In I price. don't think it will. It's no, just, it, it's just gonna a four everyone of, needs four of them. It's just a four the, of them. The bandwaces are way too bad. Right. Like, yeah, it, I'll just pick them up now. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you're just going to play them for the next three months until you get temples. Then you'll probably still play them. Yeah. Well, like, I want to run some. So, blue, red. Like, Oh, yeah, you're going to need these. You just need these. This comes into play untapped on your Crackling Drake turn. Right. Like, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, I'll buy four. I will too. Yeah, I have to. Yep, you just you just need them. All right, and then we've got the cycle of common lands, which are, you know, not not quite as good as the castles. Yeah, they all do. They all have the same untapped condition, so there's no real reason to go through all their text. Right. They all have their basic land type. Yep. So idyllic Grange is a plains, Mystic Sanctuary is an island, and so on. So you can fetch them. You can fetch them. Yep. They all come into play tapped unless you control three or m- more other. other. Of the same land type they are. Right. Yep. So Idyllic Grange comes to play tapped unless you have three other three or more other planes. When it enters the battlefield untapped, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. I don't think this card is playable. The white one, no. The white one's just for plus one plus one counter. It's not really. You, you, who knows? In, you have to be an aggressive white, deck. A mono white creature deck could have like a couple of these. But it it's it comes into play tapped on turns one, two, and three. Yeah, it's not great. The, so. the nice thing about these lands in general, not the, the white one I, I'm fine moving on from, mm-hmm. but they they do let your castles come to play untapped. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, Mystic Sanctuary I'm much more excited about. Yeah. This is the blue one, and then when it enters the battlefield untapped, you may put target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard on top of your library. Um, I think people are a little overreacting to this thing, but it does a lot of cute stuff. It you know, in older formats can put a miracle on top of your library if that's a thing that you want to do, which in particular with the time walk is like, could be really powerful. Does that card exile itself? Exile it, yeah. So you'd have to like put it in your graveyard somehow. But but that, that would be the whole point is that you're accelerating. Honestly, the I, I've heard someone play, say that this card, Mystic Sanctuary, is really good in the Taking Turns deck because it just plays a pile of basic islands and Time Warp doesn't exile itself. Yeah, I, I completely believe that because you're just trying to draw Time Warps anyway. every and yeah, That's our whole game turn. plan. Um, so yeah, I bet that it is great in that deck, whether that deck is playable. It yeah, has it's... not been. But with uh, two Cryptic Commands in this, you get to just draw Cryptic Command every... Like, each time your opponent 
manages to cast a spell, you get to cryptic command and then put a cryptic on top of your library. So counter, bounce the sanctuary. Counter, bounce the sanctuary, play the sanctuary, put a cryptic on top. So you can like lock your opponent out pretty well with that. You only need one cryptic command for that, right? Yeah, I guess you do only need one for yeah. that, don't you? Yeah, it's way way better than that. Yeah. Having two. Actually, that's re- that that's pretty good then. It's a it sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid fetchable late game because you the sanctuary can already be in play. Like you could have fetched right. it on turn two or whatever. Mm-hmm. You only need one in your deck, which is all yeah. you want to run, and then you just counter the spell, bounce the sanctuary, put the cryptic command on top of your library, and draw it, and it's ready for their next spell. If they don't cast a spell, you get to keep drawing cards. It's a, that's a solid like. If we're into casting Cryptic Command in Modern, that's like it should probably include a Mystic Sanctuary. Yeah, I'm not super into casting Cryptic Command in Modern, but no, I, I haven't yet, and I don't plan to. But if people want to, this is a, definitely a card they should have. Yeah, and the fact that it is fetchable definitely just like when you need this thing from your graveyard, fetch this land and get the thing back, and that's that's something. I, I think this card will see quite a bit of play. As a one-off. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Witch's Cottage puts a creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. It's the swamp. Yeah, it's the swamp. It's That's much less exciting. Yeah. It's still pretty solid. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's probably a better standard card. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, the other two aren't very good. The red one makes a 1-1 dwarf if you have mountains, which is cute flavor because it's dwarven mine. Mm-hmm. But I wish they would have used that name somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very basic like good name it just is on a kind of nonsense land i mean fetching and getting a one one is like a prize dryad arbor yeah the fetching a dryad arbor for blocking is like a time-honored thing but i don't imagine wanting to do that but in a deck with your (laughs) three other mountains i don't uh, know the classic my opponent has three mountains and a fetch land i they probably won't block with a one well okay hold on though yeah this is a mountain that does a thing in valakut if you need to fetch out a blocker in Valica, you can't do it with Dryad Arbor, but you could do it with this, and that's not totally insane. That's true, but... You can't escape shift for it, for its effect, though, because it has to come into play untapped, and it's just it's not going to happen. Yeah, time. I know. I'm just saying that, okay. like, if you want to... But when you, you escape shift for lethal. <laughs> sure, like, okay, we're not yeah. worried about getting a blocker off of How our escape How many basic shift? mountains does escape shift usually play? Six. Six? Okay. I, I was going to make the argument that this, like, fountains aren't very great in that deck because it's basically mono green. Yeah. And this is just... It's also another name for your Field of the Dead. I promise you, this All is right, going to be... of. Lock it in. A one of in Assault. some Valakit decks. Oh, yeah, for sure. But <laughs> I can't imagine it's correct. Yeah. Paging Becky. It'll, it'll be really bad when you draw, like, this on turn two as your land and you're just, like... Or drawing just, it at all yeah drawing it is really <laughs> bad you need to be able to fetch it from outside of your library uh and then gingerbread cabin is the forest it makes a food i guess delicious <laughs> yeah, if you're like a really land. food-based deck with like a lot of forests in it and you don't mind this coming into play tap sometimes i don't think this card sees play no it's, it's the only land that makes a food we have to consider that yeah just briefly i'll really consider it and then <laughs> i'll consider it and decline <laughs> Uh, and then Tournament Grounds. It's a land, tap, add a colorless, tap, add red, white, or black, spend this mana only to cast a knight or equipment spell. It'll probably be a duel that you use to cast knights in any of the knight decks. Yeah, yep. you get to pick. Right. Um, yeah, this is the knight's card. It'll see play in the knight's deck. Um, so. It's probably only ever going to be a dual land, but... Unless you're really... 
Unless you're really just trying to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you're just really committed to not casting good, any spells. Good, good on yeah. you. You definitely are not <laughs> casting, like... Hopefully you draw your turn on a craft. The worst part about this card, if you're trying to Mardu it up, mm-hmm. is you want to play Murderous Rider, which is a double black card. Okay. But you also can't cast the spell with this card. Right. Adventure. Oh, no. <laughs> you can only cast the creature. You need two uh, black cards. <laughs> yeah. They're black two lands black as sources. well. And then... Real black sources. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's not ideal. <clears throat> so you have to count it like in your red land slots in your black red deck or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it does have a little bit of downside there. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, that's it. We made it. There's a lot of cards we had to go over. Oh, man. There's yeah. so many. Whew. Okay. Um, thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We all really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to find us online, you can find our social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. The podcast is also on Twitter at at MTG underscore Grindcast. If you want to find Lee. I'm at Lee McCleo on Twitter. Uh, Collins. At Collins Mullen. Um, if you would like to support us, maybe buy us some, what do we need, like ibuprofen and like some bottled water after this? Throat <laughs> lozenges. Yeah. yeah. I'd love yeah. to buy some sleep. If, you would yeah, love, yeah. if you'd like to buy us those things, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast, and that would be really cool of you. But yeah, I'm not going to do any more signing off. Thanks a lot for listening. I know it was a very long one. Um, hopefully you did this in stages because we definitely <laughs> just powered straight through. <laughs> God bless anyone who listened to this the full <laughs> way through. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully road tripping somewhere. But anyways, thanks so much, and have a great week. Peace. Bye.